It's, it's Gentleman Jack. Jack. Crack. Crack. Cue that fucking jaunty music. Nineteenth-century grubbling, grubbling, grubbling. Good lord. Bonjour. <laughs> that, that's actually a rather good greeting. <laughs> I caught you by surprise there. Didn't know I was gonna switch it up. With the languages. Are we in Paris already? Are we in Paris already? <laughs> We're a mess. Uh, hopefully by now, even though it's been one episode, if we have any listeners coming over from... Well, well, they're aware of the accent... Um, what should we call a- it? Ac- Merry-go-round? A carousel? Uh, yeah. Abound. They abound. Accents abound. Sometimes these accents are real things, based off real things. And sometimes they're just from made-up worlds right, and lands and places. No grounding whatsoever. <laughs> oh my gosh. But good day. Ciao. Bienvenidos. Guten Tag. Shalom. Namaste. Hello. What else is that? Uh, those are all the languages I'm going through. Forget it. Uh, to episode two of Gentleman Jack Crack, entitled, Oh, I was just there to study anatomy. Of course you were. <laughs> just Miss, anatomy. Of course you were, Miss Lister. Just of course the anatomy. You so we just got through. You know what? Wow. Why is why is the English accent on fleek right now? I don't know what the fuck happened in between. You know what? I blame the the video. The music video just came on. Oh, Yeah. From Tuli and M, the Gentleman Jack, <laughs> Gentleman Jack, fucking. So we found a live video of them performing the song. I mean, truthfully, we saw many live videos of them performing the song because oh, YouTube yeah. did its thing, and we didn't stop it from doing its thing. We're just like, what's this? More music, concerts. Should make a little pilgrimage to the UK, to Scotland. Actually, my my little sister was just in Scotland this past weekend, and I wanted to be like, could you dip in on where Anne Walker was staring off into the distance? <laughs> but she was there with her husband. They were doing hat fangs. <sighs> Just looking at castles and whatever. A shout out to any potential Scottish listeners. Love you down there. We're happy to have it's you. It's very pretty in Scotland. But um, yeah. So what a doozy of an episode this was. It was very good. A lot happened. A lot went down. We yes. had a lot of feelings. A lot went down. I feel like we should start recording just for shits. And we'll find somewhere to put it. Maybe that what we were saying about Patreon or whatever, but just like the reactions we had while we were yes, watching the episode. Okay, because, because you can't get that back. You can't get back true. the authentic what the fucks. And I mean, I, there'll be a lot of peeking. There's no... There will be a lot of peeking. Well, you know, if we're not talking directly into the mics well, yeah. and they're just positioned in the direction of where oh, we right, are, we right. totes won't peek, but we'll hear what's going on. But why don't we watch it one more time before we get into Let's discussing episode two. <laughs> we have our own bell oh, you guys got it from a friend and this was her grandfather's special bell for something to do with working in a place for lots of years so it's kind of a fancy bell which is appropriate i'm gonna just call this our Lister bell i <laughs> what do they call it i commandeered <laughs> the bell from her i was like mm-hmm. i need this but she was happy to lend the bell to the gays so wow what an episode this was this was a lot this is a good a lot, though. I mean, the first one was good a lot, too. But this is more of the a lot. <laughs> I mean, if that's... I mean, it's only gonna because... get redundant. <laughs> Each episode, we're like, it's a 
lot. It's, a lot of a lot. A good a lot, but a lot. I mean, but also great. It's, it's a little less expedition because we have a feel of where we are, what we're doing. And yes, it's more... there's definitely less exposition, more action. Yes. I mean, there's a lot of exposition, to be sure. But not in the same way that we had in episode one, where it was just setting up our cast of characters, essentially, where we are, what we're doing. And now in episode two, we're in the sheds. We're in the nitty gritty. So it looks like we begin where we sort of left off in the extra credits uh, or the extended <laughs> edits. <laughs> we extra have to call credits. them extended edits only because um, HBO and, you know, they're glory. I mean, they, they technically are extended because it's not really extended deleted because they're both. They're deleted from us, but extended scenes from what we've seen. Yes. So... So that's why I was like extra edit, extended edit. HBO yeah. needs to fix their lives is what I'm saying. Ultimately, yes. Because so, even if you couldn't fit that shit, oh, frame rates. Uh, where is the special feature? Where is the little thing that attaches itself to the episode to be like, in case you are wondering, there was this other thing here that you didn't see or you didn't get to see in the original airing? Because uh, it should show up now. Now when we're like just watching Gentleman Jack at our... At our leisure, right? Like it now that the, it's on it demand, the, the extra features. It's right. It's shit. it should no longer be under the same constriction. It's now its own entity. It's on own demand. Thing. Yeah. So how does this episode start off? Miss List of Miss Walker, Mackerman. It it basically brings us inside the uh wonderful estate of uh Ann Walker and she's so excited <laughs> she's so excited she's like oh let me be in this one room that because this is the last room I've seen her in and I get to bring that up as a point of conversation let me hide my my you know my watercolor drawings that I had oh, strewn across gosh. the floor newspapers <laughs> that she probably thought were unsophisticated Oh my gosh, yeah, so she she's totally fretting like a teenager. Like, oh my God, she's here. Miss Lister, she's calling upon me. And I'm wondering if James maybe heard her fretting or just was like around for that shit because it's adorable. The way she just, we see that look to James where she's like, oh my God. <laughs> you know, as James is taking his leave out of the room. And you can just tell she's just so fucking excited to have a visitor. But not just any visitor, a specific fucking visitor. A uh, visitor, you know, not without her own um, set of goals in mind. Um, and before she even needs to, you know, to yarn at all, she notices a... Uh, Wait, yarn? Well... What do you mean, like stitch? What do you mean? I mean... <laughs> Sometimes you and your pursuits will have to spin a yarn. Oh, you mean, oh, spin a yarn, spin a tail. Yeah. And Ann Lister is not above spinning tails to try to get into a lady's knickers. But you're right that she, I mean, she's there on her game. She's there on her, her Lister, as I'll call it, because that's totally a thing that I figured out throughout the many books I read in her diaries. That that's a thing she does. She gets on her Lister. She gets on her fucking jaunty on her like, okay, I'm about to get this hoe. And she goes up in there with full intention of like, okay, let's put it on. My fucking hair's looking fresh. I got this fucking cologne on. And she's not ready for the absolute complete thirstiness on display from Anne. She's like, all right, I got a game plan. My game plan's in. Just ask her what her interests are, who she be with, things to make her smile. Well, she comments, um, <laughs> What's the first thing she says? Something about like, oh, I haven't been in this room for years. And then that's when Anne, other Thursday Anne, goes on her mini speech about, oh, yes, I it was this 10 years ago after my mom died. And do you remember that I ran after you? Oh, my gosh. I love how just prior to that, Anne is basically like, I remember it. I remember everything, <laughs> by the way. And then when she's like, well, do you remember how I ran after you? She's like, remind me. Could you remind me of that? What was that? Tell me. I don't I don't think I remember that. It's like, oh, well, I mean, imagine what you would have thought of me because, you know, I tried to chase after you and invite you over back to, for tea. Uh, and then I thought it would 
be also awkward. So, you know, the first time I watched the show, I wasn't sure, you know, if the remind me was, well, I mean, you could take it two ways that she was lying in a certain sense by remembering everything and remembering Anne and, you know, them playing coy when she's like, oh, remind me because she really didn't remember or the other way of playing coy. Like, I do remember everything, but I want to hear you say it and tell it so I can observe how you feel about that situation. And now having read the books, I feel like it's the latter that she was like, let me do a soft lie to be like, oh, remind me, I need, I need to hear from your words how the experience was. And then I think when she hears it, she's completely unprepared for how fond of a memory it is to use Ann Walker's words. I know we mentioned that diary entry in the historical nightcap that we did, but I'll just read it again really quickly for context because the context is key now that we're actually here. So the diary entry from the Secret Diaries of Miss Ann Lister, Tuesday, June 12th, 1821. In the afternoon at a quarter past five, walked along the new road and got past pump when Miss Ann Walker of Crow Nest overtook me, having run herself almost out of breath. Walked with her as far as the Lydgate entrance to their own grounds and got home at 640. And then she continues in code, made myself, as I fancied, very agreeable and was particularly civil and attentive in my manner. I really think the girl is flattered by it and likes me. She wished me to drink tea with them. I hoped for another walk to Giles' house, and the readiness she expressed shewed that my proposition was by no means unwelcome. She has certainly no aversion to my conversation and company. After parting, I could not help smiling to myself and saying, the flirting with this girl has done me good. It is heavy work to live without women's society, and I would far rather while away an hour with this girl who has nothing in the world to boast but good humor than not flirt at all. Can I also just say this is how I feel when I'm working on set with a bunch of dudes. <laughs> it is heavy work to live without the society of women. Uh, or rather, yes. it's heavy work to live without women's society. And I agree. That shit is rough. So that's the context I apply here is that she obviously remembered. But perhaps she was trying to gauge, is she as into me? Is she as eager? Is she still as pleased to be in my presence as I remembered 10 years ago, even though I was still fucked up in the Mariana fog that I couldn't really or I didn't really care to see where this could go? But I think, I mean, I don't know. It makes, it calls to mind the scene in which she describes the, <laughs> her time at their place and then describing the girls themselves as, uh, what was it? No oil painting. <laughs> and I did, it puts uh, me in the mindset of, well, if this was 10 years ago, she's now blossoming. So that means that she must have been a little. But you have to, like, it's both things. At this time, Anne's in her 30s and she's more. I don't want to say locked into her personality per se, because it's a constant evolution. You learn more things, you get more cultured, you make more friends, but essentially the the core elements of her personality were locked into place. And for Ann Walker, my gosh. And I just think Anne in general wasn't checking for young girls beyond right. the fact that, look at this pretty young girl. She's totally into me. She totally wouldn't mind going on this walk with me. And matter of fact, I love flirting with bitches. And that's Anne is such a gay because she spends so much time in her diaries like, I just love flirting with women. When I don't get to be around women, life sucks. And so I think that's this, that's this here is that it was 10 years ago and she was just not in a headspace to do anything but be like, oh, look at this cute neighbor girl. She's silly, but I could have fun flirting with her if only mariana wasn't being such a fucking jackass yeah Ugh. and so after that ann walker she talks about how she invited her to tea and gets very bashful about the story with just a smattering of shame if i had to say which i think unfortunately will be somewhat of a theme 
with Miss Ann Walker in the series. But it also, I feel like, indicates like her self-esteem, just like where she is as a person, that confidence isn't a thing that she is experiencing in spades. She barely experiences it all, unless she's maybe trying to get into Ann Lister's niggas, but that's another story I mean, entirely. I just love that her face is bright, has color in it, she's alive. She said so much this episode, she I, I did. Don't, I don't she know. She never she'll... talked. Right. I think, okay, we're totally jumping ahead in the timeline, but I think that's part. I mean, I love the ramble she does because it's like a nervous ramble. I'm talking. Oh, my God. And I want to be talking to you. But I don't think she does that. I don't think she rambles with anyone else. I don't think she even has the opportunity because so many people are always trying to cut her off, talk for her, finish uh, the sentence. This, that she's quiet. She I don't want to rush like... ahead again, but because <laughs> that scene's coming and I'm it definitely going to mention that when we get there. I agree. She talks a lot with Anne. And I mean, gay women, ladies who love ladies, there's always going to be a lot of talking in that situation. But they you can just tell they just enjoy each other's company. And it's it's nice to watch. I like seeing Anne Walker with her with her hair down in a sense with with her guard Bitch, that's actually down. coming in the literal sense but I'm sorry I knew what I meant and I'm happy that that's gonna come I, I, Man, for shit. a second I thought it was coming in this episode I was like wait it's too early that's it what cometh. I said it cometh we should also note that like while this is happening Anne is doing some sort of dance that's how i'll call it because oh, she's walking yeah, she's, around yes, to the side she, of the room. she pretends she's looking at things and she's interested but that bitch isn't interested she's just trying to like okay okay yeah i'm doing over this and now let me get back over here so by the time that you're done with your fucking story and a little bit out of breath because you're nervous because you're talking to me i can just be like oh so i should should i sit here should right. i <laughs> is that where i should sit down and of course, Anna's like, yeah, whatever do what the fuck you want bitch <laughs> you could sit here on my lap eye on yours whatever you want to say <laughs> Just National Geographic, it would be like, so Anne Lister stalks her prey. She decides <laughs> to mount towards and fro. Uh, pretends to feign interest in some of the bubbles so on the walls, on the table, as she's listening intently, agreeably, and finds herself within a yard of her, of her, <laughs> of her meal. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, and you know what, too? I mean, we just said it's obvious that she feels bashful and a bit embarrassed about this memory. But what I enjoy is that the way she delivers it, the way Sophie Runnell delivers it, is you get the opinion, not the opinion, you get the feeling that she's expecting a negative response. And I would assume one akin to the type of responses she gets from her aunt, she gets from Catherine, whoever's in her life, which also usually Kenny, is like, I, I, to, I, I refuse to uh, acknowledge Dr. Kenny because Dr. Kenny doesn't even really talk to her. He talks at her and about her. So fucking Dr. Kenny has no goddamn information. And unfortunately, everybody's treating her differently based on what Dr. Kenny's telling everybody. Well, just for a little bit of historical context, this has been an ongoing issue for Ann Walker in terms of the impressions of her mental health and her capabilities as a person as a woman in the world. And so this is something that has just been her life. From what I was able to find, there's unfortunately not a lot of information about Ann Walker, which makes me sad given my current obsession, but evidently she did keep diaries, but they're gone. And if anyone was able to figure out the sapphic <sighs> contents of the diaries, they would have burned them. Like almost happened to Ann Lister's diaries, I'm, but thankfully they were hidden instead. I'm thinking that there were diaries and I'm thinking that she did not think I to today. put them. <laughs> right. I'm thinking she did not think oh to put them in code. And so someone did stumble across them and they said oh 
They said this bitch yeah. out here getting orgasms without a man. Send her to the madhouse. She must yeah. go to the place because clearly she's not that's well. So this thing's impossible. But yes, yeah, so it was nice to see her expecting in terms of how her body language played it when she was saying that to Anne and then Anne, of course, giving her an affirmative response of, oh, no, I actually think I thought she looked very animated. Basically, on any other given day, she's like a porcelain bird in a cage because she hardly moves or says or does anything. And then we find out Courtesy of the fucking diary that all the way back then, a decade yonder, and uh, was putting the spring in a bitch's step. That's that's wild. It's kind of like poetry, actually. Oh, yes. I love it. And so when given the choice to, what, sit next to Anne or sit across from her, she obeys her thirst and throws caution <laughs> to the wind <laughs> and sits right next to a hoe like it's the 20th century. And I'm so proud of you, Anne Walker. So proud for taking that step. First base, 19th century style. Oh, yeah. Then we just get that... Um, a scene of them looking at each other. I'll expect it. And we said, well, yeah, I mean, I've thought this. I have felt this in my soul since oh. I first watched the series. But you agreed when you first saw it that, like, the bitch is done. Yep. The look on Ann Walker's face before they cut the credit, you're like, girl, what? It's over for you. It's a wrap. Just hang up the towel now. You're done. And sprung. <laughs> I don't know. I basically sort of feel like if Anne was like, would you like to grubble right now? <laughs> and would be other Anne would be like, I'm into it. Yes, right now. And to be frank, if we were to go based off of that BBC movie they did, I just want to say to the spoiler alert and why people should not watch it, if they feel so inspired after watching this series, it's because... Uh, and I'm like, were the heads involved? Because in the span of five minutes, and that's probably generous, maybe it's three, we go from Ann Lister not even suggesting sexual things or flirtatious things to Ann Walker to the grubble. And it actually pissed me off. It pissed me off intensely because, well, just science says women require some foreplay, require some time, require some buildup. Right. And literally she's like, oh, are we, are you interested in this? Here's a piece of half a kiss. And now here's my hands up your petticoat, which not only is that historically inaccurate for Anne, because if we know anything, well, we, me, if I know anything from reading these books is that it was a process to get to the grubble, generally speaking, yes. especially because she wanted to be very careful and how she was doling out her affections, make sure that consent was there and that she felt like the woman that she was dealing with understood what was happening and wanted it in kind. How can you suggest BBC that she would just grubble a hoe within three minutes of talking to her? That's rude. And that's disrespectful to her legacy. But anyways, I've completely gone off topic, but it's just ever since I watched it again, I'm re-traumatized by the BBC I show may and what they did to hers. Consider. Okay. No, no, I want you to watch it so we can be shady together, but you have to watch the whole series so that you can see how ridiculous it is. Just so you can understand how you how how do they cram 15 years of life into an hour and a half, not even Titanic length, just an hour and a half, just an hour and a half. Anyway, I'm sorry, guys. I just, it came back to my mind that she grumbled within three minutes and I got mad all over again. The scene ends before we get to credits with them smiling at each other, all big and shit. And then what do we get? We get our fucking jaunty music with the credits. All right, so <laughs> I always get caught up in listening to this music and it gets hard for me to speak. I gotta say, outside of Killing Eve, I forgot what it was like to have a main pairing that you wanna see on a show, let alone right. a queer pairing, and then actually get to see them have screen time. I know. What is this? What is this weird new world we're living in? What's going on? But I love it. Um, but Anne basically says she doesn't want to give birth either. That's where we were, giving birth. <laughs> and Anne says she doesn't want to give birth either. And uh, Anne Walker, and she says that shit all quiet. Like she's like, don't let the men hear. 
or it's the gallows for us both if <laughs> we don't want to have babies. And of course, Anne agrees and drops, well, I guess she doesn't drop all, but she certainly drops most of her pretense when she's like, yes, no, it's not something I've ever felt compelled to do. And because there's nothing like some het propaganda to put a damper on the gay lady flirt, and it's just like, okay, let me just stop this awkward het trail of tears and talk about science. And the way she segues, I mean, we can't call it a smooth segue. It's not. It's an abrupt segue where she's just sort of like, yeah, um, you know what happened though? Uh, I dissected a baby once. <laughs> I mean, we were already on the subject of kids, and now you don't want a kid. I don't want a kid. So I'm going to tell you about the time I dissected a kid. And doesn't know how to handle head Right, She's like, wait, so where are you like a child? She's murderer? like, wait, hold up. What? She's like, oh no, it was dead. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> obviously, right? Like, obviously. Oh, oh, of course. Okay. Right. I love that the way um Sophie Rundle plays it. Like you can tell that at least ten percent of Ann Walker is like, but was it that though? Like she's thoroughly <laughs> confused. She's like, I but was it? Um okay. Science. I mean I there think... was an autopsy, not a biopsy. <laughs> oh God. But after that, she does go into talking about how she studied in Paris under anatomist and paleontologist Georges Cuvier, and that she couldn't officially attend university because she was a woman, but took private instruction because, well, she's a boss and fuck the patriarchy. But also fuck the show because it's only episode two. And I'm just like, how I love Anne Lista. Let me count the ways. There are so many aspects of her personality that are so um, intriguing. It's not the word I want to use. Enamoring might be the word I'm looking for. Uh. You know, that could that could work. And that could work. And that could work. Because this part of the episode, I think, does a good job of bringing the audience into the same exact place that Anne Walker is as she's experiencing this mini soliloquy from Anne. And outside of, of it being so lovely to see her talk about her passion while she overflows with it, it's the subject matter, which is really the sort of the brain that excited me here because the nerd in me, you know, there's very specific topics I really like and really get into. And amongst the history or space or marine biology, because what's down there in the ocean, guys? What, what really is down there? If anyone has answers, please hit us up. Um, <laughs> but of course, neurology and, you know, study the brain. I used to want to be a neurosurgeon when I was a kid, back when um, Ben Carson was still a good person <laughs> to look up to right. um and so i you know i used to have a bunch of medical books and stuff i read and i still enjoy reading medical literature about the brain especially cutting edge science around gray matter and neurodegenerative diseases and how people are trying to solve those problems and so i felt like as i was watching this scene i i related but i was also fangirling at the same time just like thirsty and i was like wow this is so interesting this is so great this all of this is just wonderful it's working out and um also you know don't nobody talk to ann walker about science i swear that's the first time someone probably said this, some shit to her about some science her auntie's not the type Catherine's definitely not the type because later this episode she found a way to talk about bonnets for five minutes so <laughs> i don't think Catherine <laughs> talks about science i don't think that happens i don't think she knows what that do what an education for a woman. We should all talk about science. Science is fun. Thirsty Anne, she can't get enough of it. Anne is looking her directly in the face. She's addressing her. She feels seen. I mean, there's really nothing happening here that Anne Walker doesn't want to happen. Right. This scene was all wins. And I love that we are getting what could constitute an, an awesome foundation for these two. Like, yes, there's history before the show began. But, I mean, it wasn't... That history, it was more like the the foot in the door for where we are now. This is like the groundwork is being laid out. The compatibility groundwork is being laid for how people can work together because, you know, they present a lovely contrast. But oftentimes, 
couples that contrast a lot are like the best types of couples where you are just sort of a bit of a polar opposite in certain directions and that's them. And so while Ann Walker doesn't have any anything at this time that she speaks passionately about, except for Anne, of course, because again, I mean, we're jumping ahead, but the way yeah, she defended know, her, like Catherine, she doesn't really get passionate about anything except, you know, her current bay. And so it's nice to see how they're developing this report of like why of the practical reasons they would want to be around each other besides the the physical lusty reasons. And um, we get further insight into the personality and character of Anne, of Anne Lister, and that is her hunger for knowledge and adventure and how this insatiable thing that she feels invigorates and excites her. And, you know, the idea that you can never know anything, but you can always know more. And that's a great feeling. And she communicates that. She passes that on via proxy to Anne Walker. And I love it. So at the end of this glorious soliloquy about math and passion, isn't it great that everything is so wonderful and complicated and beautiful that she's like, and we fall in love. <laughs> I'm like, bitch, could you stop <laughs> being so good with the flirts and communicating yourself? And I don't even necessarily think she was trying to flirt there. I just think she was being her honest self. But that's how it's so fascinating. That's how it came across, because how could it not? And what Ann Walker living up to her name goddess of thirst from house polished because that sigh she let out at the end her face I mean as we said we're just like she is fucking done yes. that's the sigh of 29 years of repressed gay that's the yes. sigh of I was holding my breath because my heart and my loins and my body didn't know what to do until you stopped speaking that's the sigh of bitch I'm already oh, in oh. love is this legal someone fact check is this legal send help James anyone but yes, what are your thoughts? I know I've been rambling about this scene, but I just, there's so much to say. I just love that she was literally just passing and that's how she got here. Bitch. I love that. <laughs> I was just love passing the number of miles away that. from my estate to your estate, mm. just passing. And I don't want to skip ahead because it's like, oh, I wonder if she'll just pass again. But we're not there yet, so. You know she's going to pass again. You know <sighs> she's going to pass again. So we are to the servants, servants of shade, perhaps. Where George Booth, George, yes, old Booth, is bringing in some veggies to the kitchen. And he's like, what's up with you, Jeannie? Why is it so somber in here? What are you ladies up to? <laughs> They're like, oh, you know, just being servants. Like, it's, it's another day. We just out here but I, I'm cleaning. So, but someone gets a whiff of something, right? And it's like, well. I'm, I'm, oh, wait, I'm you sure. said, why was baby Booth fixing tools at the table? Yes. Um, accordingly was cutting veggies on. Yes. I was like, I don't know. Dude, that's the fastest it's way to die. It's 1832. It's 1832. That's the fastest way That's to why die. people be dying back then, except for apparently Mariana's husband, who was in impeccable health, despite the fact that he was definitely banging house and passing along STIs. Um, but anyways, so accordingly is basically just like, oh, well, you know, Anne probably lied to a hoe about how grand Shibden Hall was going to be. And Eugenie probably didn't expect to be washing people's knickers that weren't Anne's knickers. And then they um, they dry snitch about her situation. Right. And it's like, well, I mean, I was told not to tell you. Uh, mm. It was actually the brother said that. Yeah. Right. So it's like, well, somebody got the details. Someone tell me something. I feel like that was Hemingway because Hemingway likes to pretend that she's not into gossiping, but then she's so quick to be like, actually, right. Eugenie's with baby. She's with baby, you guys. And it must be strange watching all these people murmur in a language that you kind of really don't really get. And you oh, know it's Eugenie? about you. Yeah. Yeah, that's not fun. I mean, being in a country where you don't understand the language at all can be very stressful initially. That's um, definitely power dynamics where it's like, well, 
now you have no choice but to trust me because you can't get help from anywhere else. Oh, they basically say that, um, no, Miss Lister doesn't know. Right. And she basically needs a good Christian man to marry her and pretend the baby's his. But I don't know why anyone would. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> that, like, Isn't that was a, a lie. Like, what? I was like, everybody's shady, though. All the British shady. That's that's what we're learning here. Shady as fuck. And so we're back to Cronest. And evidently, our ladies have been on the flirts, apparently, for several hours. Yeah, there was some giggling on the outside of the door. And I was like, oh, what? Grubbles? I was like, it's too soon. <laughs> it was too soon. You said Grubbles. Oh, yeah, we should talk about the fact that, because we were talking about this earlier off mic, that Grubbles, grubbling, is a spectrum. Because I don't think we've talked about that a little bit. That, like, grubbling does not always have to be near queer. And when I say near queer, I mean skin to skin. Like, I am grubbling directly upon the queer as an affectionately referred to lady, lady, lady parts, lady genitalia. But grubbling, as you so astutely referred to earlier as a uh, dry humping, dry that's humping, what you said? Yeah. No, but dry humping would be accurate because I was going over another, ep- another, another entry, entry from No Priest But Love in her situation and her relationship with Mrs. Barlow. And there were definitely instances where that is the only way that could be described as dry humping, dry rubbing, like... Because there's times when Anne's like, I tried to get underneath those damn petticoats, but she wouldn't let me through. <laughs> so I grubbled elsewhere. <laughs> you know what? You got to respect a bitch for just for doing what she could, but then still being like, you know what? Watch me grubble the fuck out of this bitch and there's have her. There's too many damn fasteners on there. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. It's like, how lovely to see you. That shit is so me. upsetting. So how long are you in town? Give me a moment. <laughs> 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 oh my god the amount of obnoxious could, laughter could, could you stay for tea could, could you stay for tea just a piece of grubble <laughs> oh my god and now i'm using grubble in life just outside of situations that aren't related to the podcast it's and gonna, people who haven't seen the show they're like what it's gonna find its way into a business email <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm away from my desk i'll talk with grubble <laughs> <laughs> I'll, ret- I'll respond by at least People need to bring Ann Lister's sayings back in. I mean, we haven't even gotten to the math scene that we were talking about. Thruppence hapenny per corf. I mean, has math ever sounded so hot? Let's just be, let's just Oh, keep I can't wait till we get there. Because like, I was like. She's just doing numbers. But I was like, girl, what? have what all of my say? attention. Right. Oh, my God. All right. I already forgot where we were. Where were we? Um, we okay. We return. I feel we like out, we barely out the first. Well, right, right. We're <laughs> still. Show. I'm sorry that it's taken us so I'm long sorry, to guys. get out of the what intro. The but this is this is a beautiful moment, though. So we have now. Um, do we get oh, Anne on, her, on oh. the floor? Is Anne on the floor? Anne on the floor. Wait a minute. Okay, so <laughs> I feel no, 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 no. She's not on the floor yet. She's not on the floor. Okay. So I think we forgot to mention that. Accordingly, says Eugenie tried to down a bottle of gin to get rid of the baby. And I'm like, these women really need science because that's not how that worked. The baby not in a womb. Oh, yeah. Mm. Girl, that's all you potentially succeeded in doing is giving a birth defect (laughs) to your baby. But yeah, so that's the thing. But when we're back at Crow Nest, they are on the couch and Anne's jacket is now removed, which I noticed because when we leave them the last time and she's like, isn't it amazing? We can fall in love. Her jacket is on. She's a little yeah. more formal. And when we get back, she's lazed out a little bit. Jacket's off. Her arm is on the chair. And we're back to that fucking body language we were talking about. Yes. When she's inviting Anne in subconsciously and consciously. She's like, bitch, come a little closer. 
And um, is that your sister? This is where we are, right? Or where she's are they looking at photo? No, that's later before they leave. <gasps> I, 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 You're just <laughs> so thirsty. You're just thirsty to get there. I About am. as thirsty as Ann Walker I was am. in that scene, and it's understandable. It's a beautiful fucking scene. Okay, I'm, I'll be patient. So, so no. So they're talking still, and. Oh, Dr. Kenny. When they come back in the scene, they're talking about fucking Dr. Kenny. And Anna's basically, excuse me, Ann Walker's basically like, oh, I thought you knew that he basically was a piece of shit annoying the shit out of me. And and Lister's like, well, I could tell that, you know, (laughs) I could tell that he wasn't your favorite person. And she says that she's never been touched by him, but it's just the way they look, sir. The way he should. And no, the the squeals that we both did at the same time when Anne looks where she should. Where she should. Checking out the body. She's like, what's up with those titties? She's like, what those those do? I, too funny. And then, and if you watch the other, if if you watch Miss Walker, like her eyes, you know, they dart to the side for maybe a two counts. But I feel like and in a periph, she, in a periph, she caught right, that. In right. a periph, she caught that. Right. And then as her neck to. returns, you know, the eyes come back up. And then the question it's because Miss Lister is a classy lady. Okay, she doesn't she doesn't fucking oogle while you can see she oogles. Oh, uh, it's so amazing to watch although sometimes she does ogle the way where miss ann walker can see so i don't know i take that back i'll I feel revisit like this in this very scene there's another question that ann asks as she goes down and then back up and i'm like oh well uh, as we can we can see that you're doing what you're doing in front of her now i mean like a test maybe to see if uh it's a, like a limit test like okay does this okay. make you uncomfortable the fact that you're still continuing with the conversation that you're still opening but up you know what it's like we said before with the litmus test it's like getting in it's like acing your test that you never studied for that's yeah. what ann walker's doing is that yeah. ann lister's trying to put out all these feelers like hey are you kind of gay are you kind of gay and ann walker's like bitch all the way gay did you did you not expect this because this is one of those situations where quite frankly i think if ann walker had seen that thing we'd have heard a different kind of sigh than the one we heard earlier it had been like a sigh of involuntary release Oh, a that, sigh. That kind of a sigh. Yeah. Got it. Like um, a spontaneous O. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would call it a broom O. Um, broom spelled B-R-U-M-E, which is like vapors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, what she would have experienced, man. Mist. Just in the air and shit. <laughs> yes, just in the air. You just walk into the room. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. What I enjoy about this scene is it speaks to Miss Walker's understanding that agency is a thing mm-hmm. and that, you know, she's has the right to claim it. Is this, we're not there yet. Our, I want to be where she's talking about how she feels like she's the disappointment of the family, but we're probably not there We're not yet. there yet. Right. We're not there yet. Right. We're not there yet. Okay. Okay, mm. and basically it's like, listen, bitch, um, look at you. You're like a fucking substantial woman, 29, a, a, a woman of substantial means, excuse me. Um, and she's like, substantial, literally, look at this fucking room. I, the ceiling is super high, way higher than Shibden's ceiling, I feel like. What did she say after that? Oh, Ann Walker is like, well, basically, when you've been seen as an invalid, or treated as such I did by not your family. Like that no, that was upsetting. It's hard for them to basically get the idea out of their head that they have any right or any say in her life. And you're just saying, Anne, you Anne. have agency, Anne. And I don't care that everyone who supposedly loves you and is protecting you is not giving it to you. To me, that's not love. That's not love. This is why I like you with Anne Lister because she's at least saying 
you know, you have the right to make up your own mind. I mean, right, right, right. Because it was about the doctor where she was like, well, and says, just get any doctor you want. Fuck Dr. Kenny. And she's like, well, I can't just, I mean, I could, but then the tribe. And she's like, what do you mean the tribe? And she's like, well, you know, my aunt, the Rawsons, the Priestleys, everyone's gonna have something to say. And then the whole invalid statement Ugh. comes up. And basically, Anna's like, invalid where, girl? I don't see, you don't look invalid to me. And she calls her intelligent. And when I was watching it, I was just like, yo, what is the likelihood that this is the first, or at the very least, first in a long time that someone has actually referred to Anna Walker as intelligent? If I had to guess someone else doing it, it would be her sister, years ago, when, they, the, when they still lived together. The fact that she's as wordy as she is, like, it's just almost like she's stumbling over herself to, to prove to disprove mm -hmm. her image and her reputation as if that's something that you know Ann Lister is holding oh up my god wait a, a minute parallel that's actually something she has to deal with I mean because people out here gossiping and chatting about Ann Lister yes and it's all some bullshit and she's yes. like girl that's me and that's that's my life Fuck yes yeah. exactly mm, nice I like like we're both misunderstood people, and then when we get to we'll we'll, we'll get there, <laughs> we'll get there. I'm I'm. Oh we'll my god! There. Yeah, so it's she. I mean, it was smooth as fuck the way she was like invalid girl. Where I don't see anyone invalid here, and uh, again destroying a bitch's petticoats. I mean, it's true that Anne Walker does have the money to get herself some new petticoats, mm -hmm. but Anne be nicer to a bitch's petticoats. And then what is it she says? Oh, oh, oh my God. Have I been here four hours? <laughs> how did that happen? Yeah, bitch, how? I mean, after that warm moment of saying, you have agency and I see you and you matter, there's like this silence. Probably and silence. it's like, what's going to, like, I didn't know what was going to happen there. I was like, eh, <laughs> oh, wait, you and actually screaming, you were like, out. you were like, are we going to get to the, are we getting to the shits right I fucking like, now? Right now? So not episode three. And you actually said this a couple times in the episode. Where you're like, is yeah. it happening now? And I was like, it's not happening. So now. actually, I didn't say that. I just let you experience <laughs> the the loss for yourself. But and let's pulls us yeah. out of it, knowing that if this was, was a ninety ten situation, <laughs> that <laughs> why you on your hinge? That Thirst McGurst would have definitely have done all the. the she went to ninety two point three, just in case she she'd have made it. And then she was like, oh. You know, she realizes, yes, I've been here way too long. She knows she has work to do. I she mean, has... in this sense, Ann Lister has all the power. Because yeah, she does. I get the feeling that Ann Walker can... And you know, it's about, that, it's about that, that pairing energy that I say about people who are different. I get the feeling that Ann Walker understands that Ann Lister is the type of woman who prefers to have control and set a certain kind of pace, if she can. And so... As Ann Walker's interpret, I mean, she can't necessarily stop her thirst, and there's many a times where she doesn't. But I think the way their dynamic is working, she's doing everything she can to let a bitch know, like, hello, hi, it's me. I'm ready for whatever. Oh, we, when she leaves, we get a kind of a mini montage as she walks to a place. And we see her asking Miss Walker if she can call on her again. And she says the line, there's nothing wrong with her. At least nothing a little spice of matrimony <laughs> won't cure. And that's such a dude thing to say, truly. But coming out of, you know, a woman's mouth, um, an Ann Lister's mouth in this instance, chef's kiss. I don't mind it. I really don't. Like, it He's would bother me eye. a heck of a lot if it were a dude. But with Ann Lister, I'm like, you know what? That's so cute. The matrimony would totally, totally fix everything. Maybe not everything, but enough things. And then we see her asking if she can call on Miss Walker. And in true parched fashion, she's like, really? 
really we, really like tomorrow like right after today i can't believe this shit what the fuck and she's giddy as fuck and i mean honestly again everything is on display and it's all on mm-hmm. display missed abound yes oh what's the other line she says all she needs to do now is realize the nature of what she feels for me is it's love. love and she's back on her happy sapphic trails and I'm here for it. I like to see a happy endlister, not a sad, depressed endlister. Yes, be the be the gentleman jack on the mission. Gentleman. Not, <laughs> not, not, not the one that receives letters that makes you cry from long distances. And then when we get Washington on a horse, he's like chasing he's like, her down on a horse. I know you were just at the state. <laughs> I, I couldn't catch up to you, jaunty walks. I had to, <laughs> had to fit she me wasn't yours. Even, she wasn't even at the state. He was like, he said he was just at the estate to, well, that he went to the estate to call on her twice. So he went twice earlier that day while she was fucking around with Ann yeah. to be like, oh, is Ann Lister here? I, I need to speak to her about cold business. They're like, I don't know where Ann is. And so he gets to her and he's like, listen, I, I called at your crib two times and they didn't know where you were. And I love the way that Ann just keeps walking. Right. She has a smirk and she's basically like, bitch, that's like, what do you think? This is this is part of your business. This is rich lesbian problems. You don't need to know what I'm up to. OK, it's none of your goddamn business where I was. And then he starts to talk about what he met a local dude. Oh yes, uh, a cold aficionado of sorts, to, uh, who um, said that uh, I guess essentially that her coal would be m- worth uh, money, and that he had some concepts and maybe some figures for her. Yeah, about sinking a new uh, a new pit and yeah. stuff of that nature. Um, that she can do it, but it'll be expensive. And then we cut to Shibden, actually, where there is a co-meeting happening between Washington and and this dude. And he mentions that, you know, if you uh, asked around if people want to buy into your pits, your, your coal, because you have a lot of it. And they said they, they would be willing to buy it for, what was it, like 100 pounds? And, 100, uh, 100 pounds an acre, yeah. 100 pounds an acre. And he was like, what, but, but I, I think, were you. I were you. I, I at least get two honey. I right. get two honey. Because, my, you know, that's just how much it's worth. And then um, you know who would actually be in the pocket to spend 200 an acre for your coal. The people who still in it are in the first place. She's like, nah, I don't want, I don't want to do that. He's like, she's like, he's like, I know, I know you don't want to do with this family like this. <laughs> like, I know they're shady and all this other stuff, but, but no one else is going to be in a position to pay what they are offering. Mm-hmm. And I mean, well, she's basically not into what the fuck he's saying because he's being a bit of a, a negative Nancy in this moment. He's like, look, the Rossons are stealing your shit. This is going to be expensive. Just FYI. And she was like, well, you know, I'm going to stop them from stealing my shit because I'm going to get to the chancellor and he's going to do it. And he was like, skirts, girl, the chancellor. You act like corruption isn't all up and through the mining business. It's not going to matter. Right, like, if you go to the chancellor, they're going to flood the shit. <laughs> they're like, Rossin, that's his, that's him. That's his stuff. And he will know because she's like, well, he'll go down there. And he's like, you really think you're going to get somebody down there to check on your stolen coal before or without? Christopher knowing impossible and so Anne gets a little perturbed like bitch look I will not be bullied above ground or, or below believe. get that shit through yep. and he's like oh man if I could just I mean if I could just get to the end of my and I feel like uh, Washington, Watch Washington's like, he's like ma'am, no, ma'am he, you said you'd give plan. him a full five minute pitch ma'am it's only been two minutes ma'am you said you would listen to what he had to say regardless of what he had to say what the fuck no deal no deal <laughs> I'm and so she's like okay 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 uh i guess i'll i'll listen to what you have to say oh and i think he says like rawson is like there was three titles it was like magistrate lieutenant and something else was it chancellor i think it was chancellor, Could be chancellor yeah. yeah he was different things but he's like okay here's the deal what you gotta do is hustle a hoe he said if you offer it if you offer the deed to your minds to you know uh, any other gentleman and the 
in the town and he goes down there to mine and he realizes things have been missing mm-hmm. uh then you'll have undisputed proof that the Walsons are stealing from you so they would have to outbid the person you're selling that uh right and then you will actually <laughs> get the money that for the coal that they already that you stole. deserve right. for the shit they already stole actually mad props mad props to that homeboy was clever and fucking washington well props to washington for finding the dude and then props to the dude for being like, look, this is how we can get over on the Rawsons. And I feel like he doesn't have the power himself to get over on the Rawsons, but just a bunch of people in town. Like, I would just like to be a party to getting over on the Rawsons because they're they're fucking and they're, shitty people. They're pissed at, at dealing with watching the haves waste and then them being have-nots and feeling like they're yes. smarter than the haves. So it's like, well, if I could help just one person make these haves feel like uh, fools. Right? <laughs> Living vicariously, like right. aunt and Lisa. So he's like, so not only would I ask for double at the base um but i would also use your uh alternate buyer as the base to start a bidding war right a bidding to war see between how... two but they don't know that <laughs> they don't know because basically the dude only wants one acre and he's yep. like but they don't know that shit so right. if we parlay this right she was, he was like let me show you how us poor people hustle but we got to get shit done and by the end of it Anna's like oh, okay okay i see where you're coming from and i i like it so you can do this you can get me information good so after you do that also by chance could you let me know i need more less rough but more concrete estimates on how much it would cost to mm-hmm. sink my own pits and if i start from because Anne likes the math as we will come to mm. later see and you know what we Ooh. like the math we Ooh. love the math okay ah. so what is after this oh we meet we finally meet christopher rolson the brick uh christopher with, rolson with, <laughs> With music that comes in a lot less jauntier than our leading. Uh, oh, my God. You gave a mini TED Talk about his jauntiness. Yes, and, I said... Uh, you told um, me to remind you. Yes. So, uh, I feel like this music, especially when you hear the jauntiness, it's... um, I'll compare it to... I don't want to say cowbell on a cow, but more like... <laughs> it's like, like... Think of, you, you know, men's trousers how they things just sort of like dangled so you have to imagine Anne Lister with like balls just swinging meaning that that's how she that was her poise that was her pace that was her energy she had the balls no matter what conversation she was in she had the right she did she does she does she does for sure that's probably gonna end up on a button or a shirt the biggest balls balls in Halifax Halifax. yes and so it is written. <laughs> so it is done. I'm making that button tomorrow. And so okay. this uh, this other jaunty, but not as jaunty fellow comes out of his uh, carriage with the with these with the two uh, trotting horses. That oh we my saw. god! Okay, so we both they noticed were that majestic. where the horses were coming up, and I was like, "Bitch, horses! You better fucking trot, right? You better lift those fucking knees." It's a first of all, how much of a difference is it between the, those horses and Black Beauty? Like, right. Anne is worried about her getting cultured, and culture your goddamn horse. That's Get your it. horse to trot the way fucking Christopher Rawson's horses trot, because that shit was fucking beautiful. They both would look like runners up, or they were the stunt doubles in Black Beauty. Like, they were just adorable looking At the horses. same time, I just wanted to free them and take right. those evil shoes off and be like, run! run be free, beautiful horses! I'll come and brush you in the wild. Don't fucking deal with this horrible Christopher Rawson. But yes, we see him for the first time. He gets out of this carriage with these beautiful horses, which all of it's just indicating his wealth. You know, his clothes, the colors of his clothes. And he's got this, what? It was a Jack Russell Terrier that gets out before him. Yes. And that's probably the only thing about him that I like is his fucking dog. And he takes a handful of pence and he sees like there's a bunch of squatters. And he's like... 
Change. Change. You call Money. those children squatters. I mean, Why you call those children squatters? They don't but work for them. But you're not wrong. <laughs> they don't work for them. I'm sure wrong. they're there for hire some for somebody. But you know they're they're you know in between jobs. Oh my and he's god! He's like money. Tell your mom you could get that loaf of bread Yo, for supper. After I watched him throw that money for the children on the floor, I was like, I know everything I need to know about you right now. Off this yep. scene, off the way you were treating these children, and just the way like his fucking look of self satisfaction getting out of the carriage. This is what I expect from white dudes if his ilk in the colonialist age and post-colonialism. Because it's just like, look at you. Just look at you. The <sighs> this, fuck? This told me that I would not watch a show like Gentleman Jack if Ann Lister was actually male. I would not enjoy it. Um, at all. No, it's basically what we were saying about The Handmaid's Tale, which is basically like misogyny on fleek. It's like, yeah, did, do you want to that. live in a world drenched in misogyny that you fucking feel angry every two seconds? You're right. I couldn't make it through this fucking show without Ann Lister and Walker and just like the whole theme of it. Because why? Why subject myself why? Yeah, well, uh, to that type of anger? Because the Rawsons of the world, I mean, they made this world, as it were. And fuck them for that. So what happens? He goes inside. The, they and open the door. The the <laughs> the dog enters first again. He as he deserves. He's yes. the one with actual value here. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's greeted by some sort of I don't know if that was a servant. It looked like it could have been a servant, a well dressed servant. So maybe a servant for someone wealthy. Yeah, or maybe if or just he just works man. the door. Maybe that's what working the door was. So above a servant because you're working a job that is better than serving someone else directly in their home but still maybe not as wealthy as Rawson. And I I'm going based off the colors and the fabrics that people are wearing. I'm trying to understand the building structure if that was a residence or a place I thought of that was business. Some sort of, I think it's a place of governance yes. because he's supposed to be the chancellor, chancellor slash of person. I forgot magistrate yeah thing. And so the kid is like, "Hey, oh, what's up with the gig? You I see you got a new high fly over there. What happened to that thing you had?" A week ago, whatever, you were talking it up. You were right. saying it was the best shits. Like, and basically, he's like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. It was horrible. It dro- drove horrible. I returned it. I hate it. And the kid's like, are you sure? Because you literally said you loved it. And he's like, I did not. So why <laughs> would they give us a scene? And, and Candace doesn't want to say anything. And I respect it because she's seen the entire Please th- muse. Yeah, I'm scene. not going to confirm or deny, I, but muse. Because of his energy, he's the only person... Other than analysts that we've seen with any semi type of jaunt like energy, with a pace, with an ego. With a jaunt we with, don't like. Yeah. But, and we saw that there was a reckless driver in the first episode that sent that poor boy and that poor fowl floating in the air with cracked <laughs> leg, uh, <laughs> CT, and uh, other fowl. ailments, and never spoke, hasn't spoken to where since the accident. Um, He's literally traumatized. And. We have this uh, fellow here who nearly almost got into a hit and run, understands that someone almost died and would recognize his carriage, perhaps, and would possibly need to ditch it and get a new one. Mm. Possibly. I mean, I don't think. And then wait, wait, wait. And then why does nobody have any clues? And we can there's no going into the pits and and investigating Cole without these brothers and fellows knowing. Right. And yet we have their family members who are involved in a near death hit and run. And there are no details about any witnesses or suspects or anything. So uh, I I don't, I don't understand why nobody would 
not want to snitch unless it was someone with means and uh, it just it frustrates me and it sucks that i have to look at this guy like he has a target on his back and i want him dead so that's just how i'm Horse going whipped. to be treating him Horse whipped. personally she <laughs> said she I'd would like do it herself it. right i'd like to see it i too i'd like to see <laughs> would like to horsewhip see it. any man um, except for Thomas and Henry, the little boy, because they don't deserve it. But so um, I guess he enters the office to meet with his brother. Oh, oh, because that's what the kid says at the end when he's like, "No, I didn't." He's like, "Okay, switching, deflecting." <laughs> your brother's here. Yep. So I'm gonna go. You go talk to your brother, and then he does see his brother, and Jeremiah lets him know that Ann Lister is back in town, and apparently she's fielding offers for her coal, and they need to get on that shit right away. Mm-hmm. He's like, did you know she was back in town? And he's like, oh yeah, two weeks, two weeks. And I'm like, yes, what? why didn't you tell your brother? Like, you are such Hot a fucking asshole. mess. Hot mess. And he's like, well, bitch, if you knew, like, surely you know that this is a problem. We got to get in there, make our bid, because if she gets down there and sees what we've been doing with her fucking coal, we're going to have some problems. His and we don't want those said, problems. You mean what you've been doing? <laughs> he said, he said, those are you problems, Jeremiah. Those are Jeremiah problems, oh, not Christopher problems. God. And he was like, how is that the case though? When I'm doing what you told me to do. And he's like, yeah, but when you sign the papers though, it's just you. I mean, he didn't say all that, but that's what he meant. That's he what was, he meant. He was ready to sell his own brother down he the said, fucking shit. I am the law and you will not tarnish my family's name. <laughs> he's like, well, we're in the same family. He's like, we don't have to be in the same family if you're out here breaking the law uh, to be caught. Oh. oh my god basically he says he's got to make this bitch an offer and he's gonna go talk to her and christopher's like whoa don't let her run rings around you uh, good luck bitch <laughs> best of luck good to you good luck oh, and so now we are to some jaunty music again yes and uh Anne, is she making her way back to shipton now she's calling on her servants she is definitely making her way back to shipton and it's because Anne did care. And she was concerned with her servants and affairs and kept abreast with the shits. And we see her checking in on the hard castles here, as she said she would in the previous episode, to see what's up with the little boy. Is this when she investigates uh, the boy's face and asks him how uh, life is at home? Is that, is that where we are? Right. So that's what I was trying to picture. Because she's basically, she walks up and she walks up on where the hard castle house is, I guess. And then... You know, there's a couple people there, including Mr. Hardcastle, Thomas, and a child in a cart. Got it. So and she- so she greets everybody, and we see her for a moment greet Thomas, who is looking fucked up. Looking like Tom- someone put a hurting on Thomas, and I say, why? Why? And then you get insight into what must be going on, because immediately Anna's like, how are things at home, Thomas? And you're like, aha, this is happening at home. And uh, I mean, I like this little detail they gave to Anne because it, back to the wonderful contradictions where she she cares intensely right. about her servants. She's oblivious, but she's she's in there every once well, in a while. Well, I feel like it has to do with her ethics where she like later on, she's like, these are my people. Like, these are my these are my servants. And so even though she's got those class issues, it's like, OK, but now they're a part of Shivden. They're a part of my extended family. Yes. And so I am concerned. They will have justice happening. ultimately. Yes. Yes. We will have justice. We will have horse whipping if we so can. And so she remarks on Thomas and takes his face into her hand. And she's like, oh, okay. And then speaks to the Hardcastle dad for a little bit. But what really took me out is this before. This is adorable. <laughs> what really took me out, you already know what I'm about to say. Is <laughs> when she's about to go inside, but she go back inside, she see a little blonde baby in a cart. And she's like, oh, hey, uh, you little person, what's up? And the fucking child. <laughs> when I first... We had to, because you were like, what the fuck did he say? What? And that was everybody I've seen this episode with. Where he's like, I'm fat in the 
cot. And he just sounds a bit feral. You're like, is this what happens when you don't put children in school and they just got to work from one years old on that they're just feral? Fettling means repairing. So I'm like, why, why do we have a three-year-old child fettling the cot? <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. These fucking 19th century isms are going to keep making me laugh. Actually reminded me of... um. You know the Kazoo Kid from that remix? Oh, yes, yes. Kazoo! Like the feralness he exhibits because it's like a it's like a feral meets innocence. But what the fuck? That's what I got all from this kid. And he only had one line in this whole freaking show, as far as I'm aware. But he, he made the best of it because it's memorable. And I feel like Anne's kind of shocked by the feralness. And she's like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> carry on. Good day, good job. That's right. Fettle. Fettle. <laughs> she's like, oh, children. No! Children. She's like, I love all of my employees, <laughs> even the three-year-olds that are working for me. Mm-hmm. I can't with this century. So she enters into um, the Hardcastle household and, you know, uh, catches the mother, Mrs. Hardcastle, off guard. She's like, I don't know what to do. Like, I'll let me wipe my hands. <laughs> the way uh, the do wife I reacts. No. Do, I like, curtsy? do I curtsy? Do I bow? bow? Do, I, do I do both at the same time? Like, do I? It's adorable. You were like, she wants a piece of Ann Lister, but that's going to be my my just assumption i mean I, for at least half the broads i think right every woman who's like that flabbergasted when she shows up is like do you want him to watch it's the laws <laughs> of probability yeah there's definitely more gays and queer people in society than people would like to acknowledge and so then you just have to do law of probability that at least every 10 bitches that came into contact with ann lister at least two of those bitches were like i could grubble maybe perhaps i want to rewrite beauty and the beast now <laughs> and i want to make Belle gay can beasts can beast not be an animal though? Because I, I think I have a thing about bestiality, which is that I don't like it. I think when a curse is broken, a uh, beast turns back into herself. Yes, I did give away the ending to my book. <laughs> <laughs> For those spoiler alert, you guys see Beauty and the Beast. Yes. My whole thing is that why why has it got to be a beast? If it's an allegory for unattractiveness, why can't the person just be unattractive by conventional means like Shrek? You know what I mean? I mean it's but, an ogre or the hunchback of Notre Dame. What Look annoyed at this me face. is that you get someone like, hello, everything is perfect. You get Gaston, who is like the ideal man. And then she's like, I don't want that. So when Beast turns out to be a woman, it's like, oh, Actually, well, that's what you wanted you this whole You make absolutely time. perfect sense. Yes. You're making perfect sense. And I now agree with you that Beauty and the Beast. The, the, all you had to do was say that one sentence. And I was like, you know what? You just brought it all together here. And that's what's going. Actually, I can't even get onto it because... What she she loves. I'm books. just saying there's a lot of stories She's out there, fairy woman. tales, or just like children's stories that really do need to be flipped um, for the gays, and not yeah. just because that's what we deserve, but it's because what the gay bees deserve out there. I Man, agree. Damn, they need more culture and history and education and, and gay acceptance. Yeah, they need all of that. Gay. All of that. No, really, that's how you get to those places. And um, yeah, you're totally right. So after you know, Mrs. Harcastle fawns over and she fawns. So what do I do? Um, oh, what do I? Um, you know, uh, your uh, curls look beautiful. No, um, yes, yeah, she, she's like, oh, was that the child in the <laughs> corner over there, laid up, and yes. they basically like he hasn't said a word since the, since incident. the accident, not a single word. And so she goes over to see about it. And I love how she like fucking, she hands her her cane and her hat to the wife. And then she starts doing her doctor shit. Like she's like, I'm smarter than Dr. Kenny. And so she starts taking his pulse and doing some shit. And I feel like the, 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 the mother is a little taken aback. She's like, oh, okay, uh, all right. Uh, okay. Am are I, you, am I paying for this? I'm so to, confused. She's like, thanks for, call, thanks for calling Dr. Kenny. Dr. Kenny. Are we, what, what are you up to, Anna? She's like, oh, that wasn't me. That was my sister. It was very sweet. But I'm smarter than Dr. Kenny. So I'm just going to take my own stats for my files of Henry. And then we're going to get it done. And meanwhile, Henry just looking at her the whole time like, wow. Look at these girls. Well, she's, 
quite possibly she's the most interesting person I've ever laid my eyes on. And then his first line, eventually, finally, is, are you a man? And Anne's immediate reaction is like a laugh because while it is a question that is so laden with things and baggage and things about how people perceive her and how she's been perceived by a number of people her entire life, it's also wrapped up in this innocence of a child who just blurts it the fuck out and not in that gossipy way that is the Halifax way of, oh, let me just talk about this behind her back and be rude and horrible. He's straight to her face like, so are you, is you a dude? Because I see curls, but the energy you're giving off to me is big dick energy. Mm -hmm. And usually I only see this big dick energy off of dudes. So that's that means you're a dude, right? And Anna's like, that's what that's funny what you said. It's a question. It's a question. That's certainly that. And not the first time I've gotten such a question. And then she tells a little story about how I think she said she was in Paris. Yes, she said she was in Paris and that she was dressed, in her opinion, extremely feminine to the and nines. gay. That's her not combining elements of like men trousers and this over here. Like she was trying to do the thing, a society lady. And even then she said someone mistook her for the opposite, the opposite sex. And I, and since we don't get to see this, it sucks because I want to be angry. But at the same time, I'm wondering if it was just someone just reading the energy she was radiating because she was in clothes that I didn't mean, doesn't it have her. to be all that? Because that's how people decide what you are, right? They try to read your energy, your body language or whatever. And everything about Ann Lister is the opposite of what a woman should be. She is confident. She doesn't slouch. And by that, I mean, she doesn't shrink in a room. Every time we see it, and you'll see as the episodes go on, it just gets more and more bombastic. That when she steps into a room, everyone notices. Mm -hmm. Not just because she's Ann Lister, but because they're like, who is this bitch that just walked in the room like she's a dude? Why is she walking in this room like she owns the shit? Like this is her world and we're just in it. Like, you know, guys do. And she's, well, she's got that fucking confidence. She's got that energy, man. That big dick energy. And Agreed. I fucking love it. I just wish that men knew how to, I don't know, pick up their face off the floor in a better manner than just resort uh, to a insults. less messy manner. Yeah, right. I it's wish. like, well, you know, I don't stand as tall as you in my manhood because you're more of a man than I am right now. So I need well, to when a bitch try to could knock steal you your down. wife. When a bitch uh, okay. can steal your wife, that's what you this have is, to do, I guess. This is Ms. Steal Your Girl. This That's who Alyssa is. That's probably another button. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably another so button. So it is written. So it is done. <laughs> Gavel. That's okay, just... so. <laughs> um, God. And you know what I was thinking of to myself? When she tells a story, because it's in Paris, I was like, okay. Realistically, this is within post, I won't say post Mariana, but the stage of which Anne was still in love with Mariana and enraptured in that, but also doing other things and sort of feeling like, well, can I wait? Should I wait? Like, I, I would like to to grubble and hang out, have the society of women, even though Mariana's over here because as years wore on, I forget if I gave this context to you, but Mariana's family wasn't one of extraordinary means. And I'm sure I'll bring up a journal entry for the next nightcap. But basically her parents were like, we got five unwed daughters. Like we got to get these bitches. <laughs> <laughs> like you guys are eating our food and doing our shit and we ain't got no money. Like, what are you doing? Get a man. And so when Charles appears to court heavy quotations, cause I don't know what men thought they were doing, but court, court, that's, that's a little much. That's extra. You know, being 20 years older than her, her parents yeah. were like, amazing. So uh, someone's coming to call on you, who wants to marry you, who's got all this fucking property and we ain't got shit. It's going to be hell of an upgrade. And so 
after Mariana's in that shit for like five years because it was enticing to her. What a house, what property, what in, well, increased mean, reputation, right. increased it, you value. Get, yeah. Your little stock goes up. Right. And she was kind of chilling off that shit. She was kind of like, well, I, I never had this before, which wasn't, you know, to Anne's fucking benefit. And so because we know there's other drama and two of the, you know, the massive incidents in Mariana and Anne's history has to do essentially not just with the STI, but with the fact that Mariana is ashamed of Anne. And she was bothered intensely by people's perception of Anne's uh, perceived masculinity or lack of femininity and being seen with her. And that causes a problem because how are you gonna be ashamed of somebody you love? That's, that's not the way that should work. And so I wondered in this time, if this wasn't a bit of Mariana's influence in some kind of way, because this idea of looking more feminine, of just trying to pass, so to speak, as a het, and that she was trying on this given day, she thought oh, yeah. she was doing a good ass job right. and a, a rude ass hat was still like, you're failing. You're still super gay. I can see the gay all over you. So and she was like, wow. Okay. We want this scene. If this way that we could get some sort of flashbacks, I season personally two. appreciate season it. Two. A season two, call it season I zero. I mean, I have so many requests for season two. I can't even tell you what they are because I'll spoil things. I know. So we got to get to the end it. of season one. All right. So let's, let's just move the fuck yeah. on. Before. So <laughs> is, before we leave this scene, I feel like our young uh, lad asks her about is it like a sword fighting, dueling, something? Oh yes, yes, yes. He I mentions the this. um. He mentions the toy. He brings up the toy that Thomas gave him because Thomas is such a sweet boy, even though Thomas got a black eye right now. Oh yes, he and was... he's like, oh, this is a soldier and whatever. He's nineteen, and then ends like, oh, I had a brother who was a soldier. He died at nineteen. Maybe, hopefully, your soldier will fare better. And I'm like, bitch, are you? What is a fucked up story that you told? So what Anne says is that he drowned in Ireland 18 years ago, but she taught him how to shoot straight and he taught her how to sword fight. And I was like, bitch, if I could just, if I that could would just, be if I could just. the coolest thing. Could you imagine like, um, I would like to see there's it. a cold duel or something where it's like, all right, Terrence, you already know, <laughs> women with swords is this all is you it. have to say. This is it. It is Xena's impact. Xena I found an article. impacted me in my young adolescence. Therefore, if you give a bitch a sword, that's all it takes. I feel like how the dudes do when they just see some whack-ass dude action shit and they're just like, whatever, I'm in it because there's explosions. If there's a bitch with a sword, that's all it needs. No plot. Nothing has to make any sense. I don't have to understand the language. I just need the aesthetics of what's happening. And, um... Sally. So Sally, Sally, should you ever come across this ridiculous podcast? See, Sally. this is what I was looking for. Back in 2013, <laughs> and this is a random tangent, oh my that God. Um, there was a, a modern day night longsword expert. Um, I think her name was Samantha, and she won the longsword competition at the World International Tournament. So you have to imagine that everyone was like, oh, we get medieval, and it's a competition back in 2013, and she she won. She she was the so champion. That's the way it should be. A she. I'm just. I'm already into oof. it. I did ever mention to you that like marijuana sword fighting club I found in Brooklyn, and the dudes were kind of ridiculous in there, but they basically got stoned and then did medieval fighting. That stuff. And I, I just basically was like, I need inspired. to start a girl version okay. of this. I've not organized myself to that extent yet, but I just want a girl fight club with weapons and okay, we'll be careful and we'll take all the precautions. But if I could just have that once a week, my life would vastly improve. I already know. And then potentially if the apocalypse comes, I already got my girl gang to run okay. the streets See? with. Is but, that you know. <laughs> So she says that about her her brother. And, you know, the way Saran plays the scene, she plays it like she misses her brother, you know? And Anne had four brothers, I want to say. Three of them died very young. And the one who lived the longest was the one that died at 19. And so given how they would play together, essentially as siblings, and the fact that 
Anne would borrow the clothing of her her brothers to try things out fashion wise as she was discovering more about herself it would just be something i'd like to see agreed i want it but then she's like all right um i'm outie i gotta go i did my thing you've spoken i've influenced i flustered the wife now time to move on before she leaves he's like can you really fight with a soul and i think she replies after a fashion haven't had to put it to the test yet but you never know again i would like to see it i would like to see it in any way possible that i can before she leaves um she basically says that she will talk to ann walker's groom to see if she can find out more about the accident and then go see the magistrate ralston to see about some stuff and what can be done for justice for henry's leg and then from there we are at lunch with the listers for this episode and ann is looking out the window totally dreaming of her future shomia before being brought back to earth by marion's uh, chaotically garish eating is all i can really say <laughs> her style of eating Anne is doing that thing with her with her finger against the glass, like a bit of a nervous habit where she's just like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? She's annoyed or restless. Yeah, shabby little Shibden. Literally, that's in her head. And uh, she's brought back to shabby little Shibden in that moment because of like <laughs> sounds. And what does Marion say? She's like, oh no, that's gone in. I just have to tell you. I was like, whoa. Mad kudos uh, to Gemma Whalen for, because I'm pretty sure I read that this was ad-libbed, but I had to, on the first airing, I had to pause it because I was laughing so yes, fucking it was, hard. It's it was, such a simple line, yeah. but it's so good. <laughs> like, oh gosh, where's her fucking supporting Emmy nod, you guys? And Anne is all the way done after this. And like right after she says that Daddy Lister is just like <laughs> with that net. Like, what is that? Yolk soup? Like, what the fuck? Are the and British then you eating? wonder why we what never invite anyone over. <laughs> exactly. And so she's like, fuck this. Um, she makes the announcement. She's like, I'm going to be doing some renovations. Like, uh, so I just wanted. To, yeah, I, I wanted to put you guys on that. I was going to be doing a few things, you know, that I just wanted you to, I don't know, have a. Uh, an idea of what's going to happen. And he's like, oh, so I can have an opinion? She's like, no, but yes. No, but yes, of course. I mean, yes. you no, know that this no. is my state that my rent's collecting has been paying for. He's so. like, you haven't announced it for the day, but if you, this this is a perfect, good a time as any for you to announce for the day that this is your place, it's your estate, it was left to you, and you know what's best. And she basically says that she's going to construct an ornamental walk to the lower brick ing, and uh, Marion is just like, why? And she's like, because it would look elegant, Marion. That's why. That's 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 the reason because beauty aesthetics like don't you understand art and Marion's like whatever and I feel like she's like don't interrupt me again Marion don't interrupt me again because I'm trying to get my shit out and then she says she's going to construct the um, the moss house or a chaumier <laughs> <laughs> at the end of this ornamental path and Marion's like a shed I, uh, <laughs> that's so rude Marion she's everything in this scene I love it I love it. I just yeah. Because first man is like why, and fucking daddy Lister's like a show. What? Like, he doesn't even know what the word is. He's like, what are you talking about? And then has to repeat herself and explain. And that's when Marion is just like, so you mean a shed, right? That's a shed. What you're saying is you're building a fancy shed. God, you're such a dramatic lesbian. Why can't you just call it a shed? <laughs> and Anne is just like, get some culture, bitch. It's a show me out. And that she also says she's gonna pull up all the hedges. Which is relevant because we actually see her pulling up a hedge or two yes. later in the episode. And after she says the hedges, I think everyone loves the hedges because she says hedges. And everyone's like, but why? Even Aunt Anne is like, what the, the hedges? <laughs> You're pulling up our hedges. Why are you doing that? And she's like, it's shibbed and shabby as fuck, man. We got to. 
I want to make it into more of a parkland. I need to make it elegant for my future wife. And she basically is just sick of it looking whack, like it's an old farm. Oh, man. And this is probably the best like, part. Uh, but it is no farm. Yes! <laughs> and the fucking timing, the fucking timing of... <laughs> it was so aggressive. It was so aggressive. It was so aggressive. Like, that's an aggressive fucking moo. That's that's a... Mm, like a, a moo that says, bitch, why you lying? Right. <laughs> why you lying? Animals know. <laughs> the animals know. They're like, it's a fucking farm. Oh, this is literally a farm. What are you talking about? And then we get one of Ann Lister's snobby soliloquies, but she delivers it so wonderfully that you can't be mad at how snobby she is, even though it's pretty fucking snobby. Because Marion says it's a farm. She's like, Marion. Shipped in whole is the oldest house in Halifax, bitch. I mean, that might be true. Might she's, be. I think she's, she's like, it dates back to the to reign the of Henry V oh, he- and Argencourt. What? This is where the first memorial course in Halifax were held. It is not, and it has never been a farm. And it's like, girl, I don't know what it is. There's farm <laughs> animals outside. Yeah, I just, I mean, we have, you know. And you think she's going to stop. Like, you're like, that's dramatic enough. But then she's like, and it saddens me <laughs> every day, every fucking day <laughs> that people might look at it like that. OK, because that's fucked up. And uh, we are Listers, Marion. Did you forget we're Listers? And this is our home. Shibden, our ancient lineage. Have some respect. Shibden should always reflect the quiet dignity of their ancient lineage, which is so over the top. Oh, the, so di- the dignity is quiet, all right. <laughs> and then uh, her p- poor sister does a little look to the break. It's a fourth wall breaking, and she's like, "Are you kidding me right now?" <laughs> right, <laughs> with the cow mewing, No, that's, the that, that's the perfect way to end it. That's the because there's you can hear the animals in the background, and that's clearly by design. Those by animals the was like, team. "Bitch, please, please, <laughs> bitch, this is a this is a farm, bitch." <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> that second eye roll from Marion at the end is perfect. And so after this ridiculous scene where Anne sets her plans, and I guess I'll, because I have a lot to say about the Shomia, actually, because I do. And I guess I should wait. I mean, it's only for episode concept three. that it's going to happen. We haven't even seen any building of it yet. I guess that won't take place. Actually, until this next is episode. something I lament. This is something I lament. I guess I'll go into it now that I can actually give journal entries that are relevant to it um, for the nightcap. But what's something I discovered upon reading the books about the later part of her life is that she was incredibly involved in the crafting of the Chaumière and from its design. And, you know, they're not even sure when exactly it evolved from a type of shed, heavy quotations, moss house to the designation of Chaumière, which of course just comes with like extra stuff. It's like when people would call Target, Target. It's just like extra fun. You're like, it's this, but it's also this. And so she basically goes from one night in her journals, referring to it in one way, a moss house. And then the next night she's like, and so we have to imagine that just in her head, she was thinking maybe things that she experienced or saw in Paris, where she's like, this is what I want. This is what I'm going to do. And Anne was a, what do you call it when someone learns on their own again? Auto die. The phrase I don't have, but when someone's ultimately just self-taught and uh, absorbent of like culture and things. And when you can't be out with all the culture, you just want to bring a piece of the culture home with you and have it reflected and you're... Turning your farm home into a chateau, turning your your he sh- your she shed into a show mirror. 
I think I'm thinking of the word um, autodidact. I think that's what I'm thinking, self-taught person. But she was definitely that. And of note is because she read so many freaking books. And one thing that was happening while she started her courtship with Ann Walker was that Ann had more books. Ann Walker had more books. And that was like a way they could flirt. Like, yeah, let me give you some books and call on you and give you some books. And now I'll call on you to give these books back. But it's really just an excuse to see each other, but also have information. And so you find out that because the timeline, too, is, is a bit different from the show, from the books, she actually spent a great deal of time on this idea of the Shumir. And she read all of these books and kept adding things. Like, it kept evolving. Like, I want to do this or I want to have this type of roof. I want to have this kind of furniture. It was of her own making. Like, basically, Ann Lister's like a Home Depot gay, which I can relate to. I like to build. I like to go to <laughs> Home Depot. I don't know if you've ever seen that thing in Broad City where the character of Abby goes to Bed Bath & Beyond. And because she's always at Bed Bath & Beyond, she's got like a special dap with one of oh the employees there. Yo, that's like me and Home Depot because I don't think I've ever gone to Home Depot ever and spent less than an hour and a half because I'm always like, I have to get this one thing, but then I'm like, I could also build this other thing. Yeah. Why not make a chair? And so I'm just, sitting there, I'm just sitting there looking at shit, getting tools I don't need. I do love a good tool belt. And so I wish, this is the one thing in the show I wish they think they're dressed because I actually think it's super important to her personality, but there's only so much time to be like she was interested in this she had this much involvement and some books would allege that she didn't build it for Anne but I kind of feel like she was not directly not immediately but eventually for the woman she intended to spend her life with because even if she didn't know at the time that things are going to work out here or there or whatever the concept of like a secret hideaway space yeah for the woman that I want to spend my time with was totally in her mind that woman would reveal themselves to be Anne Walker but the concept was always there. She designed the shit out of it. And so it's something that she was obviously thinking about for a while, probably ramped up in, in thought and importance after she was thinking more seriously about Ann Walker. And then it became something she brought into fruition that obviously was a certain degree of absurd, <laughs> you know, because the rest of the family's like, oh, what? An ornamental moss house at the end of a path that you're making and you're ripping up the shrubs for what? that it looks beautiful when my girlfriend comes over. That's, that's uh -huh, actually that's the reason. It. That's yep. actually it. Have you seen Crow Nest? It's really nice. And I'm just trying to make it seem, <laughs> but I'm just trying to make sure that when she comes over to Shibden, that it's it's living up to snuff. And so, yeah, that's a little side thing about the Shomir. And I will go into it because there are some in-depth things from the books and diaries that we can talk about it with. But since we haven't actually had the debut of the Shomir, I will save it. Let me just say, though, when it, 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 when it pops <laughs> up, I'm just like, what is? A Hobbit House of Gay Love. I mean, um, yes. Yeah. Um, okay. So now we're back to Anne and Anne walking in the garden or the Cronest Estate Garden, which when you see them walking, you're like, well, Anne is right that their ornamental path that does not yet exist does definitely does not exceed the ornamentalness of, of Anne Walker's estate. And they're having a conversation about money. Yes. Uh, she's being told that she has a cousin that was asking for about 500 pounds. No, he was asking for a thousand Double pounds. that. Double that. <laughs> he was asking for a thousand pounds. She offered her cousin 500, but then he asked for a thousand more than that. And I'm like, well, slow your roll. Of a dollar. <laughs> slow your roll, cuz. Where we are, what, it, what properties are you looking to have down payments on? Like, are Literally, we were listening to this bitch talk about what was it, Thruppence per halfpenny cove, like right. half a penny. Half and this bitch penny. out here, like, give me a thousand pounds in fucking 19th century. And she's times. like, oh, well, I got 500. She's like, well, I'll make that 1500 and then I'll be. Let's way. make that zero. Exactly. Which is what Anne And she's like, I'm says. just so nice. I don't know who's really saying no to family. She's like, oh, well, seems like all you need is a good letter. 
A good word to letter, babe. And, and so yes. Anne dictates a note to Anne, which essentially says, uh, my dearest cousin, actually, I would love to read everyone's interpretations of what this letter said. You have <laughs> doth got me the fuckest of up. <laughs> you don't fuck it me up, cuz. <laughs> cuz, what the fuck is your problem? Because <laughs> no one has time to send a... What? I I just can't wait. That's all I'm going to say is I can't wait. So I'm what going... we're saying is we're requesting fan fiction for the letter. <laughs> yes, I would love to read like interpretations to of that. this letter. I would. I love the fact that this letter, the way it was composed, involved Anne Walker hanging on to Anne Lister's every word. Oh, you did say that. And because she, she, she took the note. So she did take the note. And so Alice is saying everything that needs to be on this note and being able to flaunt her intelligence or at least the ability to uh, follow her, along. Not just her intelligence, her confidence, she, like her yes. ability to to stand up to annoying ass men and not cower like they expect women to do just by force of sheer uh, misogynistic peer pressure, which is what they call like, I'm just going to pressure you intensely with the patriarchy and you're just going to do what I say. No, she's not about that life. And I appreciate that shit. And what I love especially about it is that Anne gives her the space to have agency. Yes. When Anne, when little Anne is like, I, you know, I could never do this because I, I probably would try, but then I would get all fucked up trying to think about it, all anxious. And then if I wrote the thing, I'd never send it anyway. So, wow, thanks for being here. And she's like, girl, you just need a little confidence. And hopefully, maybe, if you don't, you know, I could help you do this again if you need me to. Or you could just maybe try to do it yourself, maybe, if you feel like you, you know, you have enough stuff. And I thought I was going to get another moment because it's like, you trust me to have a backbone. It's like all of the agency that I, I've never, like all of the flexing that you get to let me do is like, I... I want to give you all of the things, all of the O's. Yeah. <laughs> is this all when the, the knock O's. happens at the door? And then also the barge? Is this? Oh, is... my God. Wait, not yet, because oh. it will. We get to the paper knife okay. after this. Oh, because... oh, oh, okay. <laughs> all right. Um, yes. So Anne is being amazing and Lister and another differentiation from the tribe of just like, hey, be separate. Be your own person. Do what you feel, what you think is right for you. She gets up from the desk and she talks about not really ever having any confidence that it just wasn't something that she that she was bestowed with and eventually transitions to going on this trip that her aunt arranged in episode one to the Lake yes. District and that she's going with her cousin Catherine soon. And immediately, immediately, Anne is like, <clears throat> what? Which holiday? How many right. days? How, exactly. how, how long will you be away she, from me? I like What's going on? Anne Lista is being so protective of Anne Walker and this emerging because she's she's budding and emerging out of whatever she's she was in this this slumber because she's basically sleptwalk for oh the first twenty the something slumber. years of her life. Yeah, so she's she was basically sleepwalking through life where she had no agency. She mm, couldn't talk. She mm -hmm. didn't think. That's absolutely and, true. Yeah, so it was um, her being near, close to, and Lister was getting. She was getting time to flex, learning how to be independent, and didn't hear about a holiday where she's going to be pulled away, possibly for an extended period of time. That's true. Where she would be, what, suffering and in despair and without Anne Lister to look out for her because she was also complaining about, yes, my family wants to get all this money for me, and, you know, but they're my family and I'm supposed to trust them. And Anne Lister's like, well, you said that they were here to help you ward off from, you know, the gold diggers and things yeah. of that nature. But what about the gold diggers that are in your family? Like, who's warding those off for you? So, 
I mean, I do agree. I guess Anna's freaking out for a number of reasons. Like you said, I think she does care to an extent about like her her toxic family, but I think she's also like, mm. but I won't see your face and right. you won't see mine. And right. how will this courting continue if you're gone for three whole weeks, which is super dramatic lesbian terms because she's like, I, what, three weeks? That's, it might as well be a month. And right, I, that's an eternity. That's an eternity. Especially with this idea of how they're pacing it in the show. Essentially, Anne is over here calling. And then the next day, she's like, can I come back? You know, so it's, that's the pattern you don't break. Like if you're starting to date somebody and then you're like, I'm gonna see you every day. All of a sudden, after a week or two of seeing someone every day, you can't just be like, oh, so I'm going to Europe and I won't have a phone. <laughs> I'll see you in, in, in three weeks. You'd be like, what? Right. That's, that's agony when you when you are first in the throes of falling for someone or crushing on someone. That's agony. You're like, wait a minute. It's only been three days, but I have now fully accustomed myself to seeing you this often. And I'm upset. I'm bothered by the fact that I will not. You know, she kind of starts. I just call it the vibrations because <laughs> she's so upset. It's like a combination of jealousy and just frustration that yeah. she's literally reverberating out of her body. And Ann Walker's too busy going, like, oh, you know, I never have confidence. No one likes me. My cousin, I don't even know if she wants to spend time with me. And more of, of Ann's, what, jealousy? start showing in this scene and then um so the, uh, the pacing has already begun and does she already have this? she has the paper knife she so has the paper it. knife for anyone who may not be aware um, because i guess this is what they say more often in the uk but it's a, a letter letter opener, opener. right yeah. and so i presumed she was holding it because ann walker was writing that damn letter she was probably like oh fiddling with this over here or whatever and so she still has it in her hand when she's talking about Catherine and shit what does ann say that ann walker she's like do you think you'll get tired of her and she's like no i think she'll get get tired tired of of me me. and at that Anna's like bitch who is this Catherine? who is she like which one is she like i don't fucking like her why is she what do you have a crush on her what y'all doing right exactly so she's totally jealous and it's adorable a little bit (laughs) she actually gave me that paper knife and it's like what paper (laughs) knife crack oops uh looks like i'm um I'm, I've gone and made a bit of a mess of myself. And then it's like, oh, well, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll try to replace the knife if it's that important to you or I'll get you something. And This is just, <laughs> it makes me laugh because it's so, it's so melodramatic, but like great to watch because it's like Anne saying, I'm gay and I can't cope. Like you're uh-huh. leaving and I can't cope. And uh-huh. not only, not only are you leaving, you're traveling with another hoe. Is that what I heard? You're yes. traveling with another hoe. Yes. Um, that's but not okay. I'm inconsolable. And I'm, inco- I'm literally inconsolable. In your, I'm bleeding your house and I don't know what to do with myself. And then with these jealous shutters that <laughs> cost this fucking paper knife to break. And Walker's like, oh, you hurt. And just she gets down on her knee to try to like tend to dressing the wind. And she's like, no, 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 I'm a guest in your house. I can, no, no, I can manage. I'm fine. And I'm watching the scene. It's like, hey, and Lister. You have Ann Walker on her knees in front of you in her house. God. <laughs> like as someone bitches, pay- <laughs> bitches be on their knees in this show and not in the the way that we got used to in Killing Eve. And I don't I don't mind it. I don't mind this on the knees no, at I all. No, I don't. I really don't. Yeah. When I first watched the show, I was torn between thinking that Ann broke the knife on purpose and whether or not she broke it by accident. Because, you know, with how charming and learned she is really in the art of the flirts with women, you don't necessarily have to put it past her that she could have just done that to try and gauge a reaction or see again what was going on. But um, I mean, I, I want to say that uh, there are certain valleys to her uh, mountains as far as her uh, charm and personality goes where she has these really high highs but she also has these really low lows where like when we saw her cleaning up and trying to pack away her uh, her travel bag oh. and coming across a letter <laughs> and all of a sudden she wanted to rip things out of her journal and I'm like whoa, whoa, whoa yeah. don't, don't do don't it. Rip but it. she was 
she was driven to that point just from a woman saying, you know, he's going to propose now. I think Anne feels no. pretty intensely. Yes. I think I think you I don't think you can be as passionate as she is about living life and not experience things intensely. So I mean, it's entirely possible that yes, she could have you know, uh intended to snap the paper knife, but also she could have just been gripping it with such like trying to hold on to some sense well, of composure. Yes, yes. that's what and I was going to ask you what your thoughts on it were because I have confirmed in the diaries and the books because, well, I needed to know if it was just something. And as she writes and details that incident, I feel like she would have snitched on herself if it was with some other purpose, but she doesn't. She talks of being you know, embarrassed, but that Ann Walker was actually very nice about it and says, okay. oh, she would like what I replaced it with better. And so it seems to me that it was a surprising incident for her. So I was like, okay, it's sheer gay stress, which yes. is my other thing. I was like, yes. it's sheer gay stress. Honestly, I don't know how people expect a bitch to act, especially coming off of Veer. Veer wasn't queer. Yeah, Not even a little bit. She was hard. hetero flexible, that perhaps so maybe hard. on a Wednesday. And so you, you can't have a bitch like that fucking with your emotions when she's feeling bad about herself or feeling a 10% of horniness and then wants to exploit you and your feelings so they're going to indulge but really there's no intention of having a relationship here you're not going to know how to act really when you find yourself around an actual queer woman who not only is queer but thirsty as hell which is what was happening and you know i wow i was about to just spoil something let me just Ooh, dial it the fuck did. back dial back that inside oh there's a moment with and the save situation it for later. there's a moment with the situation like that in downton abbey where the lines are and i'm not saying which characters <laughs> you're like spoil me i'll right, spoil well, you i'm not saying which characters <laughs> say it but one character says to another character that may definitely identify as queer is you know i can't give you what you want and the other one says, I know. And I'm like, well, then why are you doing this to yourself? <laughs> yes, I'm oh. like, it's, yeah, it is. I gotta go back. Ooh, it is. Man. Oh, oh, my God. That whole exchange that happens after the sheer gay stress and her hand is bleeding and, and, and Lister's kind of just like, being a, a bumbling mess a little bit apologizing and she goes from saying she's sorry till she'll mend it and from mending to i'll replace it and the whole time and walker's like no no i don't i don't give a fuck you know i mean you could if you want to but i don't really i don't give a fuck is your hand okay like there's a lot of blood like girl i don't i said i don't give a goddamn and then it finally takes and you know who's still talking like well i'm sure whatever i replaced it with wouldn't have the same value wouldn't hold the same sentiment of you know what Catherine gave you since you guys are so close, right? Because you're because you're so close, right? Because you're you're traveling together for three weeks. You you're so close. And this moment was rather enjoyable. I think this was another one of your squeal moments too. I love this line because Anne Walker of House Potched. She found some fucking courage in this moment. She she really did, and she let it be known. I think it would. <laughs> I was like, oh. I think it would. I was like, girl, you let your voice drop an octave. You being serious. I was like, mm, whoa. That she was like, wait, what? Huh? Wait, what? In my favor. I feel like they share a look. They share this gaze of sorts. Look, the moment is hell. Lister was a fretting stumbling mess which is not and i'm not saying that there wasn't slight performance because there could have been but she was she mm -hmm. was clearly affected by the fact that mm -hmm. ann walker was leaving and that she was going to be spending time with another woman and there are many number of ways this could have went and still just like ended with them fine with each other but the way that ann walker stops her in her literal fucking tracks her stumbling stuttering tracks of like i think it would Anne is just like, hold up. And then she <laughs> she, she, she shook for a second because Anne Walker's down there like, let me tend to your wound. Let me tend to it on my knees. And Anne listens just for a moment is like, wow, wifey? Because mm -hmm. the next thing she says is like, would you like to go to Switzerland? Can you travel me to Switzerland? Yes. Should we high fly, aka 19th century U-Haul, to Switzerland? 
And then, I mean, in the spring. Right, in the right spring. Now. I love and that. In the spring. Because <laughs> Ann Walker was like, you mean right now? Because I could go. I'm, I'm down. <laughs> I can't. In the spring. I love that uh, That quick uh, thinking on the fly. She was like, oh shit, my thirstiness on the spot. I met in the spring, ho. Not mm. tomorrow. And then in the spring, you know, we could also be in Rome for Easter, which I think is just like, I don't even know if this was intended, but it's hilarious because as I told you, one of Anne's ways in her diary to express sex is to say, I've gone to Italy, went to Italy, which is had some boning with a woman and got to my height, my, my O, achieved it. And so to me, it feels like a euphemism, like a double entendre that Ann Walker just is included on, but potentially mm. we the audience are because she's like, yeah, we can go to Switzerland and then to Rome for Easter, <laughs> for Easter, for Jesus stuff, bitch. Not to grubble, for Jesus. We're going to celebrate the resurrection. That's I what we're like going to do. She says, go to Rome. I remember half my age I used to say, you want to go to Disneyland? Because that's what I used to call it. Yes. That's what I used to call it. Yeah. The happiest place on earth. (laughs) I mean, that's really fucked up because of what Disneyland is. But also, I really enjoy that. I really fucking enjoy that. (sighs) And so after fucking Ann Walker stops this bitch in her tracks. I mean, this learned, experienced lesbian bitch. I mean, honestly, after Veer, she probably forgot what it was like to be around thirsty queer women without baggage. And when I say without right. baggage, that's Mariana. Without baggage, that's Isabella Northcliffe. Isabella's baggage is Anne. The fact that Anne won't be with a hoe, <laughs> but it's still baggage. And so I don't know that Anne Lister knows what it was like to be like around a, a girl that was just free to be, to be like, I would just like to be with you and around you all the time. That's it. Full stop. The end. Send the telegram. What happens after this? I want to say a door opens. But I could be wrong. Oh, what does Anne say to the invitation? She doesn't say yes or no. She just goes off into a story of, oh, well, I used to talk about traveling with me and my sister. And then oh, yes. we sort of fade off. Like she's talking and then Anne Lister is fantasizing about <laughs> in Rome. In a monologue, right. <laughs> she's fantasizing about Rome. What the fuck they're going to do in Rome? And she basically says, I see that I have to be, and I'm paraphrasing, uncommonly delicate and fastidious. Is that right? With delicate my charms. Or, but yeah. I do believe I will succeed Agreeable. with her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I actually found the line. I see I must be uncommonly and fastidiously delicate in leading her into my own ways, but I do believe I shall succeed with her. And as a side note, I do believe, and it's hard to say how she might have evolved over the years, but from what I've read in her diaries and other things, and this probably has to do with her like dealing with a bunch of straight girls also, is that her perception of queerness on other women was something that she thought could be learned via experience, where for herself, it was something that was natural. It was something that just was, because of course she's living her own life experience and she would know. I was trying to get to why I think she phrased in this way, bring her to my ways, is because as many people in the show and in the diary describe Anne Lister as singular, she was literally described as singular when she was like 15 by someone who's just like, wow, this girl, <laughs> she's singular. What's going on with her? That that perception of self, of possibly a bit of narcissism, was tied in there where she's like, well, if there's a natural way to be as a queer person. This is me. This is me. I was born this way. I was naturally this way. But I think when you deal with veers and people of that nature where you feel like you may have to talk a hoe into understanding what she should understand naturally, but perhaps I as Anne do not perceive she understands understands naturally because I feel like I'm coaxing her. I feel like I have to expose this to her. Like we see in some of the language she says with Ann Walker, where she's like, well, she doesn't know. She doesn't know what this is, but she will know. Or she doesn't know that this could happen, but now she knows this. And so she goes with this assumption that innateness of queerness that she obviously has felt from a small child as she was expressing herself is missing from other women she's dated almost entirely. 
And mm. so that's just an interesting note because, I mean, that makes sense. And Lister didn't have any fucking feminist theory to read from Barnard or Vassar or whatever the fuck. Yeah. So there was no, and because she was a society lady, and this actually, oh my God, this is such a tangent, but this makes me think of like the other thing that could happen within this world. Not necessarily based on historical facts because like Ann Walker's diaries, we don't have any, they would have destroyed it. But yeah. just the idea of like queerness for poor people in this time. Because indubitably, I have to assume that if there was a community, which we know there always were, of queer people, if you didn't know about it, that was your problem. But I feel like there had to have been some sort of insular community of queerness amongst poor people and that it was probably more communicative in a way than rich people because of all the bullshit of being rich in aristocracy. Oh, I can't go over here. I can't be around non-respectable ladies. And if there was a bitch that could probably tell you something about a grubble or two, wouldn't it be a hoe? I agree. And by hoe, I mean actual they hoe, like a working woman. Right, right. Yeah. I recently started watching Harlots on Hulu because a friend of mine was like, watch Harlots. And I was like, I don't know. More curls, more wigs. And, you know, it's in the the height of the the influence of the French, French, I'm oh, forgetting no, which king. The white curls. Yes, yes, no. yes. And so it's really, it's really like really pretty men and just uh. cholera. But <laughs> <laughs> but one thing I, I am enjoying about that show so far is that queerness isn't off limits. And that as one might expect from a woman who is using her body to make money that there's probably a bigger spectrum of what she understands about just like having sex pleasure for herself and her body you know who's on there you'll never guess Liv Tyler she showed up in season two I said oh was it season one whatever Liv Tyler showed up and I said bitch what so whatever you should check it out for Liv (laughs) like Liv what are you doing Mm. this is amazing I'm actually gonna spoil you she shares a kiss with a woman Uh, uh, well I just sold it. I know I did. I just sold it to you. So I'll be watching that. (laughs) But so that's what I mean that like in my mind, I feel like it just, and maybe that's just my imagination and me just having way too much fun. But in every part of my queer pilgrimage where you can isolate these, these known queer circles, there were communities there as always. There goes my train of thought again. I apologize. It's gone. Well, it's just being curious as to, I mean, what ultimately gay culture was like for right. okay, the less was affluent. Gay culture, for the less affluent. And was it freeing? In a certain sense, I have to assume it was. Because you could just be destitute anyway. Like, if you were just a poor right. person, you were living destitute. So why not be destitute and in love with your bae? Because who's going to be giving a shit? When you are a landed lady and everyone's looking at you. Oh, look at Ann Lister. Look at Ann Walker. Look at what these hoes doing. You can't really just run off into a shed and just have, like, your gay love for the rest of your life but if no one gives a fuck about you if no one's even writing your name down in the annals of history do they really care what you're up to if you find a way to seclude yourself i don't think so i mean listeners if you have opinions thoughts please reach out and tell us what you think because i, mean, I i'm super maybe super the rich had an extra footman around that didn't really do any work outside <laughs> of the bedroom outside it's of the totally boudoir possible. it's like, totally hmm. possible it's totally possible but anyways that was just a random sad note i had about ann lister as i read about her and i just thought it was very interesting like the contradictions i said the perception of self versus the perception of other women yeah and the fact that she could be a little dickish about other women's agency or capabilities or what have you but i also don't think she met as many lesbians as she would have liked and so she was a bit confused sometimes um or not as clued as she could be about the spectrum of sexuality and sexual expression oops where are we now Oh, George Booth. He's brought some flowers for cheer. So then um, we don't have uh, one of the ends leaving the scene. We cut with them both still in the abode. No one leaves the abode at all for any reason. It's after the end of monologue and 
No, the scene closes and okay. Anne just Anne just looks smitten as fuck. Got it. Like it's, okay. it's, it's actually the reverse of of other Anne and Walker. Because remember when the previous scene closed, we were like, "Look at her fucking face. It's a wrap. It's done. Just it's over." And this scene, we're like, "It's a wrap for you, Anne Lester. Look at your fucking face. You just yes. asked her to go to Switzerland. It's over for you two bitches. You two bitches are fucking done, both of you." And then from there, we cut to George at Chibden, older booth, and he's bringing uh, some flowers, flowers for cheer, but it's really for Eugenie. And so um, Eugene is told to get a pot and broken French. And he's like trying to ask, uh, <laughs> ask this girl to translate as best as she can. That uh, when I was asking all those questions about Eugenie in front of her, when she did, couldn't understand me because I was speaking in language that she doesn't understand, that I was not trying to be rude or snippy or shady or like an old come off as like an ogre because, you know, Given her situation, I, I I I don't want her to think I'm some sort of rude fellow, uh, and and so she's looking like, I don't know how to put all of that into into all six words in French that I know. <laughs> it's like, uh, okay, uh, um, grass, yo soy, but <laughs> it might as well have been Spanish because it was a fucking mess. And uh, as a side note. This is probably how Anne sounded when she first started speaking French. Because in the diaries, it talks about how frustrated she was with like, what is up with this French? Will I ever get the accent? And would complain to her, the person she was taking lessons from. They're like, sure, sure, give it time. And she's like, bitch, I need a girl. Could you give me someone here that I could talk to all the goddamn time? Because I just, I'm not, I'm not getting the French. Oh, so that's super cute. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my fucking God. After that happens. And now we're back at Crow Nest for Tales of Pocket Holes. Ah. Yes. Pocket hose. Because the girls are still talking for hours, as they are known to do, as lesbians are known to do, quite frankly. And uh, right now, Anna's on pocket holes because I really feel like the bitch been stressed since... I think it would. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> She'd been stressed mm-hmm. out from that line, thoroughly stressed out, and she needs to, to make the conversation gayer. I need to move closer to my aim because the bitch got me fucked up. And she talks about how Mrs. Barlow told her all about it, which if you guys read the book, No Priest But Love, which covers a lot of... Anne's relationship with Miss Barlow, or I guess basically all of it. They cover this little pocket hole story, which I will, if you remind me, turns to reference it in the, not a snack, in the, um, in the nightcap. Nightcap, yes. yeah. But she's like, oh, Miss Barlow told me this information, but I don't want to say because it's so scandalous. And I'm already like, bitch, please. Scandalous? Yeah, right. That's the point of this conversation is that it's scandalous. And she leans in super close and basically tells her that it's so dudes can have a wank whenever, wherever, like Shakira said. Whatever, oh, yeah. whatever, my wank and I will be together. Why are you shimmering your shoulders? <laughs> don't oh, don't no, shimmy your shoulders to the it's wank. It's me. It's me imagining. Well, now I'm looking at a. You can probably Ann deliver Walker's that line face. better than me. Whatever. I, I don't have that. Oh yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, now you got to do it. Yes. Now you got to do it. Wait, wait. What, what what is the line I said? <laughs> um, oh yeah. Whenever, wherever, me and my wank will be together. Please, <laughs> please, sir. Thank you. Whatever, whatever, Mike will be together and I'll be there and they'll be here. This wank's for you, my dear. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. I'm so- I fucking fell out the chair. There's water on my fucking computer. Like, oh, I spit out my water. 
I wasn't ready for the I, first was, note. It I'm took so me all sorry. the way fucking out. But at least uh, the listening audience was spared my obnoxious laughter and thuds to the floor. Okay. <sighs> so, well. uh, and Walker, her face <laughs> changes color. And I listen. No, this isn't like, oh, I should have. Was it a bad? Uh, She's like, I, oh, no. <laughs> is it, did I embarrass you? Oh, wait, no. First, because they be throwing the Paris shade. And Walker's like, no, that can't be true. That can't be what those pockets are for. And Ann Lister's like, of course it is. It's Paris. It's what they do there. I think that she enjoys punching up is what I'll say. What do you mean, in? I think that Anne Lister is one of those people who just doesn't mind punching up whenever she really can. Like, she can have her images and views on certain class divisions that are fucked up, but she won't throw it in the person's face if it's her talking down literally to someone. If she's talking to someone like a peer about a lesser, it may slip out every once in a while, but she'll never talk to a lesser. Oh my God, because I did tell you that she totally had that snobbish idea in No Priest But Love where she basically, and I'm saying this now so I can remember the entry for the nightcap, but she basically talks about, she muses about flirting with this French girl. She's like, I could marry this hoe and be with this hoe and fucking have kids and that whole shit if I were a man but yeah right because she's fucking French and I'm English and I would never I love my heritage I love my Englishness I could never commingle my English blood with French blood and I'm like how what but yet first when of all she you a liar and shipped in <laughs> she's feels trapped and smothered by the shabbiness that she can't wait to escape and go live life footloose but also fancy free if women could impregnate women the way ann lester is with her flirts she's a fucking lying ass hoe she'd be a reproductive abuser like that episode <laughs> of svu yeah but like and how many children you got she's like bitch i lost count because i was traveling and it's true i impregnated a hoe at least three in every country i went to and i tried to i was like think of mariana but then something happens and i was like oh oops oops as she calls them scrapes and that's something that's a thing where she's like i should be faithful to mariana because she still loves me and right now i believe this ridiculous plan of charles dying in some quick time and then it'll go off but at the same time she's like but i could also flirt with this hoe and then i'm gonna have guilt about it later i'm gonna have guilt about lying about this or misleading this person over here but she was messy is what oh, i'm saying she was messy oh yeah so i, I do think Anne would have left a few babies oh yeah uh out of wedlock <laughs> in yes. her paris years or just her younger years does that walker ask her a question about paris have you have you ever thought of done things like the way the parisians do or something well i mean she eventually effect. gets some shit like that because well she apologizes like we said which was fake as shit for making her blush and that's when she says the line no really i just went there to study anatomy <laughs> <laughs> that cutaway yo that cutaway that cutaway that oh my god, that kind of way. Oh, that no, <laughs> I. <laughs> woo! Um, I liked it. Ah. Everyone should like it because it was a fantastic cutaway to Conolingus. I'm hoping happening in the Parisian. I was about to say front, but front of what? Somewhere in Paris, maybe they could even see the Eiffel Tower. It was romantic as hell. Yeah. Conolingus. And the humor. Sally, bitch, big ups. Between her being like, no, I was just there to study anatomy. Expert <laughs> cut into the women's anatomy. Miss intimately. Lister. Close phone. Touching. <laughs> so yeah, that was definitely more than likely, probably, without a doubt, should be Mrs. Barlow, given the time period and um, stuff. And the woman looked a little bit older. I mean, I, so. I couldn't ask her her name in the moment. Oh, she's, <laughs> she's excuse kind me, if you, of, could just, <laughs> if you could just tell me. Uh, and, uh, I wonder how she got credited. <laughs> to me? Yeah, so 
she talks about studying anatomy while she looking at this bitch like she a whole ass snack and Anne hasn't eaten for weeks. I'm like, yo, bitch, like you have turned up the heat. This bitch said, I think it would. And all of a sudden you're like, pedal to the gas. I uh-huh. must turn my flirts all the way up to maximum and see what fucking happens. This is actually another one of those times that she's being really overtly, I'll just keep going back to hungry like the wolf, but Anne Walker misses it. Yes. Where she's literally like, <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> all that came out was that growl in these fleeting moments where Anne Walker's like, oh my God. And you just see it from Anne and you're like, wow, she's. Well, somehow the conversation veers on to, well, have you ever thought about it? Like, listen, her petticoats can't take the strain. On the right. one hand, I'm like, why? Like, it was right for you to give that hungry like the wolf look when a bitch was off in the window because, again, her petticoats can't take the strain. But then she transitions to a point of conversation where it's like, what did we just say about the petticoats? And she gets on to the topic of kissing. In my head, I feel like I'm ahead of where we're trying to get to. Because you probably are. Okay, let me walk it back. Let me walk it back in my head. Okay. We're looking at Hungry Like the Wolf. Right. Ann Lister is oozing, I want to fuck you right now energy. Yes. And Walker's not always catching it. So Ann Lister's like, let me segue to kissing like a boss. I would almost call this approach, you know, it's, it's interesting because like we said, the Hungry Like the Wolf, but then her verbal approach is a little bit softer in some ways. It's almost like she doesn't want to intimidate or scare off Little Miss Walker. Right. But little does she know that. Anne is ready for all that smoke. Miss Walker is ready for all that sexy smoke. So when they start to talk about the kissing and have you, and then Anne deflects again. And she's like, I asked you first though, actually. So what's up with that? And isn't that where she's like, um, Anne Walker's like, oh, what are we doing? And I just made me think of like the Killing Eve older lady. Yeah, she's like, what, the, are what are we doing? Because you know that this bitch, the feels, the tingly, she getting all fucked up. She's starting to glitch when Anne is being this direct and like, let's just talk about kissing. We're not even just gonna have this intense sexual tension that's been with us the entire time since we've met each other. Now I'm going to make it even more ridiculous and intense because I'm going to talk about something akin to sexual activity. Right. Kissing. Miss Walker, she's she's a hot mess in the in that fucking corner during this conversation because she's just like, what the fuck? Um, what do you mean? How do we get here? Petticoat's done. Petticoat's fucking done. I love this contrast between Anne and Anne because Anne Lister's displaying her years of I'm a cool and calm collected flirter. I've flirted many times before and I feel like I know how to talk to a woman to get her to feel good or stuff. And meanwhile, Anne Walker of House Parched is barely making it through. She's like, right. she's stuttering, she's fluttering. Her voice octaves are going every which away while Anne Lister's like, I'm a steady train of smooth talking. Well, Anne Walker's like, I don't, what? How did we, what? And it's adorable. And so then we get to that, well, have you ever wanted to? And Thirsty Anne replies, only to see what it's like. And Zaddy Lister, still talking low, is like, who? <laughs> who? And I don't know what you thought about this scene, but the way Sophie Rundle plays it, it feels like Anne is on the tip of her tongue, but she dare not say. <laughs> you know? So when Anne is like, who? She's like, bitch, don't ask me that question! Right. Don't ask me that question. I'm not ready to answer that question. It's not, no. So when Anne says that line, she basically says it kind of like a whisper. I'm not ashamed of this, but at the same time, James doesn't need to be here. What we're talking about in here. And Thirsty Anne is so quick to shake her head. Oh, no, no, I can't tell you. That I feel like it has to be Anne. Like, I'm not positive, but it feels like it's played that way, that she's just sort of like, I can't tell you right now because this is too much. I'm literally about to overload from sensory (laughs) shit, and I can't answer any fucking questions, man. The bitch body basically on fire. So she's like, how did we get here? What's going on? How did this topic of conversation switch to over this? You keep staring at my lips. I keep staring at your (laughs) lips. And now we're looking at each other. We're talking about kissing. What the fuck is going on? And Lister, can you please explain? I'm in distress. 
Or she was like, so wait a minute, does two plus two equals making out? Quick math? <laughs> <laughs> what do I do? Gay Jesus, be my guide. So then Anne Walker is basically like, well, have you? Because she's refused to answer the question. And I love that Anne Lister answers twice. It's great positive affirmation after the fact. Because, you know, when she says yes the first time, that's a direct yes. And she says it looking directly at Thirsty Anne's lips while licking her own. Yes. Is there a bigger cue in body language to say yes? Smooches. I'm preparing myself for the smooch. And I'm also drawing attention to my lips so you can know that I want the smooch. It's all there. Oh, right, 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 right. So yes is said verbally. And then after she licks her, her lips, that's the second nonverbal yes. It's like, yes. And also, if you can't tell, <laughs> literally right in this moment, you bitch, you, you, you're the one I'm talking about. And still, Anne yeah, is like, who, where? <laughs> <laughs> It feels like your energy's saying me, me, right here, right now, but I need confirmation. Who? What? Where? Who? And then, of course, and Lister's like, every time I come here. Oh. Above a whisper. Barely above a whisper. It's a sexy secret <laughs> from James. And poor Thirsty Anne is just shook as fuck. Her nethers are probably quaking like it's a goddamn yep. tsunami down there. Yep. She wasn't prepared. Like, she wanted it, but she still wasn't ready when she got the shits. And she's just trying to make it all make sense. She's like, my shit's glitched. Please, somebody help me. It's been a wild couple of days for Miss Walker. Dare I say the most exciting she's ever had. And so all she has to respond with is, what do you mean? <laughs> she has nothing else to say, but what do you mean? I need clarification. And Ann Lister's like, I think you know what I mean. And touches her face and caresses her chin, sending even more tinglies across the bitch body. Cause you know, that's what was happening. Tom Bow, I think you feel the same way. And Thirsty Ann is just like, what? <laughs> what? What way? Tell me all the ways. What is the way? I need you to tell me exactly the way that you think this is happening. And oh, um, the baby gay overload, baby gay overload. Gotta love it. And Miss Lista gives her what she wants, really, by saying that she thinks that Anne Walker is a little bit in love with her. And a little bit is being um, conservative, <laughs> to say the least, oh, Anne. Oh, oh, yes. uh, obey your thirst. And Walker is beyond a little bit in love with you. And she probably thought she was ready for this development, but she realized after the fact that she was not because she glitched all the way fucking out. And to be fair, it is Anne Lister. And uh, she'd been pressed for a bitch for over a decade. So should we be surprised that she was shooketh after Anne read her petticoats, her sexy petticoats to filth with uh, desire? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I was a young girl listening to how you flow. Now's my chance <laughs> to hit you up, daddy. I'm grown. I'm grown. <laughs> I can't. Wow. We need to make our, our Gentleman Jack modern playlist, by the way, somewhere on Spotify. Right, so then Anne starts to freak out a little bit and she starts asking her, she all right? Are you okay? And our baby gay really just needed some time to think and do the quick maths in her head because when you get that sensory overload, you need some time to adjust to the new reality that you're in. And all the while, Anne Lister is fretting about missing the mark and did I overstep? And thirsty Anne is just like, no, you didn't. I just need to think, actually. I'm just considering all that you said. So, okay, let me do the math. One plus two, then carry the four. Does that equal grubbling? I'm still trying to understand where, how do we get here? Right. Like, what, what, do we, what do we do? We following all the steps. And Lister asked Ann Walker if she's offended or embarrassed, um, which really just rips the poor girl from her precarious maths until she can soothe Bay. And that's Ann Lister. And Thirsty Ann is just like, no, chill, stop. Can't all be wizards at math like you, Ann. It takes me time, but I'm not upset at you. I'm not angry that you said this to me and so Anna's like have I misread it and uh, Miss Potched replies very sincerely very quickly like no I do have very warm and tender feelings for you 
And then what does she end up like? She's like, uh, I don't know. Oh Lord. <laughs> and I really feel like that was her petticoats. Like she was in, she was admitting to the shits <laughs> and she was literally experiencing a torrent. And she was like, Oh my God, this is too many feelings. Oh Lord. Good Lord. What the fuck? <gasps> breathe at both of the ends were actually both going through all the feelings because the same as when the uh the paper knife shattered and she was oh, like yes, oh this is you know oh this is an accident i'll replace it all these other things when <clears throat> the questioning of whether or not the feelings are being reciprocated and if she overstepped they were all coming from the same like, sense girl, of um i have a lot of feelings and i feel like this is not reciprocal anymore i, I and also the 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 anxiety that ann yes. lister would feel of like hey i'm not trying to get like get let my shits get wrapped up into a new girl this quickly and this intensely because um I'm look what happened to me last time I'm trying to avoid this kind of heartbreak again and I feel like I really need to be sure that this is what I want to do before I open myself up to these th these vulnerable sort of feelings and quite frankly at this point Anne Lister simply does not know the depths and valleys and chasms of of little Anne's right <laughs> thirst because they are deep it's a decade bitch she been thinking about you way longer than you've been thinking about her. I just want to say that. I just, I want to say that perhaps Miss Walker incurred a cross on her own um, in between that 10 years, thinking about Miss Ann Lister. It's a possibility. We do not have her diaries, so we cannot say for sure. Ann Lister asked Ann Walker if she despises her. And then Ann says the cutest, sweetest, another sincere, super honest, courageous line, if you ask fucking me, where she's like, no, no, definitely not. Um, listen, I could never despise you, Anne. Please don't ever Aww. imagine that for a second. And I'm just like, even as our baby gay is trying to put the mask together about what's happening in her body, she's like, listen, bitch, whatever you do think, never think that I can hate you. Never think that I'm upset about this. Like, I, I, I have to think. I have to ponder what's happened to my petticoats. But <laughs> just know that there's no bad feelings here. I don't think she wanted Anne to go. Like, like if I Anne... got money, I could replace the petticoats. <laughs> She was like, look, could I just think like you're super smart and clever and you're fasting and you've been in this shit a while. I just need to fully grasp what you're saying that like, because I didn't like I thought maybe this was a possibility, but I didn't really actually think this was a possibility because I didn't know this possibility existed for me. So if I could just sit in this new information for a second, that'd be cool. But it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with you upsetting me. It just has to do with me trying to assess my petticoats and uh, the damage <laughs> and whether or not I should give it to my lady's maid or clean it myself because <laughs> I don't need my business out there in the streets. There's right enough of my business in the streets. Of course, Anne, yet again, Anne Lister shocked to shit by something Anne Walker has said where she's like, okay, all right. So I've not misread it. I've, <laughs> I've potentially, I've, you know what? How about this? I'm sorry. I'm, I'll call on you tomorrow. I'll come back tomorrow. I feel like after Thirsty Anne is like, okay, so this is it. Not for a thousand years, not for a million years. Could I ever hate you, Anne? Not ever on this planet, in this life. That Anne is like, okay, well, um, put that on the list of things you don't say if you don't want to make out. But I'm just going to go because what you just said was really sweet. And if we're not going to make out, I need to leave. I need to remove myself from the situation from further on display. And gives her the handkerchief, which I'm like, did you know that Ann Walker was going to be clutching up all that handkerchief <laughs> for the rest of the fucking episode? Thinking all kinds of fucking thoughts. She's like, all right, I got to take my leave. Adieu. Keep this handkerchief, this bloody handkerchief. Think of me. And Ann Walker's like, I will. I will literally think of you while I'm clutching this, this handkerchief. My lady fair. And they both apologize to each other, all silly and shit more than once before Anne leaves. And then we see thirsty Anne staring out the window, clearly in love, clearly in love and lust, because who clutches a bloody handkerchief, Terrence? Who does it? People who want to die. People who <laughs> can only feel close 
to someone through these types of ridiculous means, right? Like that's, it's like a proxy. I want to be close to you. I love to be near you. I love to spend all my time with you. Here's your blood. I mean, it's a bit dark. It's a bit ridiculous, but you know what? These, these lesbians are melodramatic. So whatever the fuck, you know, she was thinking about that future first kiss. Uh, yeah. She was like, mm, mm-hmm. okay. It could happen in the drawing room. It could happen. It could happen in the garden. It could happen. You know, she was all fucked up because when we end the scene with Ann Walker, she's smiling. She's yes. fucking smiling. And in my mind, until something tells me different, there's no Ann Walker diaries. I feel very strongly that Ann Walker is a gay. And she has had reasons to assume that she was not altogether like the other girls since she was young. That in her mind, in the deep recesses of her mind, that she was already thinking about sexual things with, with Ann, oh, Ann Lister. Yeah. She and she was she's a mess. To, Look at the thirst. The thirst is everywhere. Right. She had to go and change, swap out the, you know. Right. But here's the thing is that her self-esteem is shit. She's in the shits. So it's not necessarily, I don't think, about Ann Walker being like, oh, I don't know about this whole gay shit. I think it's more from the perspective of, do I deserve this gay shit? Am I worthy of this gay love? Does she want me with this gay love? Because who would want me but a creepy man? Like, this is what I feel like. This is where I feel like Ann Walker's coming from. I don't know. I don't know. I could be reading into shit. You can let me know what you think. I mean, Listeners, creepy men were please, definitely if you, if you want abound. to, also let me know what you think. Creepy men are everywhere in every century, unfortunately. Well, let me stop screaming about her holding on to the handkerchief. I just, I really do enjoy the character and the real life individual of Ann Walker that this is based off of. And you know what? I know earlier in the episode, I said that Ann doesn't really show the hungry like the wolf situation to Ann Lister or rather to Ann Walker, but she did hear a little bit just without oh. the sly knowing smile because it was <laughs> honest. Like she's usually like, <laughs> you know, fucking... Wink, wink, eyebrow raise. But in this moment, she's like, here's a bit of the hungry wolf and I'm looking you directly in the eye. Can you handle it? And Anna Walker's like, I cannot, but give me five minutes. <laughs> I don't even know how she survived that conversation, to be sure. One minute we're talking about pocket holes. The next minute we're talking about right. making the fuck I need out. to catch my breath. Give yeah, me a second. I just need to. I just need. After there, we get uh, that adorable fucking speech of self-confidence from Ann Lister, where she's like, well, I think by and by she'll fall into my view admirably. Now that she's realized you can fall in love with a woman. Well, me. me. <laughs> I really do believe that if she's fond enough of me and manageable, might we not be happy? Oh! She's so happy in this scene and I love it. It doesn't stay this way the whole episode. But in this moment, I just fucking love it. Well, these ladies deserve it. In my book, in my book, they're fighting for agency. Yes, and she deserves this. She totally deserves this. And you can tell earlier in the scene, the previous scene, she was arming herself for defeat. She was yes. preparing herself for rejection, for another heteroflexible. Okay, well, she's not that into it. Or, or maybe it'll take another two weeks, three weeks, seven months, a year. <laughs> like, you know, fucking Vera Hobart type fucking toiling. But no, that's not what happens. That... It takes just one W for Ann Lister, where Ann Walker's concerned, for her to be like, I've received all the W's. Because that jaunty walk, that jaunty oh, walk, she was, yo, she, she was, was feeling excited. herself. It's like, bitch, just five minutes ago, you was all confused and all messed up thinking you fucked it up. And now you're back on, well, me. <laughs> you know, like, I just enjoy that kind of confidence because it's kind of a, it's kind of artifice in a certain kind of way. It's bullshit, but in the, in the cute way. So I'm happy to see her back on this optimism. After this fourth wall break, we see her calling on Mrs. Priestley. And they get to talking about what? Thirsty Anne? And Miss Priestley saying that she's happy that Anne Walker is being called on by Anne Lister. Because a hoe need friends. 
Oh, yes. And Lister asked about, because basically Miss Priestley is like, well, you know, she's been unwell. And Anne asked for some clarification. Oh, I hated this uh, shade that definitely started from Kenny. Oh, yeah. We can do- certainly blame Dr. Kenny for gossiping all over Halifax. And so Anne asks about these supposed issues with our beloved baby gay. And Mrs. Priestley mentions her weak spine and that she thinks it's menstrual. And I'm just like, mm, possibly. But again, the pinched nerve thing that I was telling you about, I'm still right. into that. I it's a possibility. I like that more than a menstrual weak spine. No one's because... going to tell me that that bitch was fantasizing pain. Who fantasizes pain? Who makes up pain? More than likely, they just did not know what it was. Um, so yeah, mentions the weak spine and that she, quote, frets about the oddest things and that she always seems to think people are after her money. Oh, really? Even her own family. And Anne is like, um, but aren't they though? Aren't they after yeah. her own money? What about that cousin? What about Atkinson? What about Atkinson? Is and it Atkinson after her money? She's Did you like, well, fucking money? Atkinson aside. They're like, oh, well, well like, no, you, you can't do that. Aside. You can't do that. Okay. And basically the conversation ends with. Well, I'm happy that she has someone that's not, you know, an old fuddy that's, you know, yeah. looking out for her. That's basically what she says, that she needs a friend, a good friend, a learned friend, an experienced friend, a wise friend. And that's not Catherine. And I like that Mrs. Priestley out here trying to get Catherine out the paint and <laughs> trying to get Ann Lister into the paint of companions that travel with our Ann Walker. She's basically like, please be her friend. Yeah, ultimately, yeah. And Anne's like, bitch, you don't even know. I'm such good friends <laughs> with her right, already. Like, only I getting better. On that, only like, getting that closer. Is, that is my M.O., actually. Like, that is right out of my playbook. Oh, my God. I think we finally have some jaunty music again after that. And so this is Anne. She back in Shipton. And what happened when she get back into Shipton? We see our favorite fucking dog. Argus! You know you called him a pony in the first episode. Do you realize that? Wait, I called him what? You, go- <laughs> you called him a pony when you were talking about how Anne speed walks in and you're like, I don't know, she jumped over something. It's a pony. It's small. Right. It was <laughs> small. a little dog. Yeah. <laughs> it was Argus. And that's who we see, the adorable Argus who's outside. And I just love big dogs, probably because my first dog was a gigantic Akita. Un- unnaturally large but yeah give me all the big dogs and so she gets in and immediately marion is on her ass right she says that jeremiah rawson has just come to see her about the coal and she wasn't here imagine well i mean when Gasp. you think that you're yeah, gonna dacity. have a meeting and you know well you need to tell a bitch first like, exactly you, need to, you can't just be you know what that's like washington when washington was like yo i called at your house twice and you weren't there what like don't women just sit at home all day and just be women like just quiet and pretty and Anne's like bitch I got shit to do I'll be moving right exactly you thought that's what I did right Jeremiah fucked himself up by just thinking he could show up at a bitch's house uninvited or unexpected rather after she like breezes past Marion Captain Lister yells out you're playing with fire because we know how he feels about coal (laughs) dirty business the coal is dirty business and of course Anne just keeps on moving and walking off (laughs) she's known to did you hear something I didn't hear anything and Marion calls after her about her damn muddy boots because you just know Anne walks everywhere. She don't give a fuck. Do you even wipe your feet on the mat, Anne? Is there a mat? Do they do that then? Marion is still outside her door after Anne closes it, yelling in her sisterly way and mentions that she has left some notes, some posts on her desks and says to herself, for herself, thank you, Marion, outside the door. Oh, it's just the sisterly bond is just so enjoyable. Anne takes out her journal as she gets in because you think she's going to get to writing, but not before checking out the letters on her desk. And what do we have here? What do we have here? A letter from Veer. Uh, isn't that the invite? It's a wedding invite, indeed. And of course, we hear the echoing of the rejection <laughs> as it plays 
cinematically into her brain. I shan't brain. say no. I shan't. God. I was like, someone interrupt this woman, interrupt this scene. Interrupt all of it. What happens after that? Oh, we get that little flashback, but... Well, we get a we get a scene of rage. That's what it was. She rips the invitation, which thank and God, she and then she it throws some. The, yeah, yeah, she it, throws it with something else against the wall, the, knocks it, down a picture and everything. I was like, oh, oh, express yourself. Is that where she says I'm getting too old for this? She's like, I'm too old for this, and I'm like, girl, are you talking about chasing straight girls? Because I say yes, yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would agree. You're over forty. Now's the time. But she definitely just rips this invite because she's like, uh, I don't know who she think I am. I ain't got time for this to wallow or congratulate her on her mediocrity or whatever this is that she's choosing to do with this marriage situation. That was kind of a thing, though. It's mentioned in the books that like this idea of politeness, decorum in society was expected of people like Anne. So even though she wouldn't want to respond to letters from people like Veer, who are writing her after the fact when she's got negative feels attached, she has to, it's like social convention. So I'm gonna write back to this letter with some platitudes and ridiculousness of things I don't actually believe because that is the custom of the time. And so I feel like she can only show those little bouts of rage when she's alone in her room. Yeah. And potentially with Veer when she was hanging on to a, a bitch's knees, but not ever for anyone else that's not directly connected to the situation. And Anne is rightfully upset in this scene because she was literally just on her lesbian bravado just jaunting down the street like it's me and then she gets it to see her notes and she's like oh, okay oh really? back to reality we back here yeah. we back here cool we back into the het propaganda no longer feeling herself at least for the time being and remembering veer's bullshit i think she needs to go back and see ann walker because feeling herself is what happens after spending five minutes around ann walker heading back to her crib and reading letters from bitches like mariana and fucking veer just puts her back in the bad place right and from here aren't we at booth for some reason, I feel like we are heading towards uh, the yes, the yes, older booth. No, he's getting trolled by his kids in the next scene. Oh, oh! He's, remember, he's like, he's fucking like, oh, girls, what would you think about me about having a new mom? <laughs> and the, wasn't it the youngest one or the middle one that's like, who the bitch, you? Who wants you? <laughs> who wants you, daddy? Daddy, have you looked in the mirror, dad? Like they are so cold. Like he raised a bunch of savages. Mm. So she's like, just like your mom. At least they can defend themselves. I like that. Look, it's the patriarchy. These yeah. girls need every bit of armor they I can get. I agree. They just run off giggling. Like, sure, Jan. <laughs> they, literally, <laughs> right. they literally leave him there to himself. Good luck with that shit. Fucking savage. Straight out the womb. And then we finally get some jaunty music again. Yay. And what's happening now with the jaunty music? We're back to Halifax with Anne. And uh, she's walking into town and seems to be about her business. And then she ends up calling on the prick, Christopher Rawson, with the dog and asks him about the accident with the gig. She's talking to him like she told the Hardcastle she would and informs him of Henry's dire fucking prospect. She's like, this kid lost a leg, bro. Like, there's right, there's like, consequences. And I want to know what can be done. Also, yeah, I heard you wanted to speak to me about my coals. I, yeah, that too. That too. Yeah, right. that too. We can talk about that too. Christopher basically bullshits the entire time essentially. But not before saying, oh, I don't have anything to do with that. That's my brother. Talk to my brother. I don't know anything about coal business. I don't get my hands dirty. And, and, and what uh, about the justice for the people who live on my land? I'm like, but how the whole town know you get your hands dirty, though? Like, because fucking Washington is talking about you. Other workers talking about, you know, the Ralstons. They steal. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that you're clued into your own reputation in the town. Because oh, of that's... course not. Because that's what people... Again, like it's oh, punching up is the fun right, thing to actually, do. Actually, different in reputation town. among the servants and among yes. the the landed people. Yeah, yes. you're totally right. The gentry. 
he basically makes some some equivocal statement about I'm surprised you even have time to look into this. Uh, us rich people, don't we have other things to do with our time, like, you know, spend money? And Anne's like, well, you know, these are my people. Mm-hmm. These are my servants. They're good people. And I would like to have some justice for the little boy. I mean, we got a little three-year-old fettling the cot for his older <laughs> brother. Yep. So what are you going to do about this? Rawson and he's like nothing literally nothing I mean I you know well, you know the constable the constable could look into it but he's busy he's fucking busy and Anna's like but isn't the constable isn't that his job to look for evidence like isn't that what he's supposed to do and he's like okay I will see about gathering evidence but you know again I don't have the time I don't know how you have the time the constable doesn't have the time and anyway the person who probably drove through there probably wasn't even from Halifax it probably was just some maniac from another town and so basically this whole conversation is bullshit but what From I enjoyed, yes, of course. What I enjoyed, she was like, oh, well, only a person with a certain particular set of means could afford the kind of cart that was driving mm-hmm. through like a maniac. So we're already talking about an echelon of money. So we're not going to. So she's like, oh, it's funny that you think it's just some maniac that's passing through whatever, however you manage, that you have any details about this at all since you didn't even want to look at it to begin with. And he's like, well, I only remember the things that were told to me from my mom. Told to his mom from Old Lady Walker? Yeah, Old Lady Walker, right, right, yeah, yeah. their gossip that yeah. reached him yeah. that way. Yeah, I do like seeing this part of Anne that's like, you know, she doesn't always notice the nuances of her servants' lives, but she does give a fuck. Like, her ethics are real. Her ethics are what guide her towards this desire of marriage and monogamy with the person she loves. And also this this idea of justice, this idea of, hey, like, who's going to pay? This is, a, think, this is a good person, good family, and they deserve justice. I think it's what she feels um, separates the echelons, like this sense of fairness and justice. So she yes, holds, because Rawson doesn't get it. Right. He's like, what is kindness? I am glitch. Like, I, I understand <laughs> greed. Greed to give greed, me I more get. things. Kindness, I don't understand. Yeah, Did that's... you not see how I threw the pennies on the floor for the children? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, fight over those pennies. So as they're doing this thing... Mm-hmm. And having this like duel of words, jaunt off. they're literally having a jaunt off. And in the moment, and this is something that's different for the for, like for the rest of the men in the series. Like in the moment that that jaunt off is happening, Anne takes a step into him in his oh, space, and she's like, she does. "What does she say? You know a lot about it." And that was her aggressing. And what was interesting to me is that he aggressed back because he stepped forward, and he's basically the only dude that we've seen so far. And if I'm not mistaken, I have to double check, but the only dude in the show Challenged who doesn't manhood. back down. Exactly, he has. So much confidence in himself and his richness that he's like, bitch, a woman stepped to me. But literally no other dude got that smoke for Anne. She steps up and they're like, wait, hold up. What? Um, I wasn't prepared for that response. And so I'm just going to take my leave and reevaluate the situation. But fucking, fucking Christopher Rawson, he steps in and he's like, are we jaunting off, bitch? And she's like, are we jaunting off, bitch? And I just... I don't mind the I don't mind the dynamic I don't mind as long it as either, Anne always wins. Because um I'd rather him be someone who backed down. But you know what? He shall learn. And that's fine. He Let shall learn. learn. And he gives her a nice little challenge because while I do enjoy men cowering, I mean that's always gonna be my favorite, men cowering when Ann Lister just looks at them and like, oh shit, my dick, where'd it go? But this is an interesting thing because it also tells us a lot about Christopher Rawson. I feel like this is Sally telling us early that he's gonna be a problem. Uh-huh. Because look at how he reacts versus every other dude in this show. And so uh, before she takes her leave, uh, after she realizes that she's getting nowhere with getting justice for, you know, the people who are uh, renting the land on her property, uh, she says, oh, and by the way, um, would you, when you speak to your brother, um, have him come <laughs> and uh, visit me again. And, you know, I may have I'm, a better chance of being at home if I know exactly when, when, when. he's going I like to she arrive. She was like May. She was like May. 
there's no there's no guarantees here. There's no guarantees in life. Just like me being home is not a guarantee. But maybe if I know when a bitch is going to call on me. I mean, you know, that's okay. the energy of 2019 where it's like, oh, there's a knock on my door. That's nice. I wasn't expecting anybody. <laughs> Christopher Rawson is broken. Like his rampant misogyny and money have broken his fear receptors. So he doesn't actually ingest what Anne is saying in the way that he should ingest it. Well, he won't be uh, forgotten. I'll say that. So he's on her radar. She was like, if my kid was in a crash, like your kid was in a crash, that you would care about uh-huh. the evidence of the crash and people being brought to justice. He's like, yeah. I care. I I care. Uh I do. Uh I'm fighting for justice right now as we speak. (laughs) I can't wait till she be like, wait, wait. How'd you roll up in here today? Oh, you got a brand new ride with two jaunty black horses? (laughs) I feel like there were two jaunty black horses in the opening cinematic scene. I wasn't physically personally there, but you know, and with the with the with the bad leg, (laughs) she could she could attest to the beautiful black horses that were on pulling that buggy. True that, true that. And uh, that's they... how you're going to get caught. <laughs> that's how you going to get caught. But what they end the exchange, all fake and shit, as the British can do. Where politeness is there, but so is a whole lot of shade mm-hmm. and rudeness. It's all about the undertone. It really is. Passive aggressiveness, which I kind of detest in large order. But yeah. Just say what you mean. Just say what the fuck you mean. I usually do. It gets me in trouble, but yeah. So we're back to Cronest. Yes, we all. And Ann Walker defending her bay, as it were. To Catherine yes. Walton. So Catherine's having a big soliloquy of a conversation. <laughs> I have to say it like that. <laughs> yeah, she, okay, yes, she's having, <laughs> okay, yes, she's having a big conversation with herself. It's about bonnets. Like it's yes. about bonnets. I mean, you can have it's pack twenty bonnets. bonnets. I mean, I was, I was gonna pick five, but maybe I could pack three. Oh, and then I could buy bonnets when I get there. I need to not spit my water. Uh, wait, are you bringing a parasol? Do you think we'll need it? Well, I hope we need it. It should rain. <laughs> it should rain. Anne Walker or isn't saying it should be anything. A clear, cloudy day so that anything I can have a parasol. And you know, let's you know, we can buy a parasol and bonnets when we get over there. Um, <laughs> so and Anne, Anne Walker's just over at the mirror. She's like, "Bitch, would you stop talking? Like, what's going on?" Like, and um, she's like, "Look at my bloody handkerchief. <laughs> so let me just." Let me squeeze it. Oh, Let me touch it. Um, have you thought about bringing anything to read when we go on our trip? Suddenly, um, Ann Walker yes. has life. Um, yeah. Um, and Lister gave me a few re- suggestions of books that I could read. Okay, Motormouth, I'm going to need you to calm down. Because <laughs> all you seem to be doing this entire time that I've been here Are is you talking about Ann Lister. Can I have a second to breathe and to talk? My God. Okay, could that? First of all, <laughs> she needs to slow the fuck down because when the scene opened, bitch, all we heard was you. We didn't hear Ann Walker talking about her bae. We didn't hear her going on and on. We heard you going on and on about your whack ass bonnet. It reminded me of when I, we were first introduced. Should I bring seven? <laughs> like, That's what, what she said. Like, what? No, no, I think she said, was is seven too many? And I was like, bitch, six too many. Like, why do you have seven bonnets? How this, do you fit those? Her introduction into the show reminded me of how the world at large was introduced to uh, Cordelia Chase. Wow. And she Deep had cool. that one friend that said, yeah, I know. She's like, hello, Motormouth? Like- <laughs> <laughs> What a deep pull for anyone out there who watched Buffy the Vampire it's like, Slayer. Uh, it's, I don't 
want it because it's the most expensive. I want it because it costs more. <laughs> I was like, oh. oh my god! And then she continues to do what we've been saying about the haters of Halifax. Like she yes, starts she's gossiping as what a the fellow fuck? hater of Halifax. Like, oh, don't forget to be careful. Mind yourself around that lister. You know, you hear what people say. Who, well, who says? <laughs> who says? People. Who says? I love that Ann Walker went about the business because she was like, what do people say? That she's more interesting than your bonnet selection? I'm trying to figure out what people are saying. Could you tell me what people are saying? This is the most life I've shown in this conversation. To this defend is my the bed. most life her family has ever seen come out of her. Any family member. Right. And Catherine's just like, she can't be trusted with women. <laughs> she might make them happy and such. <laughs> and like experience pleasure. Can you imagine women experience? brings pleasure 19th century and baby gay Anna's just like who said that who said that and Catherine annoyingly is like i don't know you know the most Somebody, annoying people. thing that you could do near me in my vicinity yes. is talk any kind of smack about anybody, anybody. and then not even know don't the have no sources right where are the sources where are the citations how do we confirm that these are facts what the fuck is going I on i yell at articles that i read that pop up on the internet from no random sources, sources. Right, yeah. like who what why is this an article why from is this david walking down the block fake five minutes ago news fake news i'll watch a youtube video i'm yelling at people because it's like i strongly disagree and here's why and why what do you oh but it's just like an feel. i just feel that well your feelings aren't facts and it's like Catherine. you That's don't important. even know you know you don't really got no friends just tell the truth from your shady ass mommy and daddy you know we heard about the rossons like we know about y'all fucking family over there we know it's people steal so clearly the gossiping is happening on other parts of the Lydgate estate where fucking walkers and such and people live and people are talking that shit. But what I don't like about Catherine is that she does not have the balls to actually come up straight up and say my dad or my mom or so-and-so said this specifically to me. Right. Because it's more fun when, you know, when you're being a shady bitch. I yes, guess. I guess. But Anne is vexed and perfectly confused and is basically like, well, what does she do to them? What does she, does she bite them? And I feel like in her head, she was like, does she bite them? Smile, <laughs> smile. Does she? I hope. Catherine notices that, oh, there is smoke here. And I didn't anticipate there oh, being there's any smoke, smoke whatsoever. Smoke. So I got to find a way to, I don't know, change this subject because I, I've struck some nerve and this is going to be a long trip. And I don't want to be somebody who's stuck in the space with someone I find insufferable for three months. I don't care how <laughs> much Bobby pays me. Three weeks. If it's going to feel oh, like God, three, three months. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can. So she's like, oh, wait, are you bringing your watercolor? Oh, yeah, I just got a new set of watercolors myself. So, you know, maybe we can, I don't know, find a thing to paint, like um, a way to break out of the glass ceilings that are our personalities or I don't know. Is she, uh, what do you call it? She commandeers the conversation. Soliloquy. Oh, she does. She Again, does. at the end. It's like, oh, well, whatever. Like, she gets bored with the fact that she's just teasing some woman she doesn't even know. Spreading a rumor. Mind you, she probably spreads those same kind of rumors with other friends about her own cousin. Well, yeah, because she gets exactly to, so like, you know did she the, touch you? Like, you we didn't go over that part. You know how invalids get. Like, like, I could just imagine her being the mean girl about her cousin who's never around and being laughed at, joked about. Actually, I would, and, I you mean, know, well, she's never been introduced into society because, you know, I mean, even though there's money to be, like, spread, it's, I mean, who would want to marry an invalid? Like, like I could just see her 
being I will, this. I'll let you see how Catherine develops. I'll keep my non okay. my non spoily comments to myself about Catherine. But okay. I do think that you're right that she has mean girl tendencies, even if she thinks she's being well intended for her cousin. She doesn't answer Anne's questions when she's like, who was it? Who said it? Why? And she's like, I don't know. People. What do you mean people? How can you just say shit that people said, but you don't know who the people said? And then Anne is like, well, basically, you shouldn't say shit. If Literally, you don't know who the fuck said yes. it. And then she's like, well, okay, but um, has she tried to touch you? And what was weird is that she did that like masturbatory with right. her hand. Like, she's like, oh, the word is that she's like a man down there. And I'm not sure what that's supposed to mean. She's a man down there with her big dick energy <sighs> and we're not used to well, it. Well, when you think of it, you hear the term on phrase and name, Miss Lista. It does sound like a Miss Mista. So it's maybe that's like some nursery rhyme that they're saying behind her back where she is actually this man who's cursed to be like a woman in the public but oh a man my God. in private in my version i'm just gonna say that she intimidates men so intensely that they now have to tell tall tales yes. fables about her big dick energy They're like yes. and lister's dick is so big yes. it's so big you can see it through her petticoats and that's why all the women are like oh and lister's coming by <laughs> and you know what we get a peek into fucking ann walker's ethics here and her being equally matched in a sense because how can you take this information secondhand from people and talk shit about a person you haven't met. Catherine is like, well, I don't think I'd want to meet her. And then she's like, well, you know, she's actually not that bad. And if she, she's actually coming to send us off, I think she said, like she was coming to see them before they, they headed out. And um, that she would even oh, she suggest- says that after her little thing, she's like, Miss List is one of the kindest, nicest, most clever and interesting people I've ever met. Yada, yada, yada. And at the end of it, she's like, and she can tell us all the most clever stuff we're going to do. And you're probably going to see her because she comes over here all the time. We talk all the time now. Matter of fact, she's on her way probably right now. Catherine's just like, oh, well, I mean, so what about those parasols? <laughs> <laughs> right. I like, didn't expect this. Time. I didn't expect to get this kind of reaction. I mean, this is great because it's completely independent of Anne in the scene and she's defending her vigorously. Yes. Defending her honor. Yes. She's like, I'm defending my girl's honor and I will not tolerate this. And the fact that it's, you know, with someone close to her and we've seen how reluctant she's been to speak for herself when Anne isn't in the room. And with Catherine, she's like, no, bitch, this, this will not do. I know I'm usually quiet. I know I know I usually just sit here like a wallflower while everyone else just talks over me and makes decisions for me. But I need to let you know that you're fucking wrong. You're all the way fucking wrong. And you should shut the fuck up, bitch. Actually, it's what you should do. And Catherine was like, well, damn, I've and all the years I've known you, you've never done that. Okay, um, parasols. Um, she used to parasols. sit in her cousin's face with silent awe. And she noticed all that silent awe had to be melted away because she started throwing shade at her new, her new interesting thing. Yeah. And it's like. Uh, I definitely don't have room for the both of you in my head. And I thought we no. were going to have three weeks of bliss together. But it looks like... Um, bliss with you Catherine? <laughs> it looks you know like she didn't want to travel with Catherine? She was never... From the minute it was suggested to her from old Aunt Ann Walker, she was like, I don't even know if I... But I guess, since you're suggesting it. And then, I mean, we just saw a scene or two ago with other Ann. And Lister, she was like, I don't want to go. Right. You should come with us. Like, these, this is the compromise right. I can make because I don't want to go. Right. But if you came, going would be a thing that I would suddenly be interested in. I love that she ends like her her thing in like a spirited huff. Like she's out of breath. She's like, and this is the best thing. You need to stop. So <sighs> this is us seeing Ann Walker in a room, not with Ann Lister, and noticing that the life that was in her face, the animation that was in her posture, in her life, right? Yeah. It was like, well, it was like, where did you go? It was like, Catherine was in the room and and Walker went away. Well, and and it wasn't until she yeah. did finally speak and 
it was towards uh, the topic of Anne Walker Lister. doesn't have conversations with other people. They right. just conversate at her. They yes. talk at her. She doesn't have conversations with people. She's like, the only bitch I actually have a conversation with, the only bitch who lets me ramble, like I apparently can do, is with Ann Lister. So you just stop, Catherine. Matter of fact, I don't even want to go on a little trip with you. But just <laughs> right. seven bonnets asking, should I bring, is that too many bonnets? Or should I bring an extra bonnet? Well, here's the thing. If rambling runs in the family and we're related and you don't hear me ramble. No, uh, no, they're related through marriage. Oh, ew. So not I mean, by blood. Ew, still. <laughs> You're like, fuck that. Ew. Oh, my God. And yeah, we do finish that conversation with Catherine backing the fuck off and just asking if she's going to bring her paints. Yeah, so uh, what colors? Hmm. I just what got a new set because, you know, <laughs> money. That's what women did, actually, historically at that time that I'm not sure if you're familiar, but just the idea of femininity and womanhood, especially if you were with means, was music. Play an instrument. So generally, a whole lot of people, including Ann Lister, played instruments, could try to hold a tune and sing songs. Other things that were considered romantic skills, like painting or sketching or whatever. These were things they cultivated. Or like, if you're, if you're a good woman, a good learned woman, this is what you do, even though this is all you do, like, off on the side. No one should ever take you seriously. Exactly. You should never do anything with your work. And if you ever want to do anything serious, you need to do it under a man because this is just to entertain you because you have nothing to do all day. Mm-hmm. But be pretty and gay and entertaining <laughs> to the people you're around. And so that's, that totally fits for the bullshit of the time if you're a woman. So what's this next scene? Oh, Jeremiah Rolston for Miss Ann Lister. <laughs> he's at the, he's at Shibden. Deleted moment. Oh, I was going to mention the deleted moment yeah. after we get the intro to okay. what, why it's deleted. Okay. Which is Marion and Captain Lister are waiting in the drawing room with Rolston already. Just like, oh, hey, um, I don't know. <laughs> it's been 10, 15 minutes. How long does it take for a little child to run a mile or two <laughs> to go get Anne a message? Because that's what we find out. I mean, she probably got scene. distracted. She saw a butterfly or a grasshopper. Oh, a lightning bug. It was like, oh, wait, well, what was I supposed to do? Oh, right. Oh, it's one of Booth's daughters that goes down. And so, yeah, this is where the deleted scene from this episode comes in, which is basically, what, two, three minutes ahead of this scene that starts uh, that aired in the UK. And it opens up with the camera painting down a line of workers who are pulling up some shrubs and shit. Probably those same exact shrubs that Anne said she was going to pull up earlier in this episode. Mm-hmm. And as we get to the end of the line with that shot, we see our own Anne Lista getting her hands dirty and pulling up those goddamn shrubs she herself. She better do it. To make a shabby little Shibden less shabby. As we come into the scene, and I'm annoyed they cut it off because... I mean, yes and no. So on the one hand, she comes in sweaty in a dirty mess. And I was like, whoa, this, what what happened to get us here? How did we, is anyone going to? And I ended up being okay with it. But then I you see the it. explanation and you're like, oh, okay. So I kind of like both ways. I kind of like not really knowing what she was up to, but the fact that she was sweaty and dirty and clearly doing man's work I because like it was it, physical work. It made me think of what her sister was yelling at her about. <laughs> so it's like, oh, you're doing all this landscaping yourself and you're oh, tracking yeah. through the house with all the your mud. mud. Oh, you know she's <laughs> tracking through the house with the mud. You know she's fucking tracking through the house. And honestly, I have to say that um, this is probably the hottest and has looked to me in this moment because there's something about like a woman who's done stuff. She's exerted herself physically. She's like doing something physical. And I don't know if I want to say rough. That's probably not the word but you I know mean, but just a, a DIY a sweaty, not necessarily DIY because you don't have to be doing you don't have to be building something but just like the act of physical exertion like okay she comes in you know a big sweaty mess in this sense and it's it's like physical work so I don't know like you could have been running you could have been so there's building, a word you been, it's it I guess it could it's in my lexicon um the term is called chorgasm 
Now, wait, how, <laughs> okay, I will wait. break this down. Let me just make sure I heard this correctly. Chorgasm, yes, C H O R E. Yes. Okay. So right. a chorgasm is the feeling of elation of doing a strenuous physical task that you have been able to complete. So it's your body wait, being you, able to. So that is that the person, the first person experience yeah, yourself. Okay. So you yourself as like, let's say you you're constructing something. You finally finish constructing it. It's not falling apart. Everything's tightened. It is erect. You have put things in it like if it's a shelf right. and it's now done you don't have to worry about it or touch it anymore it's set you did it there's a release a relief that you're, you're you just like of accomplishment of like i okay finished, I, can, I can relate I'm to that done. i did not have the term chorgasm in the lexicon of my words that i was using but i definitely feel that because i'm a person that gets extreme gratification from physical activity it's why i do so many physical things i'm like it just feels good to accomplish something and get something done in this way like even cleaning can make me feel nice yes and that's my mom's impact like you like that's the candle her. at Fuck the end and it's like <laughs> you're like oh ooh, shit i just bro. cleaned this i feel so good yes it's a fucking mess but i agree with you that or like sports i mean i really got that off sports i don't play sports now although i want to play rugby for the brooklyn team but i've been i've been barred by my mother and other people in life who were like, you'll probably get hurt. Someone will tackle you in your knees. And how many injuries do you have again? I would like, say go to a game just to kind of see it. And then you can be like... I can play rugby. The thing is, like... Oh, God. I'll get this ridiculous tangent, but I enjoy physical activity. Especially if there's a little bit of a contact. I don't mind that. Which yeah. is why I was into football, even though football is incredibly dangerous. But people can be fucking annoying about football. But rugby, there's less shit you got to wear, which I prefer. And I actually rather enjoy rugby. And like, so I, I would love to play since I can't fence regularly because that's all the way uptown by Harlem. And Harlem might as well be fucking uh, Scotland. France. To, yeah. right? uh, Scotland to Brooklyners because I just can't get up there. I'm not taking, you know, martial arts things at this time. And so I'm not doing my marijuana medieval fight club. And so I just like physical things are like, it's almost like fleeting. And so cleaning is one of those consistent things, I guess. So what do you call the person who's not doing the chore, but having the chorgasm effects from seeing someone doing a chore? Well, it's, I guess they're catching the wave, depending on how big it quakes within you. Again, I'm using terms that I guess they make sense to me, but it's like, I feel like there are people who, depending on the degree of elation, it quakes in their body and it ripples. Sort of like an earthquake has a central point, but then it... And did look pretty self-satisfied in that yes. scene, which... And that, you know, and just from a personality type and the way that people were just constantly like, what, what? That's not what women do. That I think just that alone would give her a sense of accomplishment and, I don't know, satisfaction that she's like, yeah, people aren't supposed to be doing this who are me, who are women, but I'm also me. I'm Ann Lister. I'm uh -huh. not your ordinary woman. Uh -huh. Not your typical bitch from Halifax. I mean, isn't that why the gays love sports? And the heads totally underestimate the gays loving sports because, I mean, look what just went down with the U.S. women's soccer team. Right. That was... You know, it can be, it's why playing sports as a queer can be both a harrowing and excellent time because you're like, is this competitiveness or is this sexual tension or is this both? I want to say in high school, my I experienced ex is it playing all. on the rival team. <laughs> we got to beat my Bitch. ex. I used to think some of the hardest hoes were in basketball. But once I started playing soccer in high school, I was like, oh my God, the hardest is bitches are at. in soccer. What the fuck? Ain't nothing like having a sexual tension filled rivalry on the fucking field. But let me not. There go is off into that nothing tangent. like being a male cheerleader for the female basketball team in college. Okay, can Woo! I just say that <laughs> there's nothing like male cheerleaders, period. Okay, I thank love you. them. Okay. I love them. 
Okay, so yes. What? Where were we? <laughs> uh, so she oh, gets her meat tea. Sweaty, yes. sweaty, dirty Anne coming in like a hot mess, but actually looking pretty goddamn hot as a mess. The hottest she's looked. I love that she's selling the fact that she's, hello, this was all intentional. Yeah. I need to meet, have this meeting with this coal man, dirty. So when I make the threat of, I will do it myself. But it's like, <laughs> if, this, if this dude thought he was fucking with a regular bitch, do you not see me here sweaty? Do you not see my loose ass fucking curls? My goddamn shirt is rolled up on my fucking forearm. Like you boys be doing. Like, I'm not sure. What is the line she says later on the show? Well, you know me better now. We haven't heard exactly. it yet, but you know. People will fucking learn. She says that she's sorry, but not really, about being late. And, um, oh, should we talk about how that little girl was like, oh, uh, Marion wants Miss Lister. Someone's there to see her. And, and he's like, go tell Miss Lister yourself. And he's like, she's like okay. Uh, and, but <laughs> it's because she was told not to bother Miss Lister. Because when you're one of the workers in the house, you don't, get no. the, right, you, don't, you, don't, you don't get to approach the uppers, especially right. if you're not the direct employee. Like, there are people who are assigned to be speaking to those people. So and it's like, I just want to say that fucking Anne says that she was overseeing the men. But when we see her, she's pulling up an actual uh-huh. shrub. Right. I love it. She was doing the work that she, was she doing probably work. felt like she could do better than them anyway. So I was like, well, it's like when I redid my backyard, I'm of the people. Yeah. But then so. we had the suit that we had the fucking hurricane that and then baby all my, flood, yeah. yeah, it ruined all my landscaping. Like I, I spent as I would several hours in Home Depot, just planning my shit. OD, OD fresh, extra shit, unnecessary. Like, I'm going to put these pebbles in this walkway and I'm going to line it like this. Got all the shits. It looked great. People came over. They party. They were like, this is fantastic. Here comes the hurricane. And you know what happened to all my laid out stuff? It floated. And and then half of it ended up elsewhere and just a fucking gross mess. But I get, I get the obsession over like landscaping. So what does she, she apologizes that she wasn't there, but that she loved to oversee the men. There's a lot to do. There's a lot of stuff happening on the estate and I have to oversee the men. Well, she should have said, I have to help the men. I have to show the men. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's what she should have fucking said. Yeah. Because that would have been accurate too. Oh, I guess I can make an historical note that in Gentleman Jack, The Real Anne Lister and Female Fortune, the two books, they do cover the fact that Anne was very into working with and overseeing the men. And it was something she threw herself into upon returning to Shibden after the Veer situation as a way to just sort of like get back on track. And also because she was super annoyed that Marion was like running the house and shit. So while she was gone, she's like, no, 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 this is mine. <laughs> so I need to make sure that everyone gets that this is my shit. So that's totally fucking accurate. Basically, she gets there and she's like, what's good? What do you want, Rawson? What do you, what can I help you with? What's, a, what's on he's your like, mind? well, I heard <laughs> that you were looking to sell uh, some of your acres in the cold. So I was here to just sort of make, you know... Uh, make a a a a, a, a vie for for some of this coal, and then she's like, "So, uh, what's your she's offer? Like, what that, what's the offer?" Oh, miss, we mm-hmm. don't. Um... Yeah, so um, actually, you should be, you should lead the offer. Yeah, and just... I feel like he thought she was gonna need a minute. Like I can, I mean, I can give you five. I've already been waiting here for 15, 20, 30 minutes. But Anne had that answer ready, packaged, prepared, and shined. And I fucking love it. What is it? 226 pounds, 17 shillings, and six pence. And Rawson is like, hold up, wait up. What? That's a lot of monies. I don't think it is worth all that. And she was like, hmm. Actually, we hear a lot of the hmm, 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 hmm. She has a lot of that this scene, which is <laughs> like that. What are we doing? Yeah, you know, I did ask a man earlier about this very 
particular subject, but you know, I feel like he wasn't giving me the right information and tried to take advantage of me because I was a woman. But I know you're not going to do that. Well, yeah, because he's just like, this is preposterous. This is ridiculous. Since when are women doing math? When did that become a thing in the 19th century? <laughs> Birth witch! You know, she's like, this can't be right. And that's what she's like, hmm, it is though. Actually, it is. <laughs> it is. Uh, let me just show you how I arrived at these numbers and... I just... It's a glorious scene. I mean, every time I hear the, mm, hmm, hmm, I enjoy that because it's just like, I enjoy it. But then this other stuff that she was pairing with the hmms, like this was basically misandry overload in the way that I like. She yes. came in looking gay as shit and hot as shit. And I was like, oh, bing. Then she came in and sat in the chair, gay as yes. shit. And I was like, bing. Then she came in here oozing her big dick energy. And then she was like, intelligence, mathematics, and just had Rawson all fucked all the way up. He was like, hold up. I wasn't, okay. They should have better prepared me while I was waiting for her to come from the that garden because I don't understand what's happening here. Is that when she goes into like her little speech? Uh, yeah. Yes. Oh, right. She asks him first, what's the cost of you to get your comb, whatever. But then she catches him in lies because he's basically like, I would say, she's like, actually, I did my own research already before this meeting. And mm -hmm. uh, here's what I came up with. And I found out how much you were selling the coal for in Halifax and it was for eight pounds. He's like, no, I charge seven pounds. Like, no, I actually requested yeah. and I found that no one that you're selling to in Halifax is paying so far. She there, basically there has to restate her shit some. several times because she says it like this is the price is what we doing. I'm informed. He's like I don't know. She's like but this is the price is what we doing. I'm informed. He's like I don't know. She's like okay this is the price. This is what we're doing and let me explain why. Quick maths. Can mm -hmm. you, are you ready? Are you? Do you have a pen? And we both were like what is up with I didn't call this a math gasm quite frankly. Yeah, I mean, this essentially could uh, constitute a chore, but yeah, it, it, this is more like a research paper level type of chorgasm, where it's like, Not I a chorgasm, a mathgasm. Well, yeah, though, no, I love Because this math. it's intelligence. Yes. Like, when she, when she first said that shit, I felt like whatever test in history was like, how did the British refer to money in these times? It flew to the winds with some other facts. So I didn't fully understand all that she was saying when she said the first time. It didn't matter. She, that bitch could have been speaking in Greek. Yeah, I'd have been like, this like, is uh -huh. the hottest shit this yes. whole episode. Yes. I mean, what did, I don't even know what she says. Thruppens hapeni prokof. It's like, what is that? <laughs> what does that mean, Terrence? I mean, we we looked it up. We yeah. know what it means. I mean, like, we took guesses. Three... <laughs> what do you say? We took guesses. I was like, well, it don't even matter. It don't even like, matter. That's like a... I said, when did counting money? When did numbers sound so good? Should we play a little audio clip? Oh, please. I, I will... have Ed Walker's <laughs> level of thirst. I literally, yes. You Right. Okay. Right. That was perfectly said. We are at Ann Walker's level of thirst after this scene. I mean, I was not prepared for what Saran Jones was going to bring to the scene. I didn't know what was going to happen, but I'm so happy it did. Let me explain why. You sell your coal down in Halifax at <laughs> eight pence per call. It's actually seven pence. I asked a number actually, of people bitch, who buy it from you. No one said seven pence. <laughs> seven, seven, eight pence, yes. So I'm reliably informed that the mm. cost of getting and hurrying to the surface, 20 cores of coal, is six shillings. So you drop this shit. She hasn't even started. 20. That's threepence halfpenny per call. See? Threepence halfpenny per call. Just girls' legs flying open across the continent. What was that? Tenpence halfpenny or 22 pence per square yard. 4,840 square yards in an acre times 22, and your clear gain is 453 pounds and 15 shillings per acre. Bitch! <sighs> Can you just take a moment and bask in the wondrous beauty of the delivery of that fucking information? Holy shit. Wow. It was amazing. And then as she got to that number, she then cut that number in half. <laughs> she... 
look, the intellect on display. And somewhere in between that whole thing while she's like, hey, Penny Coles, and blah, 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 this is what we're doing. She like, she like when she's getting to the end of the delivery of like, yo, I'm so right and I've just embarrassed you with my math. Because when we cut back and forth to Captain Lister and Marion, they are shook and They're impressed like, in the best Ooh. way. Marion is like, bitch, my sister's so fucking annoying, but I love this fucking bitch. Look what she's doing right now. This is amazing. It's aspirational. Like we, inspirational. no one in this house knew anything about Cole two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> And read 17 books in those two days. And now she's, she fucking, she asked a lot of questions as one would do. And she said, I've explained in the simplest way I possibly could. <laughs> Sorry. I'm saying. I was like, well, there's only one set of balls in this conversation. So I'm going to. There is. <laughs> I mean, she crossed her legs. Like, let me let the bitches breathe. That's what I meant to say that at the end of it, she like kind of, she like, cr- like just her energy where she crosses her legs. It's just a smug sort of like, and bitch. Like, I just loved it. Which by the way, ladies, that's actually the best way to cross your legs. The gay way. Yes. Because it's better for your circulation. Um, as my mom's doctor loves to inform all ladies. He's like that and abandon the bras with the metal rods because you can get fucking cancer also that freedom but then yeah bad things like sickness that's my medical advice for this is my endless medical advice moment ladies cross your legs like the gay for your health and um, burn your bras if you can or just give them away they were probably expensive I'm still not over that math scene I don't think I'll ever be over that scene Mm -hmm. as it was presented to me because it was so fucking good Um, I got to crush two brothers in one day Two fucking brothers. <laughs> Holy shit. I'm not mad at it. Spare some change. Spare hey penny. I mean, that's, that's yes. Out. And she finishes it like, so in all seriousness, this is my price. In all seriousness. Because I saw you were trying to play games before. And this is it. it oh, doesn't... And um, there's another proprietor who's already agreed to that price. Oh, but right. He does say, remember he says know. 150's near the mark. And I screamed at the TV, bitch, if 150 was near the mark, how come you didn't have a price when she asked you, ho? Yes. She said what your price was. I don't do prices. And now you're like, 150's near the mark. It's not near the mark. And she just explained to you why it's not near the mark. As she said, she was like, bitch, I don't know what to tell you he's like well we never make that profit she's like well i mean you need I'm to i'm not gonna about teach it. you how to make money in the coal business i'm just saying this i can do it that you're in <laughs> yeah she's like but i can do it i'll just do it, it myself I, I i don't have to buy you in like i will just but she was saying that to him she was like bitch if you don't know what kind of profits you can make off the coal you that's a you problem do y'all want to work, do work do for me I mean, you could. I'm, a, I'm about to stick my own pit, essentially. I mean, y'all could. Y'all could work for me if you want. Need a, <laughs> y'all need a job. That that fucking happens. That was swag. And so he was trying. Jeremiah was trying to not accept the L. He was like, well, let me just try to parry here. I was like, bitch, you can't parry. This bitch is learned in the sword practice. It's over for you. And he eventually takes his L. And it's just basically like, I have to talk to my brother. I have to, I have to talk to him because I can't make decisions alone. That's funny. He said him. he had to talk to you. So you guys I mean, both. you said 150 was near the mark, but suddenly you got to talk to your brother. Okay, bro. Um, and we finally get the introduction of the bell. Oh. <laughs> yes. So she gets up. She rings the bell. She rings the bell. She gets up. She partially exits the room before she spins the fuck back around to be like, oh, do we, uh, are we, because I'm about to. Actually, you should do your analogy that you said. We so ultimately, <laughs> watching analysts to get up and ring that bell, that is the equivalent of you getting the text that says that your Uber has arrived. <laughs> so she gets up and she's like, oh, my Uber's here. Oh, um, this conversation is done, right? Because I, I got to. She's like, my Uber's outside. I got to go. Like, I'm trying to maintain my five-star rating. So I need to. It's the auditory version of TikTok. 
She's yeah. like, bitch, I gotta, bitch, I got shit to do. Yes. I don't know about you, but my life's going places and you're slowing me the fuck down. And I fucking love it. That's the energy she has for literally every man. And no one has shit to say. <laughs> she literally gets up to leave the room and everybody's every shook. Ross and shook. Captain Lister like, well, damn. And Marion like, well, damn. That's it. If she leaves them, she leaves them on red. She leaves them sitting in the room to think about how amazing she just was and dirty and sweaty and they can't make sense of it. They're like, this is a woman? This is a woman in the 19th century. Well, Sam Lister. And I like the way Marion plays it because obviously she's been party to Anne's shit this entire time. But I love that despite all their bickering and nonsense, she's still there at the end looking dumbfounded and incredibly pleased and proud where she's like hell yeah not that it, girl that grew up on a farm you know like even that <laughs> even after all these years her sister's intelligence and bravado still shocks and awes her in a certain way which is great doesn't she do that thing she does to ann walker too in this conversation or when she was talking to to rawson where she's like oh what's the word i'm looking for marion and marion's like, like ah, ah, ah. She's, she's like, like yeah yes. inconsequential <laughs> that's, that's what it is thank you marion she's like <laughs> sure, right. sure. Like, I'm glad I could assist. I guess. Oh my god! Like, uh, yes, this intelligence rubs <laughs> off on the entire family, oh. and we can't stand to be around all you lessers. We can't which stand why, it. Which is why no one ever gets invited to our house. No, so one- she can, so she can have that air, and it's like everybody's just standing there at the ready, even though they can't oh my goodness. assist if they wanted to. But yes. So after Jeremiah finally accepts his fucking L, he's back with his bro, and they're licking their wounds with um bullshit male bravado like dudes are known to do because that's exactly what's happening here what annoys me about christopher rawson is he's basically immediately like well i told i told you not to let her run rings around you and it's like mm, are you insulting Anne or your brother because uh, someone here is, is incredibly intelligent okay. it's not jeremiah okay. so how can you stop an intelligent person from running rings around you that's not something within your control if your intellect is right. not to the same level or above <laughs> the person you're trying to not have run rings around you. That's ridiculous. But he basically is like, I told you so. I knew that was going to happen. I knew she was going to do that to you. And it's like, well, why did you? And that's basically what Jeremiah says. He's like, well, why did you let me go alone then? If you if you knew this was going to happen, why didn't you come with me? I don't get my hands dirty. <laughs> I mean, he uh, didn't say that, but I feel like that's I what mean, he means. Uh, that is what he meant. And unfortunately for him, the lessers in town know about his dirty hands. So there's that. But lessers don't have the vote yet until they, you know. Right. So he was there trying to shade his brother. He's like, bitch, like you could have come with me, but Miss Lister's scary. And actually, she's very well informed. So it wasn't about me letting her run rings. She literally came with the fucking facts. She knew what the prices were for everything. So I wasn't able to negotiate something that was non-negotiable, which was fair price. Right. And you and I both know we've not been dealing with this bitch fairly at all. I think Christopher says he knew her or he knew of her when she first started coming to Halifax. She adopted her aunt Anne Lister and her uncle because she was a bit much at home. She was a bit much for her parents and that she was expelled from a boarding school. And he does not sure why, but he could guess. Hmm. Rubbling gets you expelled, evidently. Oh, he's like, yes, she likes the ladies. <laughs> That's what he says. He adds at the end there, he thinks she's bluffing and that they basically should just like gird their loins and see what happens. Because he doesn't think she has the money to sing a bit or wants to go through all that drama. She wants to smoke. Why is she going to shit where she lives? Besides, she's interested in exotic fairs. She loves to travel. She loves to fuck exotic women. And so why would she try to fuck with us when she clearly doesn't even intend to stay here? Again, Christopher, you don't know what you're talking about, but you're going to have to learn. And then we are back to Cronest with Miss Walker's prepping for a holiday. Oh, right. This is where we're getting to where you wanted. This is this is where you started us at like yes. an hour ago, hour and a yes. half ago. Well, it's um, this is 
isn't this when she's talking about the fact that she has to make this trip but yes. she's not it opens up with the uh, with the height parallel and blister is in the chair above ann walker and she's looking at her art and ann walker is on the floor and she's like mm, this one's your sister she's, like, yeah, yeah. She's, yeah. oh, oh the and then she gives her the i mean before we get there though <laughs> we have to acknowledge every step of the way that ann is complimenting and lister is complimenting a hoe because again i really just am convinced this doesn't happen for ann walker in any substantial or significant way she takes the time to say these are good these are very good and as a side note ann was more attracted to and found women more attractive if they had what she perceived as feminine qualities and skills drawing or painting watercolors that was one of those skills so that would be something that would just attract her to ann walker even more that she had some some artistry skills and i could paint you one day well, that's what i was gonna say i was actually gonna say if if we're watching a movie or tv show and there are two gay women if one of them isn't an artist are they really gay because this trope uh, has existed far and wide across the, and the total like, annal like of like gay of cinema french girls right like that's that's the, that's an iconic line from titanic but it really describes almost every major like fucking gay woman relationship in tv or cinema ever across the history of life you're like sketch me paint me take a photo and so even though i kind of roll my eyes at it because it's so expected i i also love it because it's so expected I'm like is she an artist of course she is she's a lesbian so <laughs> we get that here we get that sally rainwright thanks thanks you gave us 19th century lesbians and walker out here doing art and then and walker's immediate i would love to paint you in the french way without clothes no. <laughs> <laughs> i would just say for season two i would like to see it in the great story tradition of lesbians displaying their love for each other with art and you're like, this is pretty kissy. Like you said about, I think about three times in the scene. Are they gonna, is it yeah. gonna, is it gonna happen? It does not. But I think we have Catherine to blame, certainly for yeah. that. Right, okay, so after that super sexual tension filled erotic line of like, let me draw you. Oh, all right. Anne breaks up the tension with a deflection to the gondola. He's like, I got you something to replace that paper knife. I mean, it's not a big deal. And Anne's like, oh my God, presents. <laughs> she opens mm -hmm, it up and she's mm -hmm. like, it's perfect. It's beautiful. You give the best presents, even though this is my first present from you officially, you give the best fucking presents. She, what she says, she got it in Venice like two years ago. And I really love the way she studied Anne's reaction in this way, because isn't that the best part about giving gifts? The reaction? Yes. Like maybe 0.8% utility, but 99.2% how are you going to react? What's that look on your face? How will I get to experience it? I'm enjoying the reaction. This was worth buying the gift. Well, Ann Walker's pretty thirst makers here in this whole freaking scene as I'm thinking through it because she's like, I love it. It's amazing. This is so perfect. I don't want to go. <laughs> you know, like immediately she's like, I don't want to go. I don't even know why my aunt recommended this stupid trip from Dr. Kenny. I don't want to do it. She's like, I love the idea of travel, but well, you know, my brother died in Naples. Just like old Aunt Ann Walker said. And I actually laughed when Ann did because it's such an absurd thing. And Ann reassures her from evil old Ann Walker's impact and says, that, hey, you're not going to die in Naples. Opposite. You're going to live. It's going to be great. She tells Ann that she'll feel alive. And I'm like, this bitch feels alive right now in her yes, petticoats. It, right, right, right. <laughs> in her right fucking now, petticoats. At this moment. 
Good grief. Her handmaiden is like, oh my, my God. God. <laughs> this has been every day, Miss Walker. What the fuck is going on? God. But you know, the, sever- the service is talking shit amongst themselves. Right. Like, bitch, like, ever since this Lister bitch been coming over, like, Anne's petticoat's been, they maybe, really been fucked maybe up. Maybe she's not. Uh, Does she know that anymore. silk stains? Does she know that this is, it's really hard to get this out of fucking silk, imported silk? Okay, so I guess I'll take this moment to apply said gift. To your uh, bitch, so I can be blouse. close to the bosom. Yep. I mean, two birds with one stone. Apply I mean, this the, is apply a the pen, so I have to, to the pierce. I have to pierce the fabric, but I also have to make sure I don't prick the flesh. <laughs> so give me a moment. Oh my god! To catch the clasp. Oh, this is this is such a tricky. Uh, <laughs> they a just, tricky pen. It's too much because just before the moment, you're like, are they gonna kiss? It looks like they could totally kiss. Like, look at this energy. Look at the eyes on the lips and the look at the proximity. Is that three inches, four inches? It's really fucking close. And then she's like, oh, gondola gift. And then she gives the bitch a gift. And it's like, are you guys going to kiss again? This seems like another great opportunity to possibly wade into those waters of gay activity. But yes, she starts to put on the gondola. And that's where like she's fucking a bitch up because she's like, you're really close to her bosom. In fact, you're kind of touching it right now yes. like, with it. And we know that when you're stressed for physical contact, especially from your crush, like that kind of shit, it sends you into it crisis mode. Does. It really just got everything glitching up and nothing makes any sense. I wrote down what Anne says after she leans into our goddess of thirst and immediately transports the bitch into the goddamn Sahara because Anne Walker's face is just looking up and she's just, I feel like transfixed. Like she's lost in the eyes. And she tells her that, you know, anytime you're feeling safe, you know, just look at this motherfucking gondola. Think of me. Essentially, very, very just like... But what about her petticoats? Because I feel like when she's thinking of you, Anne, it won't be to feel safe. It'll be to feel something else entirely. Poor, poor Ann Walker on the gondola and the gondola canoe is like, oh, (laughs) we got a leak. But there's I a leak on the like, gondola. She needs to explain safe from what? Because I feel like Ann Walker's like, safe from what, bitch? My petticoats from these sapphic fields? Because none of that is true. I am not safe from any of that. Any of it at all. In fact, my body's vibrating right now. Where is safe? It's certainly not the Lake District, is what I'm saying. <laughs> like, the Lake District isn't safe for Ann Walker. I don't know. I was going to ask your thoughts about this because I can totally just read into things way too much with my imagination. But And my appreciation of the aesthetics, because I really do quite love aesthetics in a scene and I really can't even be sure about how detailed they were to get into this. But at the same time, at the same time, when a bitch has thought and marinated for 20 fucking years about how they would do a thing, I have to assume that the same type of delicacy and intricacy and carried to attention that one would expect from like a 20-year thesis, a media thesis, a film thesis, the kind of detail we saw, the only thing that is coming to my mind right off the top of my head for someone who worked that long an idea would be James Cameron for Titanic and well, almost all of his films at this point. And um, Terrence uh, Malick, Terrence okay. Malick, Tree of Life. Where people are marinating on their idea for such a long time that it's such a specific thing and you want to capture these things that I feel like that's where we're getting here. And so in this aesthetic scene, like number one, it's like, okay, look at this room. It's bright and automatically bright, sunny. You're like hopeful, cheeriness, positivity, expectancy, but in a positive way. And then you have like the color contrast that we almost always have between Anne and Anne, but in a way that I like because Anne Walker is always in these light floral pastels. And And then then Walker's uh, in the darker uh, color, solids, right? And so you already have that. And then you have the height difference, which is like, and Willister's up high and Walker's down low. And then you had like the auditory. I mean, I like symmetry and that's that's probably where this starts. But I'm a Stanley Kubrick movie fan. Just, I don't, it's one of those things, one of those brain things where I'm like, symmetry, I love it. Let me do it. Let me see it. And I feel like the symmetry also 
continues in the auditory sort of way. And they don't always deliver their lines the same way. But in this particular scene, it's being done in a very particular way, where I feel like the way Sophie Runnels delivering Ann Walker's lines, it's very light, whimsical, airy, hopeful, maybe timid in a certain kind of sense. And then Ann Lister, played by Saran Jones, is more of a, um, she has a lower tone. She's the one with time and experience. And she doesn't have an as airy or innocent or tepid kind of tone. You know, so you have like a light, airy, baby gay. And, and then you have Hungry Like the Wolf, hmm. Ann Lister. And, you know, it's not to say she's been anything but gentle with Ann Walker because she's been very tender and considerate and all with that. With intention, yeah. Right, right. But the hunger, that's what I mean. The hunger is 20 years in the making. The hunger, it's full of desire and rejection and longing that's similar to Ann Walker's, but also dissimilar because there's, there's other stuff behind it. I don't know if I'm making sense. I'm just saying that in that moment, I was struck by the contrast, all of the contrast that was happening down to the way they sounded and how they were performing their lines. What are your thoughts? Does that make any sense at all? I mean, I like where you're seeing the differences between the two, and I like where the similarities lie. Ultimately, like we discussed earlier, with their profiles and dealing with public perception of each individual's person. Mm. The way how Anna Lister could stand up to a bully, bullying and Walker behind her back, talking about the fact that she's got menstrual strain on her spine to a bunch of women <laughs> who are not her doctors seriously so i mean it, it's just it's it was very uncouth and it, it no one needs to be dealt with with kids gloves especially if they're intelligent so it's like there's an agency to respect that she sees that the same way how people can think all these extravagant thoughts about what the dastardly uh and Lister does, mm -hmm. which is why people fear her, that she just sort of milks to her advantage because she's a businesswoman and she needs to get business done. So whether you're complying out of fear or complying out of uh, out of logic, I mean, mm -hmm. she, it doesn't matter as long as you're complying. So she's like, this is my A to B. I need to get, be successful, get yeah. my money. And I Bitch, could care I less. Right, I could care less about how you feel. And it's like they're both sort of trapped in their their versions of their versions of torment uh, i don't want to say like a living hell where it's like she's back at shabby little shibden and, oh, and you know and walker's stuck with older ann walker like literally dictating every life's detail and she's not being allowed to flex mm. at all so it's like what's the point of being rich if i can't spend my own money what's the point of, <laughs> you know like so what is the point well she's a woman one day she'll wed, and then the person will be will the she? wealthiest husband. <laughs> you Fuck know. them. Fuck that future husband. But yeah, I went off on that tangent. But that's because I just enjoy when art is firing on all cylinders, when all of the things seem to be coming together in the way that you can. Because I feel like people can make pieces of art that you're supposed to watch, movies and TVs, and maybe they're taking these 10 things into account, but not these other things. And things can fall by the wayside of details. And if you're a detail-oriented person like myself, those can be the things that can completely destroy and ruin something for you because you just fixate on this one thing. And you're like, that's not, that's not what they did in 1832. And now I'm stuck on you doing this. But every time I, I take in all the details of Gentleman Jack that I've noticed, and then first time I watched it, and then I got all the books and then reread some of the books, it's like, you're like, oh, like every fuck detail in 
pin this shit down to a goddamn shawl in a scene is prepared carefully and expertly with all of these pages in mind and them doing the best that they can to just like condense it but in a meaningful way so it's not really condensed but is also condensed right. five, almost five million words is a lot of goddamn words and I just I appreciate that shit I really do that's why I like the opera I want all my senses to be stimulated my eyes give me visual shit and that's that's yep. not just pretty people colors sets situations like what are we doing are there any parallels to be drawn you know like when you're in English class and whatever the writer meant could be whatever they meant but your fucking teacher's like give me 18 other reasons why this book is valid or tell me how you interpret this thing that's what I feel like they're giving us with Gentleman Jack they're like here are the visuals here are the sounds here's the acting here's the set here's all the stuff anywhere you look you're gonna be having a good ass time no matter how you think thank you Sophie Rundle thanks Saran Jones you guys have done a stellar job even though you were not nominated for Emmys because that's some bullshit but Game of Thrones done fucked everything up which I knew I thought it could fuck things up for Killing Eve it did not but it definitely fucked things up for Gentleman Jack I mean well when half of the co-stars and leads are um, nominating themselves that's just letting you know where HBO is yes HBO wanted to lead the noms over Netflix yes but I guess after they didn't submit point, everybody right? they didn't and submit and good for everybody. Gwendolyn Christie like yes. bitch Submit your damn self. Yeah, I, did I wish somebody work. would have told Saran Jones, right. submit your damn self, right. bitch. And then you I would have loved to have read a story about a Saran Jones submitting herself for an award. Maybe we HBO can get that in two years do. where apparently Gentleman Jack will be back because that's ridiculous. In two fucking years. I think the British gotta fix but their lives. It speaks towards her characterization of Anne Lister. Like I went to go and nominate myself. Like, <laughs> Yo, this is what I mean. Jaunty music. Yes. Play jaunty, some jaunty music right. while you nominate yourself, bitch. Right. Like, oh. oh, that's a golden moment. I, in my head canon, yeah, I'm going to say that she tried to do it. Oh, my goodness. They did a lot. Bitch. <laughs> you know, I would actually totally say I had a bit of a Stendhal's moment during this series more than once. Do you know what I mean when I say that? No. Stendhal syndrome. Okay. For anyone who is not familiar, it can be considered a bit of a pretentious. Well, look at why did my British accent arise? I'm like, it could be it considered happens. a bit of a pretentious experience. But um, it's actually a syndrome or an idea of a syndrome that is named after a man, Stendhal. And he wrote about a, a situation that happened to him when he was in Italy. And actually... I could Google, but I'm feeling lazy. But I want to say that the origination of this is actually firmly within Anne Lister's lifetime. So I want to say early 1800s, maybe 1815, 1816, 1817, 1818, one of those. But he was in Italy and felt like he was taken over by an emotion. Matter of fact, I should Google that quote because it's best to describe. I think you can be like, oh, I think maybe I felt that too or not at all. That sounds ridiculous. Okay, here it is. Right. During his visit to Florence in his book, Naples and Florence, A Journey from Milan to Reggio, he wrote that when he visited the Basilica of Santa Croce, where Niccolo Machiavelli and Michelangelo and Galileo did their shit and were buried, he was overcome with profound emotion. He wrote, quote, I was in a sort of ecstasy from the idea of being in Florence, close to the great men whose tombs I had seen, absorbed in the contemplation of sublime beauty. I reached the point where one encounters celestial sensations. Everything spoke so vividly to my soul. Ah, if I could only forget. I had palpitations of the heart, what in Berlin they call nerves. Life was drained from me. I walked with the fear of falling. So, you know, an overwhelming situation. Oh, wow. From something that you are in proximity to or visually experiencing, would you say you've had that phenomenal? Uh, or we can we'll even add music because that's happened to me in concerts. Well, music perhaps, yeah. 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 Never with art. 
Um, I'm going to say no with art, but it does make me think of the adverts that I've seen with uh, for MoMA where they keep saying, and then it hits you. Where like you see oh, exhibits, like that? Uh-huh. and then like you're randomly casually throughout your day, and all of a sudden like whatever Actually, you saw strikes you. Like as you're you're trying to cross the street, and all of a sudden that one piece it just it like just flashes in your head, and you're like, oh, I get it. Like you get a newfound connection to it right. after you've already left the museum, and you're like, wait, that's what it was about. Like that's what it was getting at. Oh, that was the that was the vibe. That was the 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 rage that it was tapping into. I'm, I'm tapping into that rage now, but I'm nowhere near the piece anymore. But I could attribute that. That has to happened it. to me, although it it's never it's never happened like while I was away for the piece. The first time I feel like it actually like was similar to art, which I'm like oh weak in the knees, but I just felt like profoundly affected by something. I was super young, and I was at no, it was the MoMA, and there was a Pollock art on display, and I'd seen it in books and things from stuff I'd read, and I just I don't know that I thought they were anything special at the time. I thought they were kind kind of um, loose and just without direction, but this, the little tiny picture in the book did not give me the appropriate scope as to the textures right. and the size of it. And so when I got to the museum and I was this fucking kid, and I don't know if you've ever seen Jackson Pollock paintings in person, but they're huge. Yes. They're gigantic. Yes. They're everywhere. And what was interesting is that I am so attracted to symmetry, the idea of symmetry in a room, furniture, like shapes, that for something so chaotic and full of mania to and what I perceived as, as mania at the time to affect me so viscerally, I can compare it to that moment because it just kind of hit me in a second where I was like, I looked at it and I was like, okay, was not expecting this big. And then I was looking at the textures and the things and I just got lost in it and I, you know, overwhelming feelings of a sensation of, of a type of energy. Like, yeah. And it was sort of like mania, obsession and fixations. But at the same time, I was like, and chaos. But at the same time, like order in this chaos and beauty in this chaos. What? And so like child me was like, oh my God, is this what people feel like when they're experiencing art? It's amazing. Oh my God. Wait, one other person. Wait, wait, the name's gonna come to me. It's a Japanese artist. Maybe you've heard of her. Um, um, um... Do you know what I'm talking about? She's done like a infinity rooms. I... I know Infinity Rooms. I can't think of who. I feel like I know the concepts. I feel like I've seen these. It's come on. Oh my god! I so it's Yayoi. The other artist I'm thinking about is Yayoi Kusama, and she is a Japanese artist who's been around for a minute, and she's had a a number of shows along the East Coast and other places. But she's got this thing called. I mean, she's been doing it for years. You said you heard of the Infinity Rooms. Yeah. I don't know if you ever seen an Infinity Room. But it was glorious. I have waited for hours to get inside this bitch's space. Although I should say the first time I stumbled onto one of her her pieces of art, her installations, it was totally by happenstance. And I did not know what I was getting into and just kind of walked into this incredible space and lost my shit. And more so than anything compared to like Baby Me with Jackson Pollock because my thing is lights. I've done light sculptures. I'm pretty much obsessed with space and those things and making things look like these things. Here, look at this picture. So this is what one of her rooms look like. Now, when I stepped into this room with all these different mirrors and things, I'm telling you, I, I, I thought in my mind, I was like, this is what a nebula feels like. Like if you could be in a nebula and not die and just like exist to like some sort of entity, this is what it would look like. And I started freaking the fuck out. I was so giddy. It was like I was on drugs. It was like someone gave me all the happy drugs and they're like, here, Candace, take the drugs. And um, thankfully I was by myself because I was able to fully enjoy that without giving a fuck what anyone thought about how ridiculous I was being at just like, this is so beautiful. 
And that's basically me watching Gentleman Jack. This is so <laughs> beautiful. And I suppose that was the point of this ridiculous tangent onto art. Anyone who's not familiar with Kusuma's work, please check it out. You will be a better person for it. You will be a happier person for it. I promise you. Back to the scene, which is Anne and Anne. <laughs> so our happy moment gets interrupted. And she has this thing to do with her friends, but you know, oh, she does really want to do the thing with her friends, but the friends will be kind of sad if she doesn't go. And it's like, oh, actually, there's a wedding that I could maybe go to, but I don't want to go. I told my aunt I'm not going, but now I'm thinking, my friends, like, how will it look? How will it look? And and Walker's initially like, well, why don't you want to go? And she's like, it's complicated. Mm. <laughs> my head ex, she's back there. I I don't, um, you know, I don't really want to talk about it <laughs> right now about why it's complicated. And and Walker just lets it lie, and she's like, okay. And this is where she jumps, like she puts her hand on her arm, and because every piece of touch is so special in this show, that basically I feel like is the 19th century equivalent of like in the seventh base. <laughs> like you're uh, like, yeah. I'm on seventh base. I'm touching your arm and doing a slight caress with my thumb. That's that's a lot for Ann Walker. And immediately Ann Lister's like, what's this? You touching my arm and shit? Okay. Um, wow. You took my mind off Veer real quick for a second. And then Ann Walker gives some actually, like she gives some advice. Like she's out here giving life advice that Ann Lister evidently takes by the time the episode's done where she's like, listen, um, first of all, I think that if you don't go, your friends will totally miss you, which flattery always start with flattery. Yep. And Ann's like, big smile. Thanks. I, you know, I do believe that people enjoy my company. I write about a lot of my journal, but it never hurts to hear a woman I'm flirting with. Tell me that I'm a lovely person to be around. And then she's like, outside of the fact that they'll definitely miss you, I find that, paraphrasing, that, you know, anytime I've not wanted to go somewhere and do something, that if I've gone anyway, it's oftentimes been the best fucking day. So maybe if you went, you know, things that were not figuring themselves out will actually work themselves out. Maybe, perhaps. Innocent, hopeful smile. And it was like that thing you said in episode one. Stop thinking about the things you've lost. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Think about the things you can gain. Yes. And obey her thirst walker, obeyed her thirst just then with the caress, with the equivalent of seven base, with the affirmations of, wow, you're great. Also, here, do this. Also, here's some advice. Also, you need to forget about that bitch, Veer. You need to forget her and uh -huh. remember, remember what's over here at Crow Nest, bitch. Right. Remember what's back here at fucking Halifax. You've been lost for 10 years, but you can be found now in between these thighs. No, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, uh, gosh. See, I just lost my train of thought. I went off on that train of thought. My own fan fiction. Well, I mean, uh, what, what did we ultimately end up? We ended up with her saying... Her being Miss Cleo? Because yeah. I'm strong. She was Miss Cleo. That's what it was. I was trying to think of what I thought at the time of what she was doing. And she was being like the Scottish gay version of Miss Cleo. Call me now. That line of, so maybe, you know, if you went. Like, that's, that's her being a sage. That's her being like, here's your future. It's me. I feel like I feel like it was a good thing that she said what she said. It's like, you know, I have a thought and then share the thought with someone who could. It's like her third eye was like Miss Hobart's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> we got to make sure that she closes the door on this. And I will mention this more on the nightcap, but this is something that the show takes liberty with. That while Anne is perfectly crushed and annoyed and horrified by just having to get the updates about Veer's fucking life, as far as I could tell, she does not attend the wedding there. She's at Shipton when mm. she gets this information. And in general, the process of what's happening at Shipton between when she's there and when she calls on Ann Walker for the first time within this timeline is a bit more stretched out than the show would imply. And so 
that's not a thing, but I actually enjoy that they do this because visually and as for the, you know, just for the story sense, it gives us an, a more definitive way of like, let's wrap up this Veer shit. Like, unfortunately, we cannot wrap Mariana with a pretty bow because when a bitch got as much baggage as Mariana, can you ever? No. But we can sure as hell uh, wrap up the fuck Veer, bitch. Right. Go marry your man. Go marry your dude, Cameron. Have some babies. And stay out of Anne's life. Just write your little letters and be like, oh, hey, Anne. Is it, how's the grubbling going? It's a, is it good? I hope it's... <laughs> hope you're having a good time. Again, after this line, it's like, kiss, kiss. I mean, I really thought upon first watch, I was like, it's happening. It's all happening. But at the same time, I was freaking out. I was like, is it happening? Is it happening? This like, like never happens in queer shit. It's episode two. That's what you said. You were like, it's episode two. This is not what we get when we get queer content. But then again, you know, Sally, Sally did her thing. They're marinating in that obvious sexual tension. And then Catherine throws open the door. Yeah, it's a, a while quick knocking, knock. Which, right. It's a knock open. How does that work? Like, it's not, you're supposed to separate the two actions. Knock, wait, then open. Not knock open. She was there to rescue her You friend. know what? It was to be rude to Miss Lister. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Because that's not what you do. But yeah, that's what happens. And she barges in. Oh, hello, Miss Lister. And Anna is perfectly, and Lister is perfectly polite. Like, oh, well, no. Hi. I have to go here. Think of me when you're over here. Here's some fun shit to do. I don't remember what she says, but she's basically like, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be fun. She gave some of her customary advice. And then she's like, I have to go see a man. <laughs> and that just made me laugh because of just the way she said it. I was like, did yes. beat his ass? I hope so. I Verbally, hope if so. not physically, and please. And she introduces herself to Catherine and shoulder checks that hoe. Yes, that jaunty, that jaunty <laughs> strut out the door. You're going to learn about me. I, I don't know what learn. you heard, but you're going to learn. Oh, she was like, I heard me. you've been talking that shit. Right. Actually. And so she leaves. And what's the scene after that? I believe it is Washington and Lista with. Um, oh, wait. We should mention that. And giggles after that shoulder check, which would be perceived as rude to anyone but Ann and Ann. And I thought that they shared an exchange with each other. They in did. Between. Well, see. Well, I mean, it's that it kind like, of it's, shoulder this, check, like. it's the kind of silent language that you share with your partner I'll or who you're dating. Where you, <laughs> I mean, that was to that was to Ann Walker for sure. Yeah, I think it was hilarious though that it was such an unbelievably rude, like big dick energy thing. But I loved it. And after this happens, and it's you know from Catherine's perspective, it's completely entirely rude. And Walker just looks at her like, "See, isn't she amazing? Do you see the way she just right. violently hits her shoulder? Isn't she perfect?" Like and Catherine's just not. like, I don't... She's strong. Does she lift logs? <laughs> <laughs> Does she lift logs? Or perhaps tall shrubs? Goddamn Catherine. And I think we're back to Washington and Anne back at Shibden. Yes. And there's Meeting someone... With, uh, Mr. Hinscliff. Yes, who's putting a bid in for the one acre that he needs. <laughs> uh, I, I've laughed so obnoxiously this whole episode. I'm sorry, guys. And, uh, you know, he's being told to rate. And he's like, oh, this is... It's bordering on I should just do all of the work, but it's going to cost <laughs> too much what he said. to do all of the work. <laughs> and Washington's uh, speaking on behalf of Miss Lister. Like, well, that's Miss Lister's right. You know, take it or leave it. And then he tries to appeal to the good graces of Miss Lister. He's like, oh, but, Miss know, Lister. <laughs> no, wait, the way he says mom. Mom. Uh, her <laughs> fucking response. She's like, bitch, would you put that face on? For a dude, for a man, would you do that? No? Then save it for your mama and your wife. Because don't bring it here, help. This is not the way. And Lister does business. I do business like the bros, which is to say based on fact and logic. And not the fact that, oh, it's a woman, you know. 
We can convince her based on emotion, clearly. If I could just appeal to her with this face, the face I gave my mom every time I wanted a cookie, surely Miss Lister will give me what I want. And she's like, well, soon you will know me better <laughs> than mm. that. You will not come in here and ask such things. And I love that when she finally reads him to Phil for a little bit about her fair shit, and then he agrees to it. He's like, well, okay, um, I will pay that for the acre. She's like, okay, but not yet, though. I gotta, right. uh, I gotta, I gotta make the offer to the first party. He's like, what? Because, like, right. Because it's customary. He was going to go to the bank and get a note so that he could uh, have his, you know, down on the Yeah, acre. the check. She's, she's like, like, I don't bring well, a check. There's already a previous offer and I already like, told them that they get first dibs. But, you know, I will let them know that you, you know, if, if anything falls through, I'll let you know. But And then he tries to dry snitch on the Rawsons, but everybody been snitching on the Rawsons already. He's like, you know, the Rawsons? Stealing your coal and shit. She's like, bitch, I already know. I'm clued in to what's right. happening here. But that's not going to change what's happening here with me and you right fucking now. So this is what's happening. Deal with it. And right. that's, what, that's she what she does. That's what she does. He's arguing. And she's like, actually, if I could just. And then she gets Baby up Booth, and she's if like, you uh, could show Mr. Hens Cliff out. She's like, well, was there anything else? Oh, no? Okay. Yeah. So if you could just show this man out. Yeah. And I love how Baby Booth comes running again. I'm always like, what is he doing? <laughs> like, is he just he's in his life? Was he in the bell. bathroom? Was he on the loo? And he's like, fuck the bell. Uh-huh. Gotta run across the fucking Shibden Hall. Yeah, actually. How does he hear that bell across? You know what? It doesn't uh-huh. matter. He's trained himself. Sure, in that type of a state, that only one thing sounds like that bell. You just gotta remember where it came from. Yes, and then we end the scene with her telling Washington that, you know, she's gonna write a note to the other party. But really, she wants to know about the costs involved with sinking her own damn pet do it do it do it i love it i strongly feel like she should do it entrepreneurship is a lovely thing we're almost to the end of the episode here but we are at the servants eating but then they're rudely interrupted by Anne, which is basically what happens and transitions immediately to call for (laughs) eugenia it's eugenia Eugenia. i'm gonna keep doing that (laughs) but yeah she immediately calls for eugenia startling everybody and i just love these little side scenes because basically everything nuanced about the servants is made up i would assume because who gave a shit what they were up to and who the fuck wrote it down nobody and if they wrote it down it's gone but most of them were literate so there was a lot of writing going on and so this is sally i think making the show more full and more interesting by taking these real life names of people who were involved in her life and then just giving them stuff. She busts into the kitchen like when you see them like no one is working. Right. No one is cutting vegetables. They're chilling and it's probably they probably been on their feet all day and they're like nah I'm gonna chill I'm just gonna thank I'm gonna eat this stuff over here and have a good time. And she calls them and everyone jumps up and it's like cutting a carrot cutting a carrot cutting a piece of celery I'm so busy. Oh yes Miss Lister what do you need? What did she say? Tell Eugenie to pack her fucking bag? Because she's Uh, going. We're We're going to London. London. Yeah. Oh, because she's taking Thirsty Anne's advice. So, yay. And then she goes upstairs and knocks on her auntie's door. I love all the scenes with her and Aunt Anne Lister. I, I too, yes. It's so sweet. She's like, how are you feeling? And I think she asks if it's all right that she's going to be going to London. I mean. For the wedding. I think it's adorable that she asked for permission. But then right after, she's like, Eugenie's packing already. Yeah. <laughs> Like, you could always tell Eugenie to unpack because I guess she's a servant and she'll just do what you say. But it's a little, it's a combination of I know you're going to say yes because you're my aunt that lives vicariously. You love me to death and you'll never deny me anything I want. I feel like that's the way the relationship is being portrayed right now. But also, that's just in on her bullshit. Like, I've already decided. I'm doing this as a pleasantry, but in reality, this is why I've decided it needs to happen and I'm just going to be doing that. We see tons of times her family expresses reservations and she's like, doing yeah, it anyway. Uh-huh. Doing it anyway. Yeah, she tells her Anne that she'll be back, what, in like a week, 10 days? A week is too short. But like 10 days or something like that. And that her sister would be here. Yes, that Marion will be there to help her with her legs. 
Oh, are we straight to Veer after that? I think we are because the ceremony. Well, the outfit looks nice. Uh, the uh, they pay really good uh, attention to. Uh, You're talking about aesthetics. Anne's outfit. Uh, no, I'm talking about. We, I don't think we see the outfit. I'm not complimenting Veer. Well, I, I understand why you have the energy for Veer. <laughs> I understand. You know, I liked Anne's gaudy hat that she was wearing. I like the black. I, I wish she would do more of those hats. I mean, I'm always down with the black. I Dress like black. We're New Yorkers. Like what kind of New Yorker doesn't have at least two dozen all black outfits just because it's a uniform? Right. But. I think she looked great. And hopefully that she was like, I'm going to look as good as I can possibly look for right now in this wedding. Because, bitch, you're missing out. But, you know, we do have to suffer through, even though she looks great, like just her suffering through this ceremony. Uh, of, that like, was the heterosexual dra- propaganda. Most dragging. She has to hear the words. It's Here we all gather together in this het ceremony of hetness uh, of a man and a woman, man and woman, uh, woman and man being joined as woman and man in marriage heterosexually. Ooh. In this church for heterosexuals. Ooh. That's what I feel like she heard. She's yeah, like, I mean, but that's <laughs> what that it was. was. It. That's, that's what and it was. And it was horrible. It, everything. Was I was just... over it. I really was. But at least they gave us some good stuff at the end of this scene because Anne was classy as fuck. Honestly, if I dated a het who did me like that, and I had to discover that, oh, we wasn't we wasn't fucking around anymore because of het giggles. She'd have sent me that invitation, and that's how I know I wouldn't be in polite English society because I would have basically answered with what that kid says in School of Rock. You're tacky and I hate you. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Wait a Candace, are you RSVPing to this fucking het show? No, bitch. I hate you. Right. You didn't figure yeah. it out? Like, I, we're done. Write one of your other fucking friends. You have a lot of new friends now. Write them. But Anne is classy and she keeps the convention and politeness and whatever. And she's like, okay. And after the wedding, she's like, Veer. And Veer's like, oh my God, you, you came? Lit you came? up. She did. But here's also what I'm going to suggest, even though Veer is obviously heterosexual, that there's barely a woman who doesn't light up in front of Anne. Right. Right. Because that's what charm does. That's what showing someone true attention does. And we know in those days, men didn't really pay attention to women unless they wanted to fuck them or own them or both. She wants to grubble and do those things too. But at the same time, she's like, I'm interested in who you are as a person. I want to get to know who you are fundamentally. And I think that anyone who's removed from the bright light of Ann Lister's affections is upset. And that's actually something that is a theme with her lovers and her girlfriends and people she flirts with is that it's how it starts right it's flattering to you and giving you attention and it makes you feel away that is the very start and so that seems to be something that Ann Lister is very good at doing she was very charming and she got to a point where she was supremely aware of of how charming she was and I'll mention diary entries in the nightcap <laughs> there it is so Veer would light up to see her but I also like if we go based on how the show is is also showing it the last time they saw each other <laughs> it, was, it was fraught with like intense emotional angst yes. and so and being able to be the bigger person here i think just creates even more esteem for veer because veer was being petty because and it's like i just wanted to say congratulations you look beautiful and veer's like oh thanks but why are you dressed like that you're so odd you're wearing black it's like girl what you could just take the compliment bitch up with her tradition of wearing black she's done so for the past 15 years 16 she's, years wow 16 <laughs> years since experience. mariana married that hoe charles who is actually a hoe because how else do you pass on STIs unless you hoeing out in the time where you definitely should not be hoeing. That century was not the right hoe down century. Ooh, oh no. She says that to Veer and Veer's like, well, listen, thanks for coming. It means so much because I just want you to know that it really like, it was not about me not being fond of you. I really like you. I think you're really smart and clever, but I'm not like that. And I was just sort of like, why Veer? It reminded me of that horrible whisper she did in the flashback. 
don't. <laughs> you know, I, like, I don't think she had to reiterate that. We got it from the head giggles. We right. got it from the, I shan't say no. But here you are at your own wedding. Like, I'm not like that, bitch. I could fight Veer, is what I'm saying. I know Anne's mostly over her, but I'm just still like, that was some shady ass shit. One of Anne Lister's friends should box you out for that shit. Well, yes. It was a grand hat wedding. We did see that. And they get closure, which is important, right? Anne Lister walks out of that wedding feeling like a million bucks. After calling her husband a buffoon indirectly. Oh, yes. <laughs> because as she, as she was describing the reason why she wears the black, because a good woman in her life decided to throw all she had away and to marry a buffoon. She said, oh, and then she likes to keep up with the tradition. She says, oh, oh, oh that banter. Not that Charles, not that he's a, a, a buffoon. buffoon. <laughs> and then, the whole time Vera's like, yeah, no, 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 no not, not him. No. Right. 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 No, no, no. <laughs> it was like the office 19th century version. I enjoyed it. And after that, she pieces the fuck out, essentially. Yes. with, with Speedwalk. Uh, right. The jaunt is back. Because she's on a back. mission. The jaunt is back. The gay jaunt is back. And she's on a fucking mission. Cue the jaunty music for the Lake District. Yes. This is Anne walking with a purpose. To get her girl. To get back on the shits back on her jaunty shit. She's like, I must rebel, I must go, I must charm, I must spend more time in the affections of a of a woman that actually completely and totally wants to spend her time with me. And that's right. That's not a lie. That's truth. It's all facts. And she fucking throws that carriage door open, which I think oh, is the first time we see that it's shit. It's adorable. She, she gave him a mini concussion. He has a knot on his fucking head the way she threw that fucking door open. And she's like, bitch, I gotta go. And she runs into, well, not runs, but incredibly speed walking into the mm -hmm. building she's in. She throws her shit at Eugenie. She's like, Eugenie, take this fucking hat and stick. Right. Also, pack up. We're going, going to the Lake, lake. District. <laughs> We're going to the Lake District, bitch. Don't ask for permission to visit a bitch. Show the fuck up. Like how the men be doing. I'm just showing up to call on you. I'm not letting you know ahead of time. I'm so excited for episode three. I can't wait. That's it, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Uh, we get the credits rolling as we have understood. Yeah, that she's going to go be gay and yes. be in love in the Lake District. Gay pursuits are amazing. The best pursuits of all pursuits. So what are your final thoughts on this episode? I love what we're building up to. Um, I'm not liking the brothers at all. Uh, Good. Uh, the wedding, maybe if I'm lucky, this will be the last time I see Veers. Honestly, fuck Veer Hobart. Yeah. Uh, she's gonna, <laughs> I feel like I just hope that it's uh, real. Whatever that is, I don't know. I don't want her to come back and be like, you know, uh, I tried it and I thought that I'd be all right with life without you, but I just, I just needed to flaunt my straightness in front of you and, and hopes that you would give me the attention that I'm not like my, that. right. I know. <laughs> yeah. So I want her to sink her own pits. Yeah. That I needs to happen. want her to get a counter offer from the brothers and I want her to accept it. Even though she probably won't. No comment on any of those developments, so I don't spoil you, but yes. I all of that. want her sister to take the landscaping around the farm more seriously. Oh, Marion, you want her to give a shit about the shed? I want her to at least do some of the oversee some yeah, of the right. Marion oversees the servants to bitch at Anne. Like that's what she does. Remember she we were talking earlier when she was like the, the mud, think of the servants. And so you were like, but she don't do it herself. And that's because she's literally watching the servants deal with the bullshit and bitching while she observes them. 
Yes. They're like, oh my God. Well, they don't say, oh my God, this mud, but she bitches for them aloud because, well. Like, I don't want you do. to think that we're savages. I mean, we, we have servants, but I don't. Like, She's servants like, well, fall. Servants. Like, think of the servants. And I feel like Anne's like, but they're my servants. I'm <laughs> classist and I don't know why. You keep insisting that I involve the feelings of my servants in my own pursuits because that's not what I do. Okay, so you want to see Marion giving a shit about the renovations? Just a wee bit. Uh, I want to see a possible confrontation between, uh, what was it, Hardcastle? And Anne, if there's another... Hardcastle? Do you Wait, mean uh, uh, um, Thomas's dad? Does Thomas have the marked face? On his eye? Yes. Yes. Okay, so yeah. Hardcastle is the family of the boy with one leg now. Okay. So, so... I think Thomas's surname is Soudan in the show. Because I feel like I remember saying Daddy Soudan is a bitch. Or something to that effect. So that's his dad. And he's an asshole. And clearly he is not being very nice is to his family. He, is he by chance one of these minors? You want it revealed? No, he, no, I, well, he, I mean, he works for Ann Lister. So I'll give you minor spoiler. Do we see him again? Uh, yes. Hmm, okay. So no comments on why we see him, how we see oh, him, what okay. happens when we see him. But we doth see him I, again. I want Ann Walker to uh, definitely uh, pack. I hope she packed enough. Of the trowel, I don't know. Wait, if she, enough, uh, enough of the trousers. Oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't know. Wait, she may not have. And Lister, no, and, and Walker. Walker. You talk about her petticoats. Yes, I don't, <laughs> I don't think she brought enough. Listen, I think that her petticoats were See mostly those nine safe. They were probably mostly <laughs> safe, unless she was clutching on the handkerchief and then she ruined her petticoats. Right. But who knows what'll happen when Anne just shows the fuck up? Definitely in that moment that she just appears and wherever Anne Walker is. And just is like, it's me. I'm here. It's in like immediate petticoat destruction for sure. Mm. It's a good thing. Those things are so big and fluffy to hide the, the stuff because how yeah. else are you supposed to save face? If people just know that you done ruined your damn petticoats, it's a good thing you have 18,000 layers yeah. of Georgian times to be like, it's okay. Not when you're trying to get the fucky fucky going. Cause that's annoying to be like another layer. And honestly, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I laughed aloud in reading books, like just like in public or near other people. Like, yes, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just reading my Ann Lister book where I would just laugh out loud at these instances of Anne's situation. Layers, all the different times in the journals through the years, essentially 20 years-ish, does she have issues with the petticoats? Like she could probably write a poem, Ode to the Petticoat, Why Doth Thee smite me <laughs> because you know if you are thinking of all these layers and you're like oh i'm just trying Try, to get the foreplay going to... and think about the time window because maybe there's a window where you're like if i get near the queer at this time my success rate of this is increased by 20 percent because Anne was good the maths but if i cannot get to the queer in this amount of time the likelihood that i will not and i'll be stuck behind the petticoats grubbling dryly a dry grubble is increased mm. so yeah my final thoughts are like Wow, what to go on? Also, all that thirst. That's how, <laughs> that's, that's how I would sum it the fuck up. So you made your predictions, essentially. Are you holding strong to your schmang prediction of episode three or four? And actually, I would prefer that you lock in a single choice. You can only have one. There can only be one. Fine, I'll shift to episode three. I know it's crowded up there, <laughs> but they will find a way to make it work. I guess that's it. This episode is probably long as fuck. I'm looking at the time and I'm like, oh, that's, hmm. That's a, it's like, than, uh, when did we start? Wait a minute, when did we start? Why are we still talking? What the fuck is going on? So we want to give a quick shout out to those of you who 
I think more than likely. You lovely, lovely people followed us on Momo Villain now and you fucking threw up reviews. One of you before the first episode was out to be like, it's gonna be great, I know it is, because they did well, well. And recently, two more of you just threw up nice reviews to say you were enjoying the show and hey, it wasn't that long. I know that a lot of you reinforce that you don't mind the long episodes. We still get a little self-conscious at the end, like, yo, did we talk too long? Who the fuck is going to listen to this? Is it a lie? Is it too much? Is it? But we're so happy anytime we hear feedback from you guys that you're appreciating what we're doing and enjoying it. So quick shout out to Val from New York, CMDM, and please return to Villanelle, who left us lovely reviews on Apple Podcasts. You guys are amazing. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you. I feel like I was going to do other shout outs, but honestly, my brain has turned to cheese. I did a lot on this day and I've ended this day flailing about Gentleman Jack. And so I've expended all of my my brain cells. Every last one. Uh, so you can reach out to us? <laughs> Are you sure? You're like, so maybe you can't. I don't fucking. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> We are the actual worst of social media. But you guys are sticking with us, those of you who followed. So fucking y'all are awesome. I feel like you were attempting a sign out and then you abandoned I it. Was. I was like, <laughs> I was like, bitch. You guys should reach out to us. At, uh, End on that phrase. <laughs> Beware pickpockets and loose women. And loose That's one of my favorite signs in the studio. Beware pickpockets and loose women. Misandry. So do you want to tell people where they can find us and all the things? Uh, yes, uh, you can find us on Gentleman Jack Crack at Instagram. Uh, is it a Gentleman Crack, gentleman on, crack on Twitter? Twitter. Yeah. Uh, is it Gentleman Jack Pod on uh, Gmail? Or is, <laughs> it's Gentleman Jack Podcast. We don't email ourselves, but yes, it's Gentleman Jack Podcast. I think that's, that's it, right? The wait, Tumblr. Gentleman Jack. Uh, yeah, crack. I'm not allowed on the Tumblr. There's spoilers there. Right. You can't go to the Tumblr because you put in Gentleman Jack and the, the, the spoilers yeah. <laughs> will fall because there's just a bunch of queers screaming like, oh my God, it's fucking show! It's fucking show! It's fucking show! And so if you want to avoid all the spoilers, please do. Don't go there because they will spoil you right away because I'm just going to say to you, the most glorious things from this show do appear, do appear at the end. They do. They do. You know how like, you can have a meal. You ever had a five course meal? Has it ever been a really great five course meal where from the appetizer all the way down to the dessert and your fucking after beverage is perfect and on point? Like you are just in it. You are experiencing it. It is going great for you. That's this show. There's only more good things, Terrence. I am hoping. There's only more. I am God hoping. God damn it. Sally, BBC, how dare you come at us with this incredible content? Do you know what you've done to our standards? It's like what we've said before, when you don't get a bunch of queer content and then suddenly, all of a sudden, suddenly, all of a sudden, suddenly, you get high quality. I mean, it's it's why we started freaking out about Killing Eve. Yes. Actually, there's a similarity to be drawn here because the sexual tension, you can cut that shit with a giant butcher knife on both shows. And I just feel like that gif, I'm so used to giving and now I get to receive as a queer fan because I just, and now I feel like I'm really fucked up. What if the next person that makes queer content does not go to these lengths? Um, I'm gonna riot or just maybe not watch. Uh, I'll be sad both, if they both. call it queer, but what if you the know how the content, heads are? You know how the heads. Well, are. you know when you have to announce Brokeback Mountain. When you have to <laughs> announce ahead of production that the content is gonna be queer, 
It's like, well, what's going to make it are past you, the cutting room floor? Are you shading on Marvel I, at this time? You I know what? Maybe. Let's not get into our nerdy talk about what Marvel will and won't do for the gays. But yes, you are absolutely right. It's queer, I promise. Like, you just got <laughs> to look queer. It's, just, it's Look at that. Look how they touched pinkies. That's gay. See, there goes. Okay, that was queer. You missed it. It was revolutionary. But it's like, if bitches aren't touching pinkies with the same level of sexual tension that these bitches out here touching pinkies then I don't want the pinky touches. Do you understand? I don't want it. If you're not coming with Saran Jones's dedication, if you're not coming with goddamn Sophie Ronald's dedication, I don't want it anymore. I'll fucking watch National Geographic or another goddamn documentary about the ocean and ponder to myself what monsters lay deep beneath. Or, you know, mermaids. I have other theories, but whatever. Um... It's four. I'll keep talking about random stuff if no one stops me. So uh, let's just be out this bitch. Get my fucking Uber. I was about to. The, the thing is, like my sign off, it keeps reverting to the old sign off. And it's it like, does. until next time, guys. Well, no, yeah. it's not it. It's not it. Oh, man. It's, um. I'm looking it up, but I grubble, feel like grubble, grubble. I feel like grubble, it's grubble, cute. Grubble. No, I feel like it's I've cute to music. I'm, I've, I've transitioned into the insane place. I'm no longer on yeah. the stable realm, the realm of conscious logic. So you have to stop Ow! me. I figured it out. <laughs> I have to get a glass, and then we have to toast. I thought we toasted at the nightcap. Are we, we doing that have. here too? We, we did. I just didn't. It's not up. Yet. Oh yes, Jim and nightcap is toasting. Yes. So cue the jaunty mules on. <laughs> That's fine. That's what we doing. Are we just? Are we ending I, on that? I, and the cue the jaunty is that what's that living are. life? Are we permanently like, in the jaunty? Do it, Rockapella, but it's <laughs> instead, you know what? Until further notice, cue the jaunty music. Cue the jaunty music. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye. Regency-era lesbians. Oh, my God.